Hello, friends. Welcome to the 314th episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I'm Ryan Leopolis. I'm real tired, so I don't have a funny intro today. But I do have a bunch of funny and great friends with me, including Sparks Witty. Yeah, it's me. I'm I'm the Chuckle Chucklesworth Mc, uh, Laffy Lot. Chuckle Fox himself. I got Ben Magnet. I just thought about pulling up the Super Mario Brothers phone number. I completely messed up. So yeah, call that number. Let's go with Brandon T. McClure. Yahoo! <laughs> Yahoo! Indeed. We're here talking about uh, talking about some screams. We got uh, Scrithrium and Scriform. Uh, before we talk about Five Cream and Screevy. And those are all real titles that you'll have to deal with. Uh, <laughs> before we get into some screams and some Ant-Mans. We gotta, we gotta dedicate 20 minutes to talking about how wonderful it is that our Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. All I right, guys. First sports of all, time. I don't even, I didn't watch one second of it, most because I was at work. But also, uh, I didn't even know it was still going on like an hour ago. So like, <laughs> that's how much I care. I would have watched the game, but unfortunately, the rights to the game cycle throughout the big major networks like NBC, CBS, and Fox. Mm -hmm. This year was Fox's turn to host to air the Super Bowl, and I don't have access to the Fox streaming network, and also I didn't want to pay to just watch one game. Unlike with Peacock and Paramount Plus, they have other entertainment that does interest me, and I do want to watch. Fox doesn't. So I was watching Scream 4. And every and after that was done, I would check the score, read the book club, then check the score again, and then try to find all the trailers that I missed. Yeah, Ben, ben Magnet, I'd have watched the football game and not read the book club or watched Scream Four for the podcast, <laughs> had I been able to do so. Hey, I actually I had this planned out. I knew I wasn't able to watch the game. Had I known I was able to watch the game, I would have made sure to read the book club and watch the movie before the game. Absolutely, no, of course. Uh, yeah all right wait i Uh, i i do want to clarify were you watching scream 4 pausing scream 4 checking the score reading the book club finish an issue going back to scream 4 oh no so what i did was i finished scream 4 i watched in its entirety no pauses okay then checked the score read the book club in its entirety no pauses then check the score got it it. it. okay okay Okay. like intermission checking got it got it and also, I need to rep- I need to update my wishes. I one of my other holiday wishes is for the Raiders to make the playoffs next year because that'll be awesome for me. It would be awesome, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. So, real quickly, Ben, who won? Kansas City Chiefs. All right. So we're going to talk about some links right now. Um, while he goes off on uh, on on that for a bit. Um... God, <laughs> <laughs> listeners, he's muted. <laughs> you dick. i cracked myself up right so we do have some links in the description that we should get through it before we uh before we 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 get on to the the scream three and scriforum um so oh hi mag happy sunday to you too um always a pleasure so we have a couple of links in the description below such as our fake nerds watch uh, episode on the last of us episode four uh sparks ryan and uh, a friend of the show pie we're going through uh, the last of us episode by episode as it is so far and uh, yep. episode four dropped on video and audio last week yes it is true uh episode five came out early uh so we'll probably have that for you a little earlier than normal too that yep. but that's 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 next week it's sunday yeah. um hey spoilers still a good show can you believe it great show can you believe it Super great. Uh, hear us talk about it and then anticipate us talking about what is essentially part two of the section that we're at when we discuss episode five. 
Uh, and then be on the lookout for episode six the following week. And then there will be a, a week gap before we come back because both Pi and I are out of the country. And I don't want to talk to myself for an hour. That's weird. What's interesting is Pi is already kind of out of the country. No, he's out of the he's out of the state. He's I know, not... but he's in Alaska. But that's like not that's like kind of tangentially the country. Yeah. Uh, ask Puerto Rico if they feel like that counts as a state or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Don't mean to don't mean to get all political on the fake nerd <laughs> podcast today. Um, no, we don't ever do that. <laughs> I will. I will always take a moment to say that Puerto Rico should be a state and not an unrecognized territory. A million percent. Um, cool. So transitioning. Uh, I have a couple of articles on CBR. Um, they still don't have my name up there, so I'm trying to still trying to work that out. I'm still getting paid, which is nice. Um, it's uh, the top 10 Indiana Jones video games. And uh, um, uh, what was the other one? Oh, there are, the... there are 10 Indiana Jones video games and then more? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of adaptations of just the movies. Well, that that that's understandable. But, okay, how many of those are Lego titles? Two follow-up question is the atari game cabinet a part of the a part of the top 10 i didn't count it not for temple of doom wasn't part of it no that's a lot of games that's a lot of games for five movies that i a lot of games. i'm a gamer four movies the fifth one isn't even out four there movies. Are, that's a lot of games there are four or five originals that are just not that aren't based on the movies they're their own their own uh, there's a couple that of, are they're like on the like the original xbox like one of them's pretty good yeah, yeah, there's um you know about that one. I just didn't think there were no I didn't think there were ten, let alone more, more than no, 10. I also did it. Yeah. That's a lot. And there are two there are two young Indiana Jones adventure uh, adaptations and then uh, like I said, just the, like a bunch of adaptations of just the movies and then oh, a couple shit. of originals. Um but yeah, there it was a lot of fun to write. There's a ton of research. Yeah, that's oh, part yeah, of that, it. That did make it. That did make it. The Atari twenty six hundred Raiders of Lost Ark made it. Yeah. I mean it's I talked about the games. I talked about your friend Scott Warshaw. Oh, really? Yeah. So there nice. you go. Um, because he did that and then did ET and ruined his career. Anyway, um <laughs> I mean he did Yar's Revenge first and then did Raiders, then did ET, but yeah. I also so, not his fault. So yeah, so I did that. That's that that was fun to write. Did a ton of research for that one and think it I think it ended up pretty good. And then I did a a nine non-MCU superhero movie uh, list coming out um that's up now things like common rider and mutant teenage mutant ninja turtles uh mutant mayhem uh things like that um there's a sailor moon movie coming out this year i thought it was kind of neat and then the rest is dc movies <laughs> um but yeah that was fun um so you can check both those out those are linked below and until i get my author page finally set up i'll just kind of link the individual articles as i see fit um kind of this is the ones i'm proud of the most i think um, that's all I got. So on to Ben. Two episodes of Grayson Live dropped this week. Super Mario World. You're almost done, you said. Yep, yep. We are almost done with the cleanup. We are getting there. We're just that close to getting done with the cleanup. And then once we're done with the cleanup, who knows? I mean, we and I do know. We've talked about this. But but yeah, but I will say more stuff is coming. And I will also say it's not Super Mario. Is it Elden Ring? It's not Elden Ring. They already did Elden Ring. Yeah, I did Elden Ring with this guy. That's true. Wouldn't I you think you did. Hmm? What'd you say? 
What did you say? I said, wouldn't you want to be part of that? That's why I asked if it was Elden Ring. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Are cool. We all back together. <laughs> and then um, uh, uh, Dan Dark had a new episode yeah. this week, episode 12. Mm-hmm. Episode 12, the finale of us fighting our doppelgangers is up and, and ready to go. And at the end of that episode is foreshadowing for even more spookier events down the horizon. So give that a listen. Love. angstiest comedy show on the internet <laughs> <laughs> uh it was yep. a joy to listen to by the way i really enjoyed the, the the those two episodes the doppelgangers were a cool idea nice yeah um and that's it that's everything that's all the links below you can check them out of course um don't forget the fake nerd watch audio feed is fairly new so if you guys could go subscribe to that one that'd be cool uh we are populating that as the weeks and months go on um look for a big drop of loki episodes this week because of kang's inclusion in ant-man of the lost quantumania um so yeah that's that's all there uh who wants to go first of the week i will do it Mostly because I didn't do a whole lot. Medium-wise, I've just been playing. I've still been playing Final Fantasy. A certain something dropped this week, which we will talk about. And I only played 14 minutes of a Game Boy game that I've been really wanting to play for a very long time, which I will talk about more later in the show. But I finally broke down, or not broke down. I finally succumbed, and I got myself a Spotify account. I nice. never had Spotify before. I have it because, as some of you may know, I'm going to the gym again on a regular break on a regular basis and the power of spotify has compelled me to make the best or to make an awesome nerdy anime opening playlist so wow lifting weights i could be like the power of anime courses through my veins i did the literally the exact same thing when i used to go to the gym when i went for like four months <laughs> nay but yeah, so pretty much that's it. Um, I mean, I've used Spotify before because Fanny has, she's a Spotify user. And I would, when we were in the car, I, we would look up stuff on her Spotify and look at and play it. And I finally just said, you know what? Screw it. I'll just bite the bullet because I want stuff to listen to at the gym. Sometimes the, my local gym's music isn't, I mean, it's good, but it's not like, you know, the stuff I want to listen to. So I figured, F it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go for it. Love it. So that's awesome. pretty much that's all I all I did, I played some Final Fantasy, and yeah, that's about it. Cool. Uh, who's next? I'll go. I did nothing with any media that wasn't related to podcasts for this network, so I got nothing to share with you. Nothing at all. What he said. I bought a VR stuff thing, so I played some VR games, but I don't want you to talk about it. Uh, the only thing I did was Titanic, and I've already talked about that a few months ago, the last time I watched it. So, Did you uh, G-Pose? No. Uh, I saw it in theaters. Really great, by the way. It was really fun to do it in theaters. Um, well, then you do a mini T-pose. You're in the theater. And you, you you just like do it like this, and Zara <laughs> could do the same thing right next to you. No. It's only room for one T-pose. can't both. Um, it, it's, look, it's an excellent movie. I adore it. I was happy to see it in the theaters. Um, I, I will spotlight that like that included like picking up a bunch of Phase 4 stuff because we have an episode coming out that we recorded yeah. where we talked with Mike about ranking the MCU. And so that's coming out this week, and I put a lot of time into, you know, thinking about that stuff. So that was that was most of my week. And Just you'll see the you'll see the fruits of that soon. Yeah, I've already um, changed it since then. <laughs> Loki's higher. Loki's higher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went down. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. But yes, actually, good tease that that is an episode that is coming out this week. You can check that out. We have already recorded an episode with Mike Matola about Phase Four of the MCU. So. Look forward to that. Shall we get into the bread and butter then? 
some sad news up top. Uh, a couple of comic book creators passed away this week. Uh, Lee Mortar, Motor, sorry, uh, passed away. He was the creator. He was the co-creator of Stargirl with Jeff Johns, the original uh, comic book. And we actually read that for a book club when the show mm-hmm. came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the artist of that and other books such as Legion of Superheroes, things like that. Um, passed away 53. Yeah, uh, oh, I know him from his X-Men work because he worked on X-Factor. Uh, uh, I went to Marvel Unlimited to recheck it out, but they don't have his stuff on there right now. He mm. he did like the hundred, like late, like hundred and like eighty issues, and like it's only up to one ten. I'm like, that's a bummer. Um, but yeah, uh, 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 he did the Captain America annual that I flipped through uh, after I read this news. Um, he has a very distinct art style. It's the closest I can describe him to someone like Chris Bo- Chris Bocciolo. Uh, it's very like exaggerated features, so like no character looks the same, which is really you really love it or you don't love it. Uh, mm. And I, I I think it's pretty great. Yeah, I really liked his art style. It was the we I think collectively didn't really like the Star Girl comic, but the art was I remember being a standout. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, very, very '90s style. Like that yeah. was like really exaggerated '90s edge. Yeah, and then uh, Chris Brown, the um, cartoonist uh, who's been taking over, who's been doing Hagar the Horrible since his father created it, um, and he passed away and passed it on to his him. So Chris Brown. Passed away at the age of 70. Um, ju- and just due to a long illness. No other details to that. I I, I wasn't very familiar. I knew of, of this, but like I have never read it or anything. Uh, yeah. I didn't also didn't realize it was like a legacy comic thing. That's cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a rest in peace. Okay. That's that's a bummer. It's, I mean, it's cool that his that his dad passed on to him. So do we know if uh, Hagar the Horrible is going to continue on or is it just kind of in a limbo right now? I actually don't know. Um, mm. There was no mention of it in any of the articles I was reading. That's still a bummer. Yeah. Uh, Hagar the Horrible is really a popular cartoon, too. Uh, so, you know, I, I would imagine probably it would. Um, but we'll see. Okay. Moving on to some Disney news. Um, mm. Disney had a stockholder meeting, and, and Bob Iger was just throwing shit out. He was just ready to be like, hey, guys, I'm putting things back on track. I'm laying off 70,000 employees. Uh, seven. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> 70,000 would be a different conversation this week I, about the company. The I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 70,000. That's like half? The, is it half? No, probably less. That would, be, that would be a different no, company. Ben, by no, then it's definitely not half of the Walt Disney Company, but it's still a large amount of people. Hey, 7,000. Yeah. Nothing to sneeze at. No. Um, what, see Walt what Disney happened. Company covers everything, and everything means also like people who work at ESPN, people oh, yeah. who work it, at Hulu, people who work at 20th Century Marvel, like, Star it's a, Wars. It's a huge, huge, huge umbrella. So yeah. like, seventy thousand right, right. would still be like that's a massive dent. It wouldn't be half, but right. seven thousand still detrimental. See what unfortunately yeah. happened is I went too high, and so now the seven thousand sounds like a reasonable number. That was not my intention. That was clearly a mess up. Yeah. Um, Anyway. It's a it's a Freudian slip, but it happens. It's not a Freudian slip, actually. But well, sure, you're right. I, but I appreciate you 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 putting that out there. Um, all right. Later, I didn't just yell masturbate for no reason. Mag, uh, <laughs> Mag, Mag, in point of that said, really scary working in any major movie or production right now. Mag, it's scary working anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> if you're in the entertainment, anything, video games, like m- music, movies, like it's all it's all shit, man. It's awful. Yeah. Um, well, in lieu of that, Zootopia 2 
Frozen 3 and Toy Story 5 are all in development at Disney. Zootopia 2 is the only one I'm really interested in, to be honest. Yeah. Me too. I I more or less agree. I, I'm pretty sure when we did our review of Toy Story 4, I was pretty vocal about the fact that I disagreed with the way they decided to end it. And like I came around on the emotionality of it, sure. But um, I, I felt like that was a wrong move. Yeah. Undoing it seems even worse. Um, so I'm I'm pretty like don't do Toy there, Story Five. This is one of those things where like it took so long to get an incredible sequel. Like I don't like they can make another Toy Story, but like there are other things I'd rather you do than go back to Toy Story for a fifth time. Yeah, yeah. Like Pixar's usually pretty good about we had a good idea, so we did this. Even Toy Story Four, they admitted like you know we had we had an idea about that was about Woody and Bo Peep, and that's why they wanted to do it. And I'm like, sure, I respect that. It's, I, I get Ooh, it. I wonder. But, like, I wonder if after Lightyear's reception, they need to do one for Buzz to make up for it. Yeah, I don't know. So to make it his so, final, to his final movie. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. I'm just saying. Yeah, it, Toy Story feels like it should be left alone. It's the one I'm the most like down on, and like, it's Pixar, so like, it's, it's, not, it's not gonna be a dud, but like, yeah. it doesn't mean that I I'm excited for it or that they should do it. I mean, part of me does want to have faith in Pixar because we know the Pixar model; they don't just churn out sequels just because they have to they have an yeah. idea for it so they're gonna move forward with it which they must That's have what... an idea for it part of me really hopes that this idea doesn't involve buzz or woody maybe involves some other toy and it's and it's kind of like tim a allen, soft reboot maybe i don't know tim allen already said in a tweet that like he's excited to get back together with woody and like well, here's the thing then honestly shit. like i don't want a toy story movie that's only about one of them buzz and woody are toy story i don't want a toy story movie that's about only one of them yeah and I also don't want them back together at this point after the way they decide to end four. So I think yeah. it's just it just should be done. Um, I don't know how they're going to get around this hurdle. We'll what see. was the what was the third one, Brandon? Frozen three. So that's that, that's fine, but I'm not. That felt inevitable to me at a certain point yeah. that like they would go for a trilogy with it. And honestly, I like Frozen two much better than the first one. So I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. I'm open to it. I'm open to. It. I'm just we, not like excited. No, but like, Zootopia two is the most exciting, I think, because that world is so. Um, I don't want to say deep, but like it's so it's so vibrant, rich. well realized. It's so rich and full of okay. uh, possibility that I I see no reason not to go back to Zootopia. That makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Zootopia, out of all those, Zootopia also makes a sense to me. I'm actually more okay than not with Frozen Three because I it's like cool. There are I could just think I could think of some possibilities off the top of my head. Seeing Anna rule the kingdom as queen, seeing Elsa be free and just doing her powers, having the time of her life, and them either coming to either having to come together for some other threat or them actually being a little antagonistic towards each other. Who knows? Mm-hmm. There's I could I could see there's some good story beats in Frozen Three. Of course, like we said earlier, the one I'm not 100% happy about is Toy Story 5. I don't disagree with anything you guys said. Obviously, I'm also really excited for Zootopia 2. I think that that's, that should have been done years ago. Um, I was really excited for Zootopia Plus when they announced that because I was like, okay, finally, we're going back to the world of Zootopia. I'm you- happy about that real quickly. Um, yeah. And I think that it's it's... And it's really great that we're finally going to go back to that world. Frozen 3, I'm indifferent to. Um, I liked Frozen 2 quite a bit, honestly. I think the music, and it is spectacular. But there's really just... If it's good, I'll watch it. But there's really just nothing... nothing. Frozen doesn't really hold anything for me. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just too. kind yeah. of a passive thing for me. So, like, sure, I don't care. Um, you want to make another Frozen movie? Sure. Go ahead. 
I was just going to interject and say that uh, one of the reasons I think we it took a bit to get Zootopia 2 is because it wasn't until Frozen 2 and Ralph Breaks the Internet that they started to break their Disney animation doesn't make theatrical sequels thing. And that really wasn't that long ago. Yeah, that's true. So um, it kind of feels like Zootopia 2 is probably coming at right at right the right moment. Sure. Yeah. Um, now, Mag is also in the comments. You'll probably like this one, Brandy, because Mag also says Zootopia is also fun with the shorts. Yeah, I've heard good things. I've heard good things about Zootopia Plus. I haven't actually had a chance to check it out myself. Um, but now the thing that I am conflicted with is Toy Story Five. Um, and I, I heard you guys. I heard you guys. I'm with you guys. I, I remember how Sparks felt about the ending of Toy Story Five. Uh, Toy Story Four. Um, I don't necessarily agree. I actually really, really, really liked Toy Story Four. I mentioned it after I watched the movie that my favorite Toy Story is whichever one I'm watching at the time. Um, I think all four of them are stupendous. Um, I just i just adore them all um and i think four is very emotional for me um because it rings so true for me like, there's something about buzz having to get buzz and woody having to separate that really worked for me because of the because of bo peep and which is always a love story i i really liked from the first two toy story films mm -hmm. so i'm really conflicted because i'm like well yeah I love all the Toy Story movies. I should be really excited for a fifth one because I have no reason not to be. Yeah. But there's always the there's always the potential of okay, well this one will be the bad one. And I think that's maybe like the further we get, the more Toy Story movies there are, the fur the, the the closer that inevitability kind of sinks in. Like maybe maybe this one's going to be the one that just doesn't work. That doesn't yeah, need to like... have been made. Because I, I do agree, I do agree. Like but those are four great movies, and like I really don't want there to be a fifth one that's like, yeah, it's fine. Because yeah. that's not what I want that franchise to be: is four movies and a fine one. I want it to be all fun, all great movies. Right. Um. And just when you get to five, like, the man, that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a franchise. That's a big franchise at this yeah. point. The fervor that people had over Toy Story four, uh, being made when they were like everyone was like it's miraculous that toy story 3 was as good as it was and it was incredible yeah uh so like maybe we just let it be and then toy story 4 comes out and for the most part people are positive on it but like i'm positive on it i just i have my things about the ending but um there's definitely people who like the movie as a whole just doesn't work for them uh yeah. i and i think like even if we are like okay with toy story 5 uh i think a lot of people are going to be kind of on the outs with it at this point and it's a bummer because it's like pixar's original ip yeah and you kind of don't want them to tarnish it too much and i think like i have no problem with do as many shorts or bits as specials Ooh. that they've done they've done plenty of great toy story shorts and specials halloween special all that kind of stuff like do those to the end of time i'm fine um doing another film specifically because of what you said you like about it brandon like with woody and buzz like why they had to mm -hmm. be a part like you gotta have a real good reason to put them back together yeah, yeah and frankly frankly that was the thing that really worried me it, it was tim allen's tweet about okay i can't wait to pair back up with woody or whatever the hell he said because I, when i saw that i was like wait i would actually be okay if this was just a buzz lightyear and jesse and and bullseye and and all of them like sure you want to try and make that work i i'm i'm open i'm open to, to giving that to giving that a go but you're gonna bring back if you bring back woody and and you you risk ruining that what i think was a really just perfect ending 
of but Toy Story tough. 4. But it's tough because all the Toy Story movies, Woody's the main character. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Like, again, this is like, oh, this is what I would love, but it's, I know it's not what Pixar would want. Like, don't call it Toy Story 5, call it Toy Story something else. And it is a soft reboot and it is a brand new set of toys. And the, you can cameo the other toys too. But like, if you want to continue your franchise, like, you don't, don't make it Fast and Furious where it goes up to Toy Story 10. Just like offshoot it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that is the best idea because, like, I would love to watch Toy Stories, Toy Story movies where it's a bunch of different toys all the time. I think that'd be really inventive. You can do so many more stories with different toys instead of like doing like what these toys are always doing. Not that they're doing like similar things, but you know what I mean? You could do something fresh with a brand new set of toys who are different types of toys. Uh, and I just think there's a lot of possibility. And it's like, if you keep going back to the same well, eventually it's going to start to be dry. Right. Uh, so like I would love for them to you know, you know Toy Story, uh, uh, Barbie World, whatever, just like whatever. Like I would love to do a spin-off something. Sure. Uh, uh, but I that won't make as much money as the next installment. So here's what you do: you set it in the daycare. It's about Barbie and Ken. Wait, daycare. Thank you. That's what I was. That's what I was trying to get to. Something like like you know Toy Story. This is about these characters, and like that's totally cool. We can, you know, decide characters can, can be I, the characters. Can I ask you? Uh, how would you feel about this? Because we know we know Tim Allen is saying he's definitely in for Toy Story 5. Mm -hmm. Let's assume that he's jumping the gun about the Woody thing and that he doesn't actually know that if Tom Hanks and Woody are coming back. Yeah. yeah. What if he's not playing Buzz Lightyear, as in our Buzz Lightyear, but a different Buzz Lightyear would they in a that? different set of toys movie? Would you be okay yeah. with a different <sighs> Buzz Lightyear and other toys? Story? You know what? Yeah, yeah. But is he like playing the exact same character, but he's just a different? No, I think he'd be different because he okay. wouldn't be the one who like okay. had the same okay. journey with Woody and everything. If he's a different character, then yes. Yeah. I just don't. Oh, I, I don't want it to be like, oh, I'm his twin brother who's exactly the same character. Like, no, I don't it's, want the, it's the it's a movie about the Buzz Lightyear from the toy shop and two, who's uh, who's like who's like dad is Zerg. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, like, oh, my well, point dad. Being, they would never do that. My, my point good. being, like, we've had so many mass-produced toys that I'm like. I don't know. There's there's an avenue where if you were starting a new cast and like, but you wanted to keep something from the originals, you can you can have a totally different new idea of what a Buzz Lightyear toy is. Yeah. Uh, and start from scratch with that, and then a bunch of other characters as well. I I just hope it's not something like Andy's like thirty, and then like we need to get the band back together because Andy's too much of an adult, and like and like he's too angry at life. We need to make him young again. We need to make him happy. And I'm like I don't. I just like. I don't want them to become nostalgic and he got left at the altar we need to get the band back together I don't want it to become like nostalgia inside the franchise yeah 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 because we're getting to that point where Andy's like a full ass adult he's gone don't bring him back you know what I mean that's one of that's one of the reasons why I liked four is that they showed the restraint to not bring back Andy and that's what I'm worried about because like what big reason would you get your your core team back together again like for your main boy for your big boy um but, you know, there's a whole lot of speculation for a movie that will probably end up being good anyway. So, right. You can only hope. You can only hope. How about, how about, how about let's hope for, for this one? Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. The, yeah. The okay. next Planet of the Apes film has uh, cast Deshaun Lockman. Um, if you don't, I just don't remember her. She's. Um, I put down Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, she's Daisy's mom in in Agents of Shield, and she's the Raptor trainer in Jurassic World Dominion for Sparks. I know who you're talking about. I, she's in the trailer. Like she's a, she's is she piloting something in a tra in the trailer? No, she she's oh, she has the know. pointer. She has the laser pointer that puts points oh, the Raptors. To the... Oh, I did watch that scene too. She's pretty cool. Um, she's been in a bunch of things. Like I I mean I primarily know her from Dollhouse, um, where she I thought she played a really cool character. 
Um, but like I've seen her in a bunch of things. She's a good actress. Cool. Um, but she's joined the cast. And we also, with her announcement, got a plot synopsis uh, that I thought would be kind of cool to read. Uh, so real quickly, the new apes movie is set many years after the conclusion of War for the Planet of the Apes. Many ape societies have grown from the from when the Moses-like Caesar brought his people to an oasis, while humans have been reduced to a feral-like existence. Some groups have never heard of Caesar, while others have, have contorted his teachings to build burgeoning empires. In this setting, one ape leader begins to enslave other groups to find human technology, while another ape, who watched his clan be taken, embarks on a journey to find freedom, a young human woman becomes key to the latter's quest, although she has plans of her own. Yeah, we're just we're just getting into those old movies now. We're just like, yeah, yeah now they're the dominant society. And then the, the, we're this is Game of Thrones, Planet of the Apes. Like that sounds really, really cool. I'm totally, I'm totally on board. All these movies have been great. Uh I'm so glad they're continuing instead of like, you know, rebooting in five years and just doing the same thing over again. Like, no, just keep it going forward. Keep it doing. Keep doing it. I love it. There's really no reason why you needed to reboot these movies either, because like Rise of the Planet of the Apes was the first time they ever did a prequel. And so like you could always just be like, yeah, those even if you didn't want to connect it to War for the Planet of the Apes, you could have just been like, it's so far in the past. It doesn't matter that it exists exactly, because yeah. Caesar Caesar is in the canon of the original movies. Yeah. Uh, so you just you just make that you just make that middle movie, essentially. And you just be like, yeah, they exist. They exist. And we're just doing this one. Mm -hmm. I love I love me some apes. I'm excited about it. The fourth Riddick movie has finally gotten the green light. It is coming. Um, David Twoey? Twoey? Twoey. Um, is returning to write and direct. He wrote and directed the first four, the first three films, and he'll write and direct, and he wrote the script for this one, and he'll direct this one. Um, he also did um, a couple of other things, um, but mostly Riddick movies uh, with Vin Diesel. Oh, The Fugitive. He also wrote The Fugitive. It's a good movie. Oh, the original movie? The the, the Harrison original? Ford movie. Damn, that is like that. I didn't know he was that old because that movie's like way before Riddick. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, obviously Diesel is going to come back as as Riddick, and we now know what the movie is going to be about, which is that Riddick is going to return home uh to Furia. Um, because the movie is called Riddick Furia. Um, a place he fears might be left in ruins by the necromongers. But there he finds other Furians fighting against a new enemy. And some of these Furians are more like Riddick than he could have ever imagined. They're just a bunch of other look, Vin Diesel's looking people. They're all bald. Me, Familia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's just Michelle Rodriguez, but she's bald. And she has, like, black eyes. Uh, I know us three like the Riddick movies. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, I know you like. Yeah. Ben, have you seen the Riddick movies? I've seen some of them, yeah. I've seen uh, Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, yeah. The good ones. Yeah. Hey, I don't think Riddick's bad. I don't think Riddick's bad. I just also think it was kind of spinning its wheels. I don't um, know. If I I Which is the one with uh, Judy Dench in it? Chronicles Two. of Riddick. Pitch okay, Black so I... is like a horror movie, and then Chronicles yeah. of Riddick is Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, are so, different. different so back in college, Brandon sat me down. We watched Pitch Black. I and did. Then, yes. And then he sat me down to watch the Chronicles of Riddick. Then he gave me his copies on DVD because he got the Blu-rays, okay. and I haven't seen the third one. So I don't know it's, about the third one. I think it's worth like Katie Sackhoff's in it. Like I think it's worth watching. Like it's a, it's a fun action movie. It's definitely not as good as the other ones. The third one. 
the third one's purpose was to be like, hey, remember Pitch Black? If you like this one, we'll do Chronicles of Riddick again. Yeah, basically. that's that's how it feels too, and that's kind of why I'm like, yeah, but Pitch Black's better. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's where I end up. So I hope I don't see this one and go, yeah, but Chronicles of Riddick is better. Also, has one it has one of the best video game adaptations of yeah, all time with uh, Escape, Escape from, from Butcher, Butcher Bay. Bay. I was about uh, to mention Escape from Butcher Bay. That's some great punching. Ooh, so good. Yeah, Chronicles of Riddick is honestly underrated. Like it, it, it's it, it is so wild and bonkers. Um, it, it's definitely like I mean, look, I just I just mentioned Necromongers. I like love that that's word. I love those. That's so good. I I'm not gonna say it's like an incredible movie, but the things that it's going for are so cool, and it executes a lot of them so well. And like the the world itself is awesome. I it's I, awesome. I always remember incredible sequences from it like when he kills a man by breaking the teacup a teacup yeah or when he's <gasps> when he's counting the lights with his foot and then leans his body up so the guy hits the light yes and yeah. gets knocked off i'm like there's a lot of good there's like the there's planet, a lot of good action direction the in prison movie. planet where like it's, yes. like a, it's like a volcano yeah yeah, yeah if man. you go out you melt in the yeah oh my god i love that movie's awesome there's uh the pitch black is, is such a such an awesome movie and it's really really funny that they were just like okay yeah Riddick's not the star of the movie but now he's the star of the franchise right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that was like which honestly kind of makes pitch black even better even going back to it and being like this movie's secretly about Riddick but it's not about Riddick yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, I I love the Riddick franchise. I I really like three. I thought it was I thought it was a good time. I was happy to be back in that world more than anything. There's an anime um, that's kind of cool. Yeah, the, yeah, the there Dark, is an anime. Dark Fury, Dark Fury, which is in between the two. Yeah, yeah, the first two. Um, I I'm I'm down for more Riddick. Uh, like I said, after after we watched Riddick, uh, 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 Sparks and I had a discussion where we're like. Yeah, this was cool and all, but I want you to do like another Chronicles of Riddick. Like, go always, go wild again. There was always this plan for two more that were going to be like about him. He was the thing is so the reason the third one is like I'm like all right. I mean, like it's cool. It it's got good stuff. I'm not lying uh, about that. But it it felt like a backpedal in story purposes of what I really liked about Chronicles of Riddick because it was like he's now the the guy sitting on the throne of everything at the end of the second one, and then they're like. Nah, but like, and then he just gives that's it not, up. That's not gonna. That's not gonna be a thing. But it clearly they wanted it to be at first because the second movie was all about how like how that shit went with him being on the throne, and then he was gonna go into the underverse. Like what? I. And eventually, it was gonna get yeah. back to his home. Yeah. yeah. Now, now we're there. We're going. Back. I do think. I do think eventually we're going to get to the underverse again. Um, but real quickly. It's really funny to me that they didn't even have the balls to be like, yeah, he gave it up. He gave it up. Carl Irvin betrayed him. Carl Irvin came back for a cameo. To betray the other guy. Yeah, to betray, to betray Riddick. And I'm like, that's all you wanted to do? You just wanted to come back just to stab Vin Diesel? I hope I, 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 I one, respect. I hope the fourth one starts with Carl Urban coming back once again to get killed by Riddick. Oh my God, I want to get caught up with it. You can't kill me, Riddick. <laughs> uh anyway i think I'm, that's the only right way to handle it yeah i am i am happy we're going back to the world of riddick um bring it on vin realizes fast and furious is coming to an end sometime soon he's like gotta get that other franchise is riddick up. is riddick vin diesel's no never mind i i take back what i was about to say it's obviously dumb i was gonna be like is riddick vin diesel's most morally correct character what? and then i was like no it's dumb oh yeah dom's all about family he'll drink a beer 
but that's not spicy. I think I, just, I think I think Riddick is what he was talking about when he said he understand he understands why Tolkien didn't make any more Lord of the Rings movies. I mean, I hope <laughs> I hope it was <laughs> America's Tolkien. He's he's crazy. I love him. Um. All right, Spartacus. Yeah, I am Spartacus. I'm Ryan. I'm Brandon. Uh, hey. hey, how's it going? Um, a sequel series is in the works uh, at Stars. Stephen S. Tonight will return to create this series because he created the first one. Did anyone else watch this? I watched the first episode. I I tried. You tried. Stop. I know people but... like it. I know people really like it. No, okay. when I say I tried, I mean I started it. I got into like four episodes in, and then I just stopped. You know what happened? Sure. You know what happened? I watched an, I watched I watched something. I was on I was I was channel surfing as it were uh back in those days and I saw Spartacus. I was like, "Oh yeah, I've heard good things about this." And I saw Jonathan from the Mummy say uh say, uh, can I say it on this podcast? Say a bad dirty word." And I was like, "Not Jonathan." Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad man. <laughs> See, I watched Rome and I was like, "I can't do another one of these so quickly." That's fair. I mean, like I get that. I I also watched Rome, but like um I thought I thought Spartacus had a a different flavor here. I want to highlight it real quick. So the whole thing is I watched all of Spartacus. It's three seasons and then a prequel season that was made between two and three. And the reason it was made is because is this where the actor yes oh. Andy Andy Whitfield who like this was his big break yeah being Spartacus was his big break and like this guy was gonna be an MCU star. This guy was exceptional. Like he's an incredible. He was just this magnanimous incredible talent. The show was built around him. He was awesome um and he got cancer and passed away um he was getting sick while they were making the second season um and it's rough it's just it's just rough um and so he gets replaced and it's not bad it's a they do a great job i think in casting for him but it was super super sad because you were watching a star on the rise at the very beginning um and it's just an incredible show. Even even once we lost Andy Whitfield, which was awful, and and I'm always sad about it. Um, the main thing that drew me to the show is this is produced by Sam Raimi, um, and you can feel that to an extent. It was on um, Stars, right? Yeah, it has yeah, he... it has an incredible cast. It has Lucy Lawless, yeah. and um, in the first season, uh, um, and uh, uh, the guy who played Slade for the Arrowverse. Um, oh yeah, man. He's he's essentially he's essentially like truly the best parallel i can give you with his character crixus is the vegeta to andy whitfield spartacus and like watching that dynamic unfold is chef's kiss wonderful um god of the arena is really actually a cool season it ends up being that they made in between while they were trying to figure out what to do with the rest of the show without andy and they take uh the um jonathan from the the mummy franchise his character and they go back to like when he started getting his gladiators they make it you know a prequel and it's about him gathering his gladiators and putting the the stuff together and like the things that led to when spartacus entered the scene mm -hmm. um and they follow like a historical trajectory of the stories all the way up to the end for what happens with them um really really great show highly recommend it. so i really hope that it's this is going to be this next thing will be a solid i really do recommend it it's not a long show to watch um it's it's three 13 episode seasons and then one six or seven episode season so uh i i really do recommend it i think it's a solid solid show with some incredible performances in it i am smart. did you see tonight talked about pacific rim uprising for the first time ever 
No. Uh, just today, he was he was he was someone tweeted um, that uh, Pacific Rim Uprising wasn't Stephen S. Tonight's fault. The reason why why, why it turned out the way it did, and and tonight actually tweeted back. He's like, yeah, we had a script that was going to star Charlie Hunnam, and we started filming with the movie starring Charlie Hunnam. And then he dropped out and we mad dash scrambled to finish what what is essentially just not the movie we started. And I personally still think that movie's not bad. Yeah. That's that's I, like, I, that was, I, didn't, I didn't know that. That's that's incredible. I thought that was really interesting that he brought that up. And and he's never talked about Pacific Rim Uprising outside of just not really liking working at the studio because of legendary's restrictions on the movie. But that was really interesting to finally read. I'm gonna yeah. I'll have to check that out. I yeah, I I, I do highly recommend like it's it's valuable to go back and watch the Spartacus show. Liam McIntyre is who ended up replacing oh, yeah. Andy Whitfield for the role of Spartacus. Mm-hmm. Isn't um, he one of the was- one of the weather wizards? Weather, oh, weather wizard. I don't know. Eh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, great show. I hope for the best. I'm really curious what they do with a sequel series, but I'm not I'm not opposed to it. Is it on Stars again? Yeah, yeah, it'll be on Spar- Star- Stars again. For a second, I still wasn't even sure if Stars was around. <laughs> Um, I feel okay. like a lot more people would watch Spartacus if it wasn't on Stars. Like if you could watch it on a good streaming app these days, I feel like a lot more people would expose themselves. I feel to like it. of all like the the like HBO show time, like Stars is like the the bottom one, and not even as bad, but it's just the bottom. It doesn't have enough shows that get like conversation going around them to justify like if you don't already get Stars because of some package yeah. deal, you're not going to go out of your way to. They got Sam Raimi on lock for some reason, but uh, I I hope for the best because I I really do love that show. I thought that was. That was such a good time. I mean, Stephen Denight apparently like loves it a lot to come back to it. Mm-hmm. So like, that's cool that he gets to do it. So yes, Liam McIntyre was one of the was was the second Weather Wizard in um though because the first was Weather Wizard died in the first yeah. episode. You're right. And then, You're right. You're right. I remember. And, and so he played the second one, but he's also funnily enough, um, Captain Boomerang in Justice League: Dark Apocalypse War. That's funny. Look yeah. Multiverse uh, baby. Yeah. Spartacus. I am Spartacus. good show. I am Spartacus. Really great, really great um homosexual representation in that show as well. Hmm. Oh yeah. Sparks, real quickly, we're gonna keep it on you because we're gonna talk about the Flash. The Flash. The TV series. This is not the first time we're gonna talk about a, a, a something called the Flash uh on this episode, but this is the first this the TV series. Yeah, yeah. The Legends of Tomorrow will be on the show this season. This is wonderful. Uh, it, it made me sad because like the showrunner is talking about how like if they'd had a longer season, they were just going to dedicate like two whole episodes to wrapping, essentially wrapping up Legends of Tomorrow on The Flash. And I'm like, yeah, OK, that'd be great. Um, I'm glad they're appearing at all. That's great. He's talking a lot of like, yeah, if I had a season 10, I was going to do the Justice League. I was going to do Blackest Night. I was going to do I think, this. I, was... I think that like, I think there's no reason not to, because like, you know, this is the last season. Like it's done. It's coming out. Yeah. Um, And like, yeah, get people to want to tune in. Like people like, I think it is like supposed to be a single call. Like, hey, did you tune out of the Flash, but you really like Legends of Tomorrow? They're, they're going to be paid their tribute here in the Flash. Yeah. You know, wherever you feel like you got gypped because your show got canceled, Batwoman, whatever. Uh, come to the Flash because we're trying to do our best to kind of give it the swan song of the Arrowverse that it deserves. Um, and I think that's smart. I think do do that signal out there because like maybe who knows one day probably not uh, the way that Gunn and Stafford have been talking about it, but maybe we'll get like some some final note event yeah. of closing out the Arrowverse that really does it justice because mm-hmm. it's it's 
we're going to look back on it as this kind of incredible moment in television history, like the amount of material that was all being interweaved at the exact same time and connected. Um, it's truly just as impressive uh, as what the MCU did when it started, just yeah. on a television scale, um, especially the way that it pulled in things like Constantine or Lucifer or um, when they did do Christ on Infinite Earth, like having Ezra Miller even show up on it. And, That's a big and deal. Get, and get the moniker The Flash from Grant Gustin. Um, these are important details and, and like I, I think it's going to remain in, in our minds and in history as like what an incredible like feat that they accomplished with this this show thing and I don't know if we'll really see television shows do this ever again something this this elaborate I don't think a network will ever have a week of programming where like three shows are all existing in the same universe crossing over I don't think that'll happen anymore the age of streaming I think is killing that it's true I I 100% agree with you and I, I I I personally feel the same way you know um it's a miracle that something like Crash of the Feminine Earth even happened like these are television shows on a TV schedule that's really difficult to coordinate everyone's schedules um to to make something like a crossover happen um like Crisis um I have two things I want to say about that which is one um I felt very I felt very slighted honestly and because Gunn mentioned the Arrowverse is something that went wrong with, with DC during the old regime. And I'm like, I don't think that was fair. And he was probably just naming names, but like, still, I think the Arrowverse was incredibly impressive. And there were so many passionate people behind it who were just trying to make good DC shows. Um, We talked, we talked to Mark Guggenheim three times um, because of, because of the Arrowverse. And every single time he was like, yeah, it's always a fight trying to get these characters that you want to bring in and do them right. And want them to do it. Maybe that's what Gunn was talking about, how like the way that they were doing it behind the scenes was wrong and it was so messy. Maybe uh, if he wants to clarify that, that'd be great. But like yeah. he, he still he still used Arrowverse and Birds of Prey as 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 the problematic version, as the pro- talking about the problematic previous regime. And I'm like, I, that's not fair to me to counter um, to counter that. I think Ryan might have a point because like that Birds of Prey also was known for like pulling pulling the director back a lot on what they could do with it so that's that could be part of what gun really intended with it especially because we know when he like took over he responded to tweets from people saying like can you bring back legends and he's like legends of tomorrow is a a really incredible show they did something special there um that's just not you know that's not what we're handling it's not my decision Um, right but the the context that he said it in i'm sure you're correct and i hope you are the context that he said it in was like, you know, that statement where he said nobody was minding the mint, like everyone was was able to do whatever they wanted. Um, if you smile, he said, if you, if, if someone smiled at them, they got an IP, uh, they were able to do an IP. And I'm like, that's a weird way to phrase that, but I'm sure, I'm sure there's a more diplomatic way such as what you guys are saying. Um, did you guys read probably not because it was on Substack, but did you guys read Mark Guggenheim's post about, the Arrowverse? No, I did not. Mark no. wrote a really, really sweet essay about the Arrowverse and and kind of and kind of be and kind of, and kind of what I what I just echoed of like what what James Gunn's comments were um, sm- as small as they were about people who were building this new DC universe with James Gunn about how the Arrowverse went about um, and and he you know he felt I think understandably hurt that he you know he try he he really worked his ass off to make something like crash the sun of earth and it came to nothing you look at his career right now and no offense but he's he hasn't been able to get a show off the ground since um and that's something that should have made a career not killed it yeah oh 
Um, but that's all I really wanted to say about that. I I I think the Arrowverse. I think Sparks is absolutely correct. The Arrowverse is a magnificent part of history that rivaled the MCU at its height, and it's and it, it's a it, it's a kind of a shame in the way it's gone out. But I'm I'm glad that Flash is doing all it can to kind of rectify that, kind of put yeah. it out on a high note. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. There's definitely low points. And sure. That we've we've talked about it. You know, <laughs> so like, low. There, there are some. We're so, none of us are watching the shows anymore. There, there's, there's low points. Um, oh, I am. No, I meant sorry. The, besides the ones who are always who are watching, who never, who, who just put themselves like, I'll get through. Yeah. I'll get through for the good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but but it, it doesn't change that there there are also some absolutely mind-bogglingly high highs. Uh, that you just never would have thought would have been on TV. Yeah. I still think my favorite episode from the Arrowverse in total is an episode of The Flash. It's Enter Flash Time, that the one where the bomb's going off. Yeah. And it's an entire episode within like five seconds. Yeah. Uh, it's it's incre- a great episode. That's, that's, that is a standalone comic book uh, issue. Yeah. Uh, uh, incredible. For sure. It was, it's so, it was so reverent, reverential towards just like DC television history with John Wesley Shipp uh, coming back to play Jay Garrick. Um, wonderful stuff. Anyway, but uh, real quickly, Matt Lesher will return to play Reverse Flash. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping he'd come back for one more go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Cosnet will return as Eddie Thawne. And Jessica Parker Kennedy will return as Nora West Allen. Yeah, so all uh, Eddie and Nora both were in the previous season, so they'll be back again, uh, which is cool. I like um, I like Nora a lot. I like Nora a lot too. Like uh, Nora, Nora justifiably could have had like a three season run of her own show, um, and then Matt Matt Lesher was back on Legends as Eobard at the end of his life, um, which was really cool. Uh, so this is this will be fun. Uh, I really like Matt Lesher as Reverse Flash. Uh, yeah. So this, I mean mostly probably because i really like him in the mask of zorro but still um i always honestly whenever reverse flash took off his mask and it was um harrison wells I, uh what's his name tom cavanaugh i was kind of disappointed i was like eh, okay i i agree with you I, I i like that guy's reverse flash a lot yeah spider-man noir is getting a live action adaptation on television uh, so a tv show a weird way to say um oren uziel the writer for 22 Jump Street and the Cloverfield Paradox mm-hmm. um, is going to be the showrunner for the series. Um, Lord and Miller are obviously producing through their mm-hmm. deal where they're producing everything. That's it. Oh, awesome. That's is this is I I'm more excited that it's that it's it's like a Sony Spider-Man thing that's that's not that's like that's that's like it's a Spider-Man Nora show on Amazon. Like it's not tied to their shitty universe or whatever. Like it's like its own little thing that's being produced by Lord Miller and written by one of the guys who made one of the funniest comedies ever made. So like uh I, I just think it's wild. Cloverfield like, Paradox is really funny, you're right. It is. Hey, that movie, that movie, uh, much like movies we talked about, got really, really uh screwed over with behind the scenes stuff and got turned into a movie oh, after filming. So I'm not gonna blame the writer for that. Uh, I think this is exciting. Spider-Man Noir is a really interesting, weird character. Then it's not Peter Parker, so they can do whatever they want. If it's black and white, that'd be incredible. I feel like it has oh. to be. Like, yeah, yeah, like I like playing uh, Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. There's a Spider-Man Noir section 
because uh, you play different. There's 2099 Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man. You play different. They all have different uh, uh, gameplay sections, and that is a stealth black and white like noir uh, detective uh, section. And you're like you're, you're you're like trying to avoid people, and it's so fun. And I'm like, man, Spider-Man Noir is awesome. So this is really cool. They could have just done you know another. Hey, we're doing another animated Spider-Man show, or we're doing you know uh, uh, Gwen Stacy or something. Like, no, let's do let's do something weird. I love it. I I'm really happy with this one. Obviously, I really like Spider-Man Noir. Um, I really hope it is black and white. I think Sparks is right. It kind of has to be. Um, the uh, the writer has also done things like Lost City, which is a comedy I really like, and um, Escape Room Two, which I haven't seen, but Mortal Kombat, which we reviewed and we all really enjoyed on that on this podcast. Um, so. I'm hopeful. I, I really want to see something like this. This is in the same vein as like Silk, so unrelated to everything else that, that mm-hmm. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And this Spider-Man has guns and kills people. So I wonder if that will factor in as well. Yeah. Uh, they're saying it's an older, older, grizzled Peter Parker. Not Peter Parker. They said specifically Spider-Man, which led a lot of people to say it's not going to be Peter Parker, but I don't well, think so. He's not Peter. It's Spider-Man Noir is not Peter Parker. I know, I know, but yeah. he, is, he is a Peter Parker from a different world. Miguel O'Hara is not technically a Peter Parker, unless that's what you're talking about. No, Spider-Man Noir is Peter Parker. Is he? Miguel O'Hara is 20, 2099. No, I know, but I didn't think... I thought Spider-Man Noir was a different character. No, it's Peter Parker. Comics. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, yeah, he's still a Peter Parker, but... So, you know... With the wind smells anyway. like rain. Sorry, I just remember that line from yeah. Spider-Verse. Yeah, maybe they get in a cage to do it. No. Nah. <laughs> Be cool though, but nah. Uh, I I don't need. I don't. I, we can have this one be a little more serious. Do you, do Sparks. we want to address MJ's comment real quick, just to say that we'll talk about that more later? Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about uh, the Flash trailer. Flash trailer at the end. Oh yeah, thank yeah. you for stopping by, MJ. And also, uh, Mag is <laughs> still in the chat saying better be black and white and style and having noir themes. I also agree. Oh, yeah. Better have that. But I w- oh, I want yeah. to be black and white. If you call us something Spider Man noir, it's not black and white. Mm. I mean, the com the the early comics were weren't exactly black and white, but they were close enough to it um, that they can really work as as a black and white style. Um, what are you looking at? Ryan? I was like, because I have my my noir comics, they're black and white. <laughs> no, they're they're kind of like a sepia tone. They're not they they're mute. They're really muted. Col- they're really muted colors to get as close to black and white as they possibly could. I have the comics too. I read them. I think they're really great. I love Spider Man Noir. Um, the most recent one was in was in like color and i was like what the hell are you doing um think, these days black and white hard to sell a wide audience on on a noir story that isn't black and white because it's it's not correct to say that all noir stories are in black and white but that is what the general audience like expects yeah. when they hear the word yeah yeah moving on witches with a I or a y with a y why but not where you think oh <laughs> that's good <laughs> Uh, the Scott Snyder Jock series, Witches, is getting an Amazon adaptation, which is going to be animated. Um, Scott Snyder is going to be it. Well, he wrote the pilot and he'll be the showrunner. Well, he broke the story. I don't necessarily think he's showrunner, but he wrote the pilot. Uh, Jock will be the art director uh, and it will be based on his art style, obviously, as it should. Um, and uh, that's really all we know so far. And uh, the, the comic will be coming back this year, which he's been saying for the past two years. So we'll see. I'll believe it when I see it. Yep. Uh, man, Amazon's just picking up everything. Jesus. Uh, this is... Love it. Uh, I, I love witches. That is a incredibly g- g- gross story. W- w- witch, uh, uh, weird, weird witch ladies in the forest. I love it. Um, I think it's, it's always great 
when comic book people get to come in and do their thing, uh, uh, like Rick Manor did over Deadly Class, like he's doing it now for for his for his own comic witches. Uh, I always love that. That's great. Tom, you know, Tom King working at DC movie stuff. Like I love this. I love when it gets to happen. I'll be really interested to see how they create the sound of the witches in the trees. Mm. What they'll what they'll come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. You guys take over now because we're going to talk about the Nintendo Direct. All right. <laughs> so um earlier this week, I want to say Wednesday, we had our fall Nintendo or not fall. Wow, it is winter. Our winter slash early spring Nintendo Direct, where essentially the directors talk about most of the games that were coming out in the first half of this year and maybe a few other things down the line. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about some highlights. So, Ryan, what did you think about the Direct, first of all? First of all, Ben, I asked you if we could record this live together, and you had prior things to do, which I understand. That is live. But boy, if there was one Direct that I wanted to be in live, to watch live with you, it would have been this one. Yeah. It would have been this me, one. Me too. Because it was a I... one-two punch of, wow, here's the things Ben's been asking about for like like half his life. And then, yeah, was, oh, exactly. what, oh, we're getting confirmed confirmed uh, new trailer and release date of, of the biggest game of the year. Uh I love this direct, and there's also other games that also looked really cool. Yeah, I I will not lie. The second I ha- the second my appointment was over, I go I rush over to the website to watch the direct a little bit, and because it was right before I had to go to work too, and I was bummed because I also agree. My reaction when I'll just top off uh, talk about the first thing that one of my biggest highlights was the announcement of the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance um, apps for the Nintendo Switch Online service. The second they announced those, I cheered. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, the, the fact that we're getting Game Boy games, I'm like, cool, that's awesome. And then immediately after that, it was Game Boy Advance. And I cheered even more because those games, those systems should have been on NSO for a very long time. But you know what? Better late than never. They're mm-hmm. coming. And the games that are coming up uh, later are actually really good titles, especially for the GBA. I saw, uh, I didn't see all of them. I know there's a bunch of Pokemon, which is everyone expected but like hey that's nice you guys can play look at that. you got your reds and your blues or whatever actually no the only pokemon game that's coming for the it's pokemon dream card game what yeah. i saw a fake list then no who what <laughs> list did you see because there's no pokemon. on twitter sometimes you, you get fake list uh yeah it's, it's a pokemon training card game look at that it's a game you've been playing for a while now. yeah yeah it's the pokemon tcg and also cool thing with the game boy with the game boy one you could switch the screens to be like you know the greenish one of the original one the game boy pocket which was more crisp black and white or the game boy color filter which all of them look really good um the one the list for the game boy advanced games we're getting the original the we're getting the north america the first north american fire emblem release the one that came out in the gba that introduced north america as a fire emblem which is also really freaking expensive we are getting metroid fusion another of the best metroid games ever made also really expensive on the second hand market and we're also getting F- we're getting f0 but a launch title for the legend of zelda the minish cap which you can go and play right now on your switch that was one of the things that made me really excited because i've been wanting to get the minish cap fun fact that zelda game was developed by capcom not nintendo that's a fun fact yeah so with nintendo putting these up i mean the only bummer is that the nintendo or the Game Boy games are behind the paywall. Excuse me. That's a little bit of a bummer. But a lot of people on Twitter, especially some of the people who are like, who are staunch, like I'm not going to pay for the expansion pass that the Game Boy Advance games finally broke them down. They're like, ah, 
You got well, me now. So let's, let's be clear. Everything is behind a paywall. It's just a higher paywall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a higher paywall for um for the expansion pass. Because yeah. there were people who had the NSO already and they're like, oh, I'm fine with just only paying $20 a year. And then when they found about the Game Boy Advance games, they're like, ah, damn it, you got me. Yeah, the, the N64, like N64 and the uh, uh, the Sega, uh, like I think it's Genesis or whatever, like yeah, it's, those it's are all Genesis. behind the paywall that I don't have. I just pay the regular amount, not the extra amount. Yep. And yes, but, and... but adding, again, two new consoles, I'm like, you're, you're getting there. You're getting to a point where I want to pay that money because that's a lot of games. It's a lot of games. Yeah, it, it is, and I'm, I've already ha- I already had it, and I started playing the Minish Cap, and the emulation is actually really good. It's well, it's smooth. nice for a change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also it's it's Game Boy Advance. It's really hard to mess up a Game Boy a Game Boy Advance game. That's the um, bigger advantage they have over the other ones that make me like, why would I pay more money for a lower like quality version of the game? Mm-hmm. So that was, I mean, that was obviously one of the big ones. I was really excited because I've been talking about one that for years. Should we talk about the big one or should we go into other ones? Let's save the best for last. All right, cool. Uh, let's see. We also had we had more stuff about Disney Illusion Island. That game still looks pretty damn good. Very yes. charming. I am. I am. I like that first trailer, but like like seeing just like how much more gameplay it is, and like oh, it's it's just a Metroidvania. It is. Yep. It is an old. It is a Metroid Castlevania type game where you you're unlocking new abilities to open paths that you couldn't open before. It has great platforming. The characters look incredible. Oh my god, I love the oh, yeah. look at the game. Yeah. Incredible. I'm kind oh, of yeah. surprised to also... see Disney promoting it very much. Like I... once the once the trailer drops, like I get putting it out on the Nintendo Direct, but then like Disney's not sharing it around in any way. I wonder if they're waiting for it to get like do you know when it comes up and I didn't I don't have to release it. Oh no, not off the top of my head. Okay, it's, it's it's in the next six months. So I'm wondering if they're gonna like wait to do like a big push right before it comes out. But I agree, oh. like this looks like a great game, and the fact that like they're not pushing it harder is is interesting. Although I have heard one thing, I know I don't know if it's true, but people have been saying it is, and that the four-player option is local only. There's no online functionality to it. I hope that's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, that because, wouldn't surprise but me with at Nintendo, all. With yeah. Nintendo, Nintendo, yeah, that's what sucks. Yeah, I mean, but at least with the Game Boy, well, we were talking just talking about the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance games. Those all include online and local play. Yeah, every single one, include Mario Kart, Tetris. Uh, Pokemon TCG when that eventually comes out, those will have online play. July twenty eighth, July. Okay, yeah, yeah. They probably want to wait till it gets closer. I'm guessing. Yeah, probably. But yeah, Disney. Lu- I mean, other than that, Disney Illusion Island does look amazing. Also, I love how they put a lot of care into the characters, like H one. Like they showed animation for. It's like, oh, if you're flying as Mickey and Minnie, the animation's going to be different. Like they all have their own unique style of going through obstacles, and I thought like, that was a neat little thing. Was the, the was a Mario two where you have like Peach and Luigi and like they all like they're all like different shit. Uh yeah, it was actually. I got it right. Yes. Look at that. Yes, and also of course, Ryan. I know you were really excited about this when Dead Cells Return to Castlevania. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I haven't even played that much Dead Cells, but it's just it's an incredible roguelike action game, and I love Castlevania. So they're they're not just they're not just putting a Castlevania skin over dead, uh, dead cells. They are transforming dead cells into Castlevania. You are using the, you are using the weaponry and you're using the abilities and you're like doing the throwing ax motions uh, and you're fighting all the bosses and the music is all there and remix. And there's like, there's like 200 tracks or something crazy. It like, it looks just so good. It looks so mm-hmm. good. And the developers made it very clear that like, Hey, you don't have to like beat the game to play this mode. Cause like, we don't want, we don't want to stop people from playing this game if, if they've never played dead cells. So it's just like a new mode. That's Castlevania version. 
Um, it's probably won't be like as long because it is like like a little DLC thing, but I don't care. I just want to play some more Castlevania. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact and just like you said, it's not just like a skin. It's like, hey, we're just gonna put a Castlevania skin over a call of day. You have Rick, you have Richter Belmont, you have Alucard, you have a bunch of stuff that I'm assuming it's from Symphony of the Night. You have a bunch of different art elements from a, a bunch of different Castlevania games, and it does look really and the and the way the pixel art is for Dead Cells and from this just looking at this trailer alone. It looks absolutely, absolutely stunning. It's a good-looking game. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. A lot of this kind of reminds me a little bit of a Kings of High Rules. You know, the Crypt of the Necrodancer um, DLC, where it's like, oh yeah, we're we're not just making you dance the Zelda songs. It's a full-ass game with the Zelda songs. You remind me that I never played that game, and that makes me sad. (laughs) Neither have I, but I have listened to the soundtrack, and the Gerudo Valley version of Crypt of the Necrodancer is freaking a banger. That's my, my that's my favorite Zelda song too. Speaking of, of favorite things, unless you have anything more to add to this one, uh, not for uh, Dead Cells, but are we talking about a certain lady with a cannon on her arm, or the front other thing before that? I'm talking about I'm talking about little Captain and his little friends. Oh yeah, that one. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's talk about uh, Pikmin Four. I'm sorry, did you, you have it? anything to say for for Dead Cells? No, you guys. Okay. Uh, Pikmin Four. Uh, I love Pikmin. I played Pikmin One and Two on the GameCube obsessively and then they waited 10 years to make the third one on the wii u so i never played that one so now we're up to four and i'm ready to jump back in um it has the same great gameplay of being a real-time strategy game you have a bunch of different pikmin you collect kind of like lemmings there's fire ones electricity ones water ones you use them to solve puzzles but they're adding new ones like ice they're adding a dog you have a dog in this game and you can just like make them do things that blue that that literally was like i'm buying this game day one because i have a dog it's bigger than you it's a big puppy that you can ride gonna be happier it's a dog with two legs yeah it's it, a cute duty it is cute i will not lie it is extremely adorable i've never actually gotten into the pikmin games like at all mm-hmm. not to say that i think pikmin's bad it's just when i would watch people play pikmin i just it didn't really necessarily connect with me yeah. but looking at how looking at this trailer pikmin 4 looks absolutely incredible but it also looks like you're playing in someone's backyard that's that's it's it has never been truly confirmed, but it's basically you're you're on post-apocalyptic Earth, oh, and you're an alien coming way later, and that's why there's like there's these monsters that are kind of like 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 flower monsters, and that's why everything's bigger than you. You are a little person uh, in a giant in a giant apocalyptic world, basically. Huh. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, look, the game looks great. There's probably something sinister because at the end of the trailer, you saw like the that big chomper dude, you know, the dude that likes to eat all the Pikmin. His mm-hmm. eye, it's it was like um, Breath of the Wild or the Blood Moon, where his eyes go red and he got, starts going rah. Yeah, it looks like it, they might be doing like a day night cycle thing where at night this happens in a lot of games, but like uh, in, a, in a night cycle, like they become more vicious and they get red eyes. And you're like, oh, don't yeah. go out at night. Oh, like Breath of the Wild or Final yeah. Fantasy 15. Yeah, or Dead Rising. There you or, go. Or that one. All right, let's talk about the other one that made me scream with absolute joy. And something I've been praying and asking for for a very, very, very long time. Fashion and they life. Did it. What? Not fa- I wasn't the fashion game. Sorry. What was, what was it? Yes, it was the fashion game. I'm so happy I could finally live all all those years of me watching. Uh, that's that um that reality show about. No, it's Metroid Prime. <laughs> I heard your scream from my apartment. My apartment, <laughs> my house. I don't live in an apartment anymore. <laughs> you live in an apartment. Yeah. Um, Metroid Prime Remaster, not just confirmed shadow dropped the day of digitally physical version coming out on 10 days ascent yeah 10 days from today from the time yeah. of this recording we're getting metroid prime remastered 
and people the second it came out people bought it and everyone is saying it's so damn good yeah the i haven't played it yet but i've, I've watched i watched the stream of like one of, one of my one of the dudes i like to watch stream um and it's they're calling it a remaster it is not a remake but it looks as good as a remake right like like it looks like last of us remake good like the texture is like the switch can only do so much but boy mm-hmm. how is that game pushing it to its limit that game looks incredible mm-hmm. for a switch game yeah and the fact that it's not dropping frames like it is a it is a what nintendo game should be like perfectly polished uh uh <coughs> pokemon, sorry, pokemon. Excuse me. um sorry and like it's astounding again like the shadow drop did like the, the rumor is this game this game has been done for like over a year and they, they didn't have a good place to put it until now which makes me think that those other two remasters are probably coming pretty soon gotta hope mm-hmm. so because, because they're working on four we know they're yeah. working on four so now that oh, one's yeah. out they're gonna pump out two and three in the next couple of years and we're gonna get four i uh, have a oh, my theory is for the summer direct we're gonna find out about two and three maybe they yeah. release two and three as one cohesive thing maybe they won't but at the same time i don't the fact that they just released Metroid Prime One Remaster, and we're getting a digital. We're digital. You could buy it right here, right now. Physical is coming, thank goodness. And the fact that they still haven't forgotten about the Metroid fans just makes me so happy. Because look, Metroid Dread, I love Metroid Dread. That is one of my favorite games. I absolutely adore that game. People have been waiting for Metroid Prime Four for the longest effing time, and now that I also have a chance to go and play Metroid Prime One on my switch because i never owned a gamecube back in the day which is a story i've told a million and a half freaking times and to hear that this remaster is amazing people have been saying if you play it handheld on the oled especially it's so gorgeous not just that uh they're saying that the motion controls because because it was on the they had like a wii they made a wii uh a wii port mm. they say the motion controls for this are actually really really good too so you can play it with with the nun- nunchucks what are they called nunchucks? the joy cons joy cons what are nunchucks are <laughs> with that the joy cons well, the nunchuck was the Wii U back, or it was the it Wii back that. in the day. I didn't even have a Wii U. Why am I saying these things? Uh, uh, I will interject just a kind of a bummer note on the game, yeah. um, which is that it's it's a shame that they didn't maintain the credits from oh, Metroid Prime. Sure, sure, sure. When you get to the credits of this game, it only credits the team that did the remaster. There are oh. no credits for the. It just says. Uh, it just says a blanket. The team that made the original. Yeah. But it doesn't list names and everything. And I'm like, that's just unnecessary. Why did we do this? It's an interesting thing uh, because uh, it's a Nintendo product. So just a, a note to put out there of kind of shitty that they threw everybody else who worked on the original out of the credits for this game. That is a bummer. That is a bummer. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. But Metroid Prime, though. Yeah, you can yeah. finally play it. This game you haven't shut about up about for like five years. You can finally play. I'm I'm thrilled. I'm I know I'm happy for you because because yeah, this just means that we're actually gonna get Metroid Prime Four sometime mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, like and and also a little cherry on top because I was a little nervous because you know how Nintendo likes to do stuff even with the remasters they like to put them out full price. This one's only forty bucks. Is it really? Yes. Forty dollars. I assumed it would have been sixty. One hundred percent. I nope. mean, forty. It makes sense because. If they dropped it at sixty, the price of like a a Legend of you know the Legend of Zelda game when it comes out, like people will be okay. Like it's cool, it looks good. It's also an old game. What are you doing? I'm just saying they some some like Nintendo is the company that they would are. do it. Is they what are. I mean. So like I'm just I'm shocked that they did it. Yeah. Well, they did Skyward Swords. That was sixty bucks. I mean, yeah. Look at that. 
and people complained about that too. Yeah. So I wonder because yeah. they knew they can get. I don't think people. I don't think Skyward Sword did the sales numbers that they hoped it would because it was high and Probably expected not. the price of a new game. And people but, are like, "You crazy?" Yeah. Yeah. Even the one game that I mean, I'm gonna show, I'm gonna put out money for it because I really want this collection is Mega Man Battle Network. But the only reason why I'm somewhat okay with them the selling the bound network legacy collection at 60 is because of all the different of all the game boy games it comes with on the one physical cartridge yeah sure that's different yeah but even then that's a little extreme but that's yeah yeah that one i'm less upset about because it's like i mean you're content i mean yes there's like there's six games and there's and from four through or from three through you have like two or three different versions of said game but still, those games are still different enough in and of themselves. So, okay, I can maybe be okay with a $60 price tag mm-hmm. as composed to find, buying those physically, which would definitely cost me well over $60 for just one and two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, good point, Mag. The Super Mario 3D games trilogy pack price. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was also because those were, those were just straight ports. I mean, maybe a little bit, especially for Mario 64. Those, I mean, they was cleaned up a little bit. But it was like a full boom remaster that I still don't think warranted a sixty dollars price tag. But I am part of the problem because I bought that shit day one. I think the other thing about it is that, like you know, when when it is these older games, like it would be one thing if they dropped it new. But you know, we know eventually they would lower the price. But they're Nintendo and they don't do that. So yeah, it's like yeah, definitely come out at forty. They are the worst perpetrators. Of, You'll like, have more people buy it. You like they've the Legend of Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild two is coming out soon, and their first game from six years ago is still full price. Yeah, I mean, shit, they used to have something called, like, the Nintendo Selects. Like, this is Dark Moon for the 3DS, and this retailed for 20 bucks because yeah. it had the Nintendo Select border on it. Eventually, they mm-hmm. was like, hey, let's put, let's, like, price drop these games. And it's like, you wait forever, guys. It's been out for years. Can you freaking stop? PlayStation does that, too. They have, like, the PlayStation Classics thing. Like, these games are $20. And I'm like, yeah, because the game's four years old. <laughs> yeah, That's how yeah. it should be. Yeah. Uh, but also, really quick before we get to, Breath, uh, to Tears of the Kingdom, Mario Kart 8. We know that we're getting Yoshi's Island as a new track and also Birdo and as a character. And we're also getting new new characters with more waves down the line. So that's awesome. So they're adding the rosters bit bigger, which means we're not going to need Mario Kart 9 for a very long time. Oh, that, I'm they, okay with that. They are so smart. Like, so I was listening to I don't one of the million podcasts I listened to, but they said like Mario Mario Kart 8 isn't a live service game, but they're treating it like one and they are making so much money off of it. It's a good product, and if you just constantly release new stuff, people will buy it. And they yeah. have put out, they're putting like 40, isn't it like 40 maps that they're putting out in this season, like this this like collection thing? 48. That's that's so, that's incredible. That's a lot of maps. That's so many maps. That's like four, it's, that's like two games with like Mario Kart forever. That's a live no, service uh, game, baby. Essentially, the way they do, like if you take the original 48 tracks from Mario Kart 8, from the base version of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, they just double the tracks. So essentially, it is Mario Kart 9. Like 100 tracks. That's too many yeah. tracks. Almost a hundred, almost a hundred. That's what yes. I mean. Like it's they, they won. Like that is a game you can still buy for sixty dollars, and that is worth that price. Oh yeah, I mean, or even if you like, once again, I ponied up the money for the expansion pass. I'm getting all those tracks out of the gate. Oh, that's I don't have. Yeah. That's that's how they get you. That's smart. Yeah, that is that is how they get me. That's I mean, that's why I still keep ponying up the money for the expansion. I mean, Fanny wanted it so she could play Happy Home Designer for um, Animal Crossing, and then I got the Nintendo Genesis emul or the Nintendo Genesis, the Sega Genesis emulator, which actually that emulation is pretty damn good. Nintendo sixty four, I've heard improvements of, but now they got me on the, with the Game Boy games. I'm like, I'm gonna be jumping right back into Game Boy, and I'm excited. Yeah, man. Yeah, they. They could have done this for for Smash Brothers, but they didn't. 
Yeah, the, and Mag is saying that Mario Kart 8 has been around for years, for more years than Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. He is yeah. 100% correctly. And while Smash Bros. Ultimate is done releasing DLC, Mario Kart, not so much. Still sells copies. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Oh, speaking of uh, Game Boy games, Advance Wars. Advance Wars 1 2 finally got a release date. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that was in there too. Yeah. People thought that was going to be stealth released. Uh, 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 that was a rumor, uh, but it wasn't the right game that was getting stealth released. Yeah, I was, I was kind of hoping it was, but at the same time, it's coming out in April, which is good. It gives me time to save up for it. Yeah. But then the big one, the final trailer for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, with I can only assume is Ganondorf's voice telling the legions of the Dark Forces to attack. When I also heard that's the voice of Matthew Mercer. Yeah. Which I'm not upset about. He's in a lot. That guy shows up he, everywhere. No, he's in a lot, but at the same time, I'm okay with it. Um I'm hyped. What else yeah. what else can I say? We know there's gonna be stuff up in the sky. There's probably gonna be more stuff below. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is the same map as Breath, the same map that we know and love from Breath of the Wild. Some people probably memorize that map better than their own hometown. Yeah. But there is more stuff to do. You got the hovercraft, you got the drones, you got Ooh. all these... Hold on, oh. hold on. You, you talk about the hovercraft, Ben. Um, yeah. Did you notice that he, he pulled a tire out of, of a lake? I think I did. That's you, You're not finding a hovercraft. You are building a hovercraft. Oh, that's even better. This game, what's so incredible about, the, about this game is, and it, this is this is comparable to a game that a lot of people don't like, because for a lot of people, this is a divisive game in the franchise. Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts is a Banjo-Kazooie oh. platformer where you where the main point of the game is you building cars and boats and, and uh, airplanes out of random things and using physics and geometry and stuff to make it actually work in, in like using physics and stuff. That's what this is doing. Because oh. if you remember Breath of the Wild, people were doing the craziest shit by like flinging oh, yeah. themselves forward, building mm -hmm. rafts and stuff. They saw that and they're like, cool, we want to do that in the game now. So you, we are going to be building our own cars, our own uh, airplanes, our own boats out of things randomly. Because you see like there's green goo. You're throwing green goo on shit and pushing it together to make things. Oh. The sandbox, the creativity this game is going to allow more than that first game is almost exponentially more. And I'm so excited. I didn't think I could be more excited. That first trailer did not show a lot. This trailer, uh, if it is just like, it's not just more Breath of the Wild. It is, yo, we're amping up the open world sandbox of it by 100%. And it's also, there's also rumors that it's not just above, you're going underground too. I know, that's what I was saying. It's above yeah. and below. So it's not yeah. just a single plane. It's not just a single plane. You're going up and down. Which I'm is sorry like, you guys oh. aren't having as much fun as us. This is like, we're having a great time. No, you guys are, <laughs> we, we want you to. No, Go I ahead. know. I, yeah. wish, I wish you guys would like Zelda. So. Oh, God. Yeah, because that day, come May 12th, that's, oh, wait, oh, damn, that's going to be right after I come back from vacation. Shit. I mean, the game's not going anywhere. No, no, the game's not going anywhere. It's just I was hoping it was going to come out when I was on vacation, but I'd be coming back home from Hawaii on the 5th. Either way, May 12th, when that game comes out, so many people are going to request work off, probably myself included. Yeah, I. Uh, they, they announced how big the game is. This is the biggest Switch game ever made in terms of file size, which just makes me excited that, like, okay, so, like, it is not, it is not, a, it's not the same size game. It is a bigger game. Which, which do we, makes me really excited. Uh, Brian, do we want to talk about the price increase for this game now, or do we want to yeah. wait for... No, um, we're talking about Zelda. Right. Yeah. yeah. This is so, the first... Yeah. Yeah. This is the first Switch game to be retailing for $70. So it's going to be $69.99 come out at launch. 
honestly, people are a little mad about it because it's like, how come all the other Switch games are only 60, but this one has to be 70? Grr. It's like to me, it's like, you know what? If the content is there, the con if the content is there, and if it's as big as people say it is, and this thing is gonna push my switch to the absolute limit, it's only 10 extra bucks. Yeah. I was gonna buy it at 60 anyway. If it's gonna be 70 for a base one. I would like a collector's edition, but I know those are going to get scalps to high heaven. I know from experience with Metroid Dread, unfortunately. But if I'm already buying PS5 games at $70, yeah. I'm not going to be upset that the biggest Nintendo game ever made at this point is also going to be 70 Okay. Here's here's the thing about video game prices. Uh, if you're if you're not someone who has paid attention to it for... Like I'm not I'm not saying I'm old or anything, but like if you haven't paid attention to it like since like the 80s, games have always been around this price. Games should be quite frankly more expensive. Yeah. For how much Google. money they're putting in, like like they're just like big Hollywood movies. Like that's why like mm -hmm. movie prices are going up. Like games should be considerably more expensive. In the 80s and 90s, games used to be a hundred to two hundred dollars. Certain oh. cartridges like they would be ninety dollars. Like people were buying Mortal Kombat for a hundred dollars. Super it Metroid. It was a different time. Super Metroid, when it came out in 1994, when it released for the Super Nintendo, was $60 yeah. in 1994. Translate yeah. that to, uh, for inflation, $64 or $60 in 1994 equates to about like 100 something here today's day. And games. And that was, and that was for Metroid, Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo with no collector's edition whatsoever. And like old games are great. Like games from the 90s are great, but they are extremely limited and often very short. And now we are getting 200-hour experiences with like incredible graphics, and we are paying. Yeah. We are not. Pay, we are paying cheaper than they when they were 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel uh, like it because we weren't around that. I mean, realistically, right. that's you know market of competition because the consumer is able to be in charge. There's so many options. Like if we only had two video game companies, they'd be much more able to set their price, and we just have to live with it. It's true. That is very true. So it's always, it is always a, like, who will be the first one to raise their price? And then the second someone does, everyone else follows. That's always how it is. Xbox was the first company to make games $60 from 50 And then literally it happened overnight how quickly PlayStation was on that on that train, too. Yeah. Uh, um, games should Mac... be way more expensive for, again, we spent like 15 bucks on an hour and a half movie. Like, that's... that's like, yeah, depending on, yeah. Your, on your game, for sure. Like, yeah. you know, the, in, the indie market, I think, I think the indie market prices itself about correctly, like, you know, because you want those games to succeed and do well, and they're smaller, uh, not smaller in the terms of how much hours they, like, put into making the game, but yeah. they are smaller in terms of, like, the, the yeah. length of the game. And scope and, and stuff, scope yeah. and scale, but yeah. they're still, you know, what they are. But when you talk about, like, AAA titles, it is, like, you know, impressive as it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to bring up Max comments saying that begs the question, will it price hike other future games? I'm assuming he means Nintendo titles. It's, it's possible. I think but... only for party. I think like Mario, Donkey Kong, I think that, but I think like Far Cry 7 or like the new, the next like dance, dance, dance revolution or whatever will probably be 60. I would say if like people have been making rumors about Super Mario Odyssey 2 coming out or at least being announced later this year, yeah. if it does do that and the file for Super Mario get for Super Mario Odyssey 2 is just as or even bigger than Breath of the Wild and they charge it $70, that's, I would be, I would accept that. I, I would 100%, but if it was like the same size as the original Super Mario Odyssey, and then they still charge $70, I would be a little miffed about it. I'd be like, I don't know, guys. Maybe you should have kept to the original 60 Um, But still, I would say it's still too early to tell. Um, With Breath of the Wild going up from 60 to 70 once again, it's only 10 extra bucks. 
And we know this game was going to be to be Nintendo's biggest hit since possibly the original Breath of the Wild. Oh, so who knows? Think, oh yeah. I think Can again, you... this is one of those things where it being Nintendo also factors into like how high that price hike can go because Nintendo is a company that notoriously will not lower its prices very much at all. Whereas like other games will. This game will be $70 for its entire lifetime. Yeah. And if you want it cheap, unfortunately the only cheap version to get it is via digitally because sometimes they do have sales on the digital stores for like Mario day, but it's only for very certain titles and the second hand or second hand. Yeah. Games out. Power to the players. Yeah. But anyways, Tears of the Kingdom. Final, my final thing about it is, I'm stupid excited. It looks. So when does it come out again? May twelfth. Okay, so you got like two or three weeks to get through Jedi Survivor before. (laughs) 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 You're also gonna be like, aren't you gonna be out of town anyway? So like, yeah. uh, Well, no. Well, here's the thing: the Tales of Symphonia remastered game is coming out this week. Oh, Ben, that's like a 100-hour game, too. You can't. You're not going to play that game. Yeah, and I and I got Tales of Arise for my PS5 for a steal at 30 one, bucks. Now one I'm tail at a time, mood. sir, please. What? One tail at a time. I'm trying, but do you know how long I've been wanting a Tales of Symphonia remaster for modern consoles? Years! Tales People will time. not shut the F up about Tales of Symphonia, and now it's here, and it's like, I gotta beat a few other games first. Which... I'm, just, I'm just speculating. But I think, I think Ben's not going to be on our Jedi Survivor review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll put the time in. <laughs> Begrudgingly, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> I'll play the Jedi game. Fine. No, I, well, hey, I actually want to play the Jedi game. The Je- I, lo- I really enjoyed um, Fallen Order. And Grayson yeah, some is of here. my best friends are Jedi. <laughs> Hi, Grayson. He says, who needs a life? Let's just load up on Hot Pockets and play games all day. I wish those, those were the days. I, I wish, again, but right now, I wish, but my diet will not allow the hot pockets, unfortunately. Keto hot pockets. Mm. All right. Uh, right. We've done the Nintendo Direct now. You guys can jump yeah. back in. Yeah. Solid. Hi. Um, we're back. Welcome. Uh never went anywhere. Um we didn't did we decide if we were taking this out? What? Yes. Okay, um, then we'll go to Shin Kong. The, the, the anime one already. Oh, about. oh, we're on trailers. Yeah, we entered the trailer it. park. Yes, yes. There's a trailer we're not talking about. I don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah, I just thought the premise was cool. Um, yeah, sure. Shin Common Rider. Ah, shit! I missed that one. It's okay. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's all, all vibes. It's all vibes. It's a lot of shots okay. of people and Common Riders, and I love the vibes. Yeah, Anno's back, baby. I love watching people walk up to each other over large landscapes shots. I love shots uh, of cities in in costumes, just straight on at each other. It's, it looks great. It does, and it's just like so self serious. Like I'm just a dude with a cool scarf, and I look like a bug. That's common um, writer. Agent Elvis. Yo. <laughs> this is kind of fun. I would definitely read it. I kind of love this. Did you? I did. Yeah. I thought it was it was it was one of those. It's like this looks so stupid, but it looks so funny. Yeah. I do think the humor is actually I was surprised. Like I when I first heard about this a couple of months ago, I wasn't I was like, okay, why are you doing this? But actually, you know, there's some charm there. The humor works for the most part. Uh Matthew McConaughey is a is a fun choice for Elvis. Um I'm 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 actually interested and in, uh, which is better than where I was before. I I it doesn't look bad, but I didn't find it particularly funny. 
Um, I again, like, if this were a comic, I would definitely read it. And I really like Matthew McConaughey. But I'm just being honest with myself, and like, with the amount of things come out, like, I'm I I probably will watch this. But it look, but it is a fun premise. It is definitely a premise that's like, I that that's fun. I do like Elvis. And it's based on a real conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, is when he met Richard Nixon. Nixon gave him like a badge and was like, "You're part of you're part of this now." And and uh, Elvis took that to his grave. But uh, conspiracy well, was that he was actually an agent for Nixon. Yeah. So that really actually happened. Like, because he called Nixon. He's like, "Yeah, I want to be. I want to be a deputy. Can you make me a yeah. deputy?" And he's like, "You're Elvis. Sure. Here's a badge." And they're like, oh, I'm a deputy. That's, that's that's the end of that story. But some people are like, but what if? And that's actually a pretty fun, a fun story. Mm-hmm. Strays. This is probably my favorite anticipate. This is my most anticipated movie of the year. Really? I'm, I'm not even joking. Um, <laughs> it's directed by the guy who did Barb and Star, Go to Vesta Del Mar. Mm-hmm. Ben, it's written by the guy who made American Vandal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love, love I love dogs more than most people. I love dog humor. I love rated R humor. Um, it, this is it being produced by Lord Miller, who are the comedy gods of Hollywood. There's nothing I have bad to say about this trailer. I love Will Ferrell. One of my favorite comedies is Step Brothers. I, Will Ferrell's one of the only people in the world where he can say dumb shit and I, it, it makes me laugh. He's going to bite a dick off. That makes me laugh. I can't help it. it makes me laugh. Big fan. Of, uh, big sure. fan. Uh, I think this looks great, but that's, a, that's very much a, a me, a me thing. No, I, yep. I agree. Uh, oh hell yeah! I I really really look forward to this. I wasn't too interested in this when I watched. I started the trailer like during the week. I was like, oh, I'll watch this later. And watching this for today, I was I was like, okay, yeah, okay. We're doing Homeward Bound again, all right. And then he said, I'm gonna bite his dick off, and I was like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the I said, I'm gonna bite his dick off. I I was in <laughs> from. I love this guy. Ah, uh, fuck off! <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we're doing this? That's the whole movie? Um, and I didn't like. I God, I, just, I love I love everybody in this movie. The entire cast. Like, this just looks like a really, really, really funny movie. Yeah, or even the part where they eat mushrooms, yes. and then you go, you like, you go to like that that one dog, the lassie dog, and she's all animated, and the sock puppet with the human hands. That is that is very much uh, again like if you've seen the twenty one twenty two jumpsuit movies like both those movies have the excellent drug sequences and I'm like yep yeah, this is another added to the list added to the uh, list I am very much at first I was like nah, I don't know and then I heard uh, and then like Will Forte was like uh, it was it, no that's not Will Forte who who yes, yes it is you got that, it, right. it is Will Forte oh cool Will Forte yeah. is the is the owner it's MacGruber yeah. himself like the the whole like fetching is like. Fashion, F and F, yeah, F and F, yeah, all right. I think it's gonna be very funny. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, oh, hey, hey, thank you, Grayson. I thank you. You love my Elvis impression. <laughs> uh, it's been a very long time since I've seen this kind of talking animation on animals movie, and an even longer time since I saw it and thought it looked good, yeah, and like something I would want to watch. So this is this is nice. It takes me back, like like when we were growing up, there was like cats and dogs. Doctor Doolittle. Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, we had a bunch of talking animal movies, and then they kind of oh, Beverly stopped. Hills. Beverly Hills Chihuahua. No, no, <laughs> I, that's just like at least I said a good one. <laughs> no, well, at least in Homeward Bound, they didn't move their mouths. That's true. Yeah, I kind yeah. of prefer it to be honest. Yeah, yeah. When they when they can pull it off, and I, it's one of the reasons I go back to the Homeward Bound movies and really like them is because it's all like animal actors. Milo and Otis, same thing. They don't move their mouths. 
It's true. Milo Notice is another good pull. Um, but but I like especially for a movie like this. Like it, you you need it to. It's got um, I can't quite place why, but it has um, Good Boys. Is that the name of the movie? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, it has yeah, like yeah. Good Boys. Energy. Jacob Tremblay and Little yeah, Guys. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. uh, percent. And I don't know exactly why, but it just does. And I'm like, yeah, I love that it's, movie. It's, this is fun. It's like people, uh, in quotations, animals doing things they shouldn't be doing. Right. Uh, in like raucous ways. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I, the, when he's looking in, at a mirror of himself, he's like, wait, look at me. Like, what do you have? He's like, I don't want, I hate violence. Like, <laughs> that just killed me. I love it. I love dogs. What was the, the, the bit that actually surprisingly got me off guard was when they were humping the gnome and, and he goes, Tell that gnome here is daddy. Oh, hi, hi, gnome. I'm your father. It's weird <laughs> to meet you this way under these yeah. weird circumstances. That yeah, was really I, funny, honestly. I got good time. History of the world part two. Speaking of a good time. Yeah. This is probably, there's a good chance this is the last thing Mel Brooks ever makes. 96. And I'm really thrilled to see all this modern talent work with him. Lots. This looks yeah. really yeah. so many people. Oh, yeah. I did not know Jack Black was in it. I'm pretty sure because you don't Jack Black have, like, is an... Stalin. Oh, that's who he is? Yes. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> uh, because you know how they, we get thrown like a bunch of names of people who star in this who's, who star in this thing. You can't read them all. You have to pause it. I never did. And then when I saw Jack Black's name, I was like, "What?" And then he's singing as Stalin. I'm like, "I need to watch this. This is amazing." It, yeah, it was in the it was in the first trailer, but like, like the Alexander Graham Bell, like, yeah. "Who is this? Your mother? What's your last name?" Bell. No. It's my mother for <laughs> sure. That confirms it. Like, oh my god! <laughs> I love like Baronholtz, like. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so happy to have Mel Brooks humor in my life again in a new modern way. I'm, yeah. I'm super excited yeah. about it. You weren't here when we talked about the first trailer. No, yeah. I wasn't. Um, I but I agree with everything you guys were saying. I, I'm thrilled, thrilled for oh. it. I also really love this release schedule. It's going to be four two episode event nights. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a bit where it's um, uh, Taika Taika Waititi as Sigmund Freud. <laughs> Welcome to my masturbates. I mean, masterclass. Oh, that's me! Isn't that crazy? Um, I, love it. I, I think it's. Re- I think it's. Uh, I think it looks really solid, and I'm actually really surprised. Um, uh, and pleasantly so. I, there's the bit where um, Josh Gad is playing Shakespeare. Yeah, uh, and he's like, "What about a what about a play where where people sing their feelings? Like people sing what they're feeling. Does anybody have a good idea?" And like the way he delivers it is really funny. I, yeah. I, the fact that Josh Gad is playing Shakespeare, the second I is like, "What great ideas for the next Shakespearean play?" I'm like, "Oh my god, yes, I'm all and, for this." And like, I I love it from I love that they brought it back from the first from the from the first movie. It's just like this is going to be the greatest war in the history of the world, part two. That's a good one. Like yeah. that's really good. I'm really excited. Yeah. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually really glad it's a series that we get to again. Like if it is Mel Brooks last chance, it's going to be like this big, this big thing of multiple comedic events that are occurring that we get to enjoy rather than just trying to put out one film. I I, I actually am thrilled for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We never thought we'd get history of the world part two. It started as a joke at the end of the first movie. Part two. Now, okay. now we just wait for the sequel to Kung Pao Enter the Fist. That's the next one. Oh, oh God, will, that's coming, right? We will, we will be back. Big for like 22 years. <laughs> All right. I don't even know if Oda Kirk's in the business anymore. Yeah. Fast X. Oh, 
my god guys there's <laughs> no world where i could have predicted we're going to retroactively put jason momoa in footage from fast five yeah, hell yeah. to explain hell his yeah. motives yeah. for why he's the hell bad guy yeah and you know what i love anime it was the right call i read x-men <laughs> comics that's every other issue i'm <laughs> I'm thrilled. <laughs> so before I say my opinions on this, I want to talk about an interview that I read with Louis Leterrier, who's the director of this movie. He took over for Justin Lin. And when we first talked about Justin Lin leaving and he coming on, I was really trepidatious because it's not, Louis Leterrier has not made any bad movies. He's just never made movies that I absolutely love, right? And I really like the Fast and Furious franchise, specifically when you're going up to 10, like you're ending the franchise. Like I want you to bring in someone who's got it. And he came in, he's like, listen, I'm not Justin Lin. I, he went to space in his last movie. I can't do that. I'm not going to try to do that. I know how to be a grounded action filmmaker, and this is the biggest budget I've ever had, so I'm going to try to make a grounded action movie as big as possible. And that's what this trailer, that's what I felt like with this trailer. They weren't trying to go bigger and ballsier and going to space. It's just more, a lot more action. Lots of more action, and it looks great. There's uh, a lot of action. There's a, sure. This is almost a four-minute trailer. Yeah. That's, I yeah. hate, I hate long trailers i really do i think the shorter more condensed you can make it the more like tight that to give me a flavor of it i'm more vibes than anything but i love this four minute trailer because it's like this is a lot of action wow wow, wow. everybody's here hell yeah if this this is the infinity war to 11th endgame in like to be comparative like this looks like a big ass movie man uh i can't wait to see it in theaters this also looks fantastic i was a little scared about fast x I mean, yeah, as Ryan said, they kept going bigger and bad. They kept going. They went to space. They're doing all this crazy ass shit. And the fact that they're going, they're doing all this stuff, like putting Jason Momoa in the footage for five and everything. Because at first I was kind of like very nervous about Fast X, especially with all the stuff with Justin Lin. Now I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm ready, baby. Let's go. Let's race. Let's get dangerous. Um, my wife pointed out something really funny that I think is 100% true that Jason Momoa just seems to be wearing his own clothes in his own <laughs> and I'm like you know what that's probably right because he he's a body shape where he probably has to have a lot of stuff made for him and so he's just bringing his own style to he's the movie. A big man. I think that's right. Yeah. You know how awesome would it I, hey they at least save on a budget. No they for sure. Save, they save it's like hey uh, Jason can you bring your own clothes? Yeah for sure I could do that. That was a horrible impression of Jason Momoa, but I really like Jason Momoa specifically in this trailer because I don't think we get to see him have a lot of fun outside of like Slumberland, sure. which from which for me was like him like really turned up to eleven, just having a good time on set uh, and like delivering a really good performance. And so as a villain, he's very unlike a Fast and the Furious villain who are up until now been very serious. Yes, they're um, very stoic, and you're you're so right. It's oh, what I'm it's what I'm loving. And so what I'm seeing is he's having fun, like that like that line where he throws the bomb and he, and he what, like Ryan said, boom. Like, and there's there's a, there's an energy to him that he's bringing where he's got kind he's matching the heroes at their level. Yeah, and I'm really and I really like that. That's I really responded to him as a villain, and the the rest of the trailer, like I really like seeing the. Um, Ryan, you mentioned his interview, but like the practical effects, uh, because there's a lot of practicality to these action sequences. And it's really nice to see because I, uh, Fast Nine's fine. Uh, I really like Justin Lin behind the camera of the Fast and the Furious films in general, just no matter what. But like when you have 
Dom swing slingshot from one end of a canyon into another and then do a tumble and destroy the car. That's all CG and fine, whatever. Um, it, it, you can't do that again. You need to do something else. And I think that that, that I think that what Louis Leterrier did was like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to play. And I think he, I think this turned out a, a good showing. Yeah. Uh, on, on the note that you were saying about like Jason Momoa's charisma as the villain, he's the only one who I feel like, I don't think necessarily they're going to go toe to toe or anything, but like to be in the same circle as we know, we're, we're still going to be wrapping up the story between this film and the next one with Charlize Theron's villain. He's the only one who feels like charismatically he's measuring up to that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm really, really excited for that. I'm also really glad that we're seeing John Cena back in action with them as well. Cause I Absolutely. like nobody was really talking about his involvement in this movie much. And I'm like, I hope that they didn't just bring him in nine and then kind of loosely drop that. He'll have like one action. scene. I'm like, I'm glad he's still a presence here. Yeah. There's a, um, the, the speaking of Charlie Theron, what are they doing with that character? What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? So, if I had to guess, because we're doing like sci-fi shit, <laughs> Like, what's her name? What's what's Charlie's character's name? Cipher? Is that her? Cipher? She's extracting information from her brain to put into her brain. (laughs) No, that's she's a prisoner. She's clearly a prisoner in that in that scene. They both are. Yeah. They were both captured by Jason Momoa or whoever the bad guy was behind Hobbs and Shaw if they were gonna just nip that story in the bud too. I just I just I'm just thinking the X-Men. Keanu Reeves. You know what? I don't think said. About who I don't, wants to be the big bad. I, yes. Downey. I think that would be um, I think that'd be actually really fun. I don't like Char- Charlize was like meant to be the big bad. Like when she was first introduced, they're like, this is the this is the bad guy that's gonna take us to the end. Yeah. Uh and then she gets captured in her second movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because she's in fate and then F9. If Chris Morgan were still direct were still writing these films, I would have more faith that the plot from from Hobbs and Shaw, which he wrote would carry over but he's not anymore and i have a sneaking suspicion vin diesel wants to bury hobbs and shaw that's that will be like my own the only regret of this franchise like i like hobbs and shaw and like i understand it is trying to be like a more like oh it's like we're, we're doing like a superhero thing almost like not that the fast and furious isn't but you know it is going more like sci-fi mm-hmm. uh don't introduce it if you're just not going to do anything with it. well that's but that's it. the thing that's the thing i think it's i think he's i think he's still miffed at at the rock Yes. Uh, especially after especially after the he tried to plead with him to come back in that really manipulative way yeah, yeah so yeah. like i think he's just kind of trying to just be like yeah it's not it's not because the rock did that but also i'm still i don't know if i need jason statham in these movies anymore oh i like statham i, I understand story-wise but like i just i like seeing him i like seeing him yeah. him and han i'm ex- i'm actually excited to see him and on interplay together what i will say is like his inclusion because of where it drops like this happened with both him and Charlie Saron where they show up in the trailer maybe go oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> this movie's full of stuff and then somewhere in here is Gal Gadot who somehow oh um, right oh right yeah I got a feeling like because like these I got a feeling that like Statham unfortunately probably John Cena can you still feel the love always yeah. uh, uh i got like those characters like they will probably have like one important scene and they won't be in the movie as much as our main characters because at this point there's like 20 side characters that are really cool and there's just not enough time for everybody well i think there is enough time when you think of this as part one of two oh, so boy. so are they gonna do an infinity war where half the cast isn't really in it as much as the next one 
I mean, you can argue that like three characters, they don't have development anyway. They're just there to quip and have fun. So that's true. It, it's not like we need to like they need to be there, but it's not like we need to worry about them having an arc. Talk about Roman and Tash. Yes, <laughs> they could just be fun. You're right. They went to space. That's their arc. Uh, what's the what's the what's the girl? The new hacker girl. Oh, I forget her. Oh. Oh, because she plays the same role as Tej, which yeah. makes either one of one or both of them just not needed. Uh, Ramsey, um, Ramsey, Ramsey. Yeah. Hell yeah, thank you, Ben. Because I, I knew it was the same girl who played. Uh, oh, not Melisandre. The um, she was a Game of Thrones. She was Daenerys's right hand man. She fell in love with a Grey Worm. You know who I'm talking yeah. about, Ryan Sparks. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Name. I don't know That's why name. we're saying yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, but yeah, Ramsey. I think I'm pretty sure her name, her hacker name is Ramsey. It is. You're right. Uh, Grayson live in the chat says, uh, wait, is he going to be a Joker-esque villain? Is he going to be bringing mostly chaos that the heroes can build off of? Yeah, kind of. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like it's like a revenge story more than like a world domination. I am super interested in like what exactly is going to be his goal because like he clearly gets Dom's son and then he's just got him and he's like, ha! (laughs) It definitely feels like... like, I don't think he's going to kill a kid, so like what's he doing? It definitely feels like, I think think Grayson might be right, like where the other villains have had like plots for like world domination, money, or something like that. This is just, I'm getting revenge because you killed my daddy. That's all it is. I think that's that could be the extent of it. <laughs> it's really funny because like the I you 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 took away my chance at a family, and he's like a forty year old man, yeah, <laughs> who's who just lost oh, his dad. 35. Well, and all at his time. and all his money, and all his money. You're right. Uh, some some people have made like what I think is a wonderful suggestion, which is that it's not his son; it's uh like his number one goon. Oh, and his number one goon who was gonna like inherit? You know, no, not inherit, but like you know, he was gonna have like he was gonna rise up to the ranks. I mean, nothing. Uh, he had no crime empire to to take over or anything. Like all mm-hmm. his, his possibilities for his number one. Um, and that like he just really liked the guy, <laughs> and I'm like, that's kind of better <laughs> than just being his son. Yeah. Yeah, right. the, the my last thing, but like the shot of the bang vault leaving, and he's just like standing there, and I'm like, also that's really good. Eagle-eyed, eagle-eyed Ryan caught that uh, Alan Richson is in this, which is great. Um, super excited for his inclusion. Yep. Yeah, I I saw him in the they did like a trailer tomorrow teaser where it's like everyone getting out of all the whole cast just getting out of a car, um, and I saw him and I was like, who the hell's that? Yeah. <laughs> He's great. He's I'm great. happy for him getting getting more work. Um, he's a uh, d- d- Jack Reacher. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he was Hawk on Titans. Right. I um, couldn't remember if he was Hawk or Dove. Also, Raphael in the TMNT movies that where he was that, treated terribly. Where he got yeah he yep. got the shit under the stick. Uh, mm. And uh, I I like Brie Larson in this trailer. I'm I'm glad she's there. Yeah, I, I'm excited to. Have she does her a real cool flavor, real cool motorcycle stunt where it's like a backwards flip, bing bong, and I'm like that's pretty sick. Uh, I, I still think it's Tess O'Connor. Oh, I'm sure you're right. I don't yeah. think anybody's just being. I think everybody thinks that's what it is. Oh, his sister. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's cute. That's cute. Um, the Flash. Flash. It's. It's it's a real bummer that the star of this movie is a bad person and 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 they need to get help and everybody deserves to get help uh they should not be rewarded for the things that they recently did uh, uh i don't want them to continue being in this franchise after they just did something horribly you know everyone deserves a second chance but not a, a month after you just did some real terrible crimes that being said i'm really excited for this movie i really wish i wasn't 
And I, I honestly, I don't know if I will even see it in theaters and I'll just never wait for HBO Max. Like, I honestly don't know. I really, like, this is a very different situation than, like, a Zachary Levi. This is, like, political views are different than you doing some heinous shit. Right. It, it does make it hard. It makes it hard. I think this was a great trailer. I think this is a great trailer. I think the action looks awesome. It is, like, the Flash stuff that I've always wanted to see. Uh, I am a Michael Keaton fan. Batman Returns is my favorite Batman movie. Right seeing him i don't normally mark out but like him being batman that is incredible i also love batfleck i didn't know both of them would be in this trailer i am i am a hundred percent sold on this movie and it really bums me out because like i know he's gonna ezra miller is gonna continue like that's pretty much guaranteed at this point it feels like uh because the movie's so good they want to continue the franchise um it's a really terrible situation i'm just I'm glad it looks like a good movie instead of a bad movie. I mean, yeah. everyone else, the I, Supergirl stuff alone makes me want to see it, to be honest. I was ready to give this movie so much shit. I was ready to be like, I knew it was going to be bad. I knew it looks terrible. I knew all this. I'm just like, unfortunately, because I know we like try to be more positive on the show. I was ready to be the biggest negative Nancy in the world. Yeah. Watching this trailer, I'm like, oh, damn, I was wrong. And I, agree 100% with Ryan. Ezra has done some horrible shit. Some really bad shit. Damn it, do I want to wait to, until this movie comes out. I, I, I'm, I'm bummed. I'm, I want to see this movie. I want to see it. I want to support Michael Keaton because like the second he comes out and he says, I'm Batman, I squeed. The second I heard the theme song, I, I was like, oh my god. I'll tell you what real quick. I, Everything it's my else. Favorite thing. It's my least favorite thing in a trailer when they do the blackout cuts to make it seem like more intense. Uh, like when he's doing his his Arkham uh, dive kick and it's like black, 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 black. I'm like, that is really annoying, but it still looks incredible. Like, I'm so excited. It does. It does. Uh, I mean, I, I probably will wait or I'll probably go see this with Anka's fans. Probably go really want to go see it. But hey, man. You, hey, this is a. A person by person thing. You can go see the movie and nothing. It is totally fine, Ben. It is totally but fine. I, I, I don't want to support Ezra Miller all that much because I know they've done some horrible things, but at the Here's same the time. Here's the thing <clears throat> Ezra Miller got paid for making this movie regardless of if you see it or not. That's true. True. It's going to change shit about what they uh, benefit from the film. It doesn't isn't. Change shit. And, but, and, and they made this movie before Ezra Miller like went and committed crimes. Like, as far as the majority of what Ezra Miller's involvement was. So their responsibilities to their actions are tough because the movie was put in a tough position. So mm -hmm. this is, you know, weigh that in as you feel you must. Um, a lot um, of other incredible things going on in this movie besides them. Absolutely. Yeah. Real quickly, yeah, I do I'll, want to address... I do really want to address MJ's comment. Uh, we said we would um, a little bit, a little oh, bit back away. Um, they, uh, uh, they said about um, the banner. Are you going to pull it up? Oh, I thought uh, seeing yeah, Aquaman three. It's gotcha. about seeing Aquaman three uh, after the flash erasing all erasing all the old DC stuff, which is actually going to be Aquaman two uh, will happen after this and, <laughs> and would still be. Go ahead, but, um, as, J as we talked about last week, James Gunn said that Flash doesn't erase everything; it just erases some things. Um, right. The th certain things will continue. So we talked about Viola Davis returning as Amanda Waller, Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Um, if I could pronounce his name at any given time, but the the kid is playing Blue Beetle; he'll return most likely. Um, 
so like not everything and even like zachary levi and gal gadot they they're, they've been talking like they have open doors to return there's just the current plans with those characters with those characters or actors yet so yeah yeah uh if you want to in general it's a very comic book thing to be able to change some things but leave other things to yeah, be pick yeah. and choose and they're doing pick mm -hmm. and choose rather than a clean slate wipe and i think that's fine yeah. there's a lot of elements about the previous films that work and that people want to carry over and there's even some that they're not going to carry over that i think they should have uh just because i want to see them but it's not going to happen and it is what it is yeah. and we just move forward yeah if you want to hear us really dig into it there's an hour and 30 minutes separate discussion about the dc slate that we pulled out from last week's episode is up on youtube oh it's up mm -hmm. hell yeah love it um, um you go. i was gonna just say what i think of the trailer <laughs> um yeah. if that's okay um i i'm in an interesting position with this trailer because um michael keaton and and uh, michael keaton's batman is not one i love i like him i have no real problem with him it's just i don't have any nostalgia for those two movies um <laughs> and the uh michael shannon i like him as an actor but i don't really care for his zod either so i'm a in a really interesting position where it's like there's really nothing in this trailer for me i don't even think it looks I, I don't I'm not going to dwell on this too long, but I didn't really care for this trailer personally. It just wasn't really working for me on on almost every level. I do like Sasha Kale as, as super as Supergirl, though. I think she looks really cool. Um, I'm glad we got the confirmation that she will have a cape. And I think that, that was because a lot of the behind the scenes stuff was without a cape. Um, but yeah, I'm I don't know. I'll, I don't know. But that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. It's just that. that yeah, I don't know. I, I, it being a flash movie, like the thing, obviously that's most important is like the visuals of the flash. And I think it nails it. I think there's one specific shot where the flashes are running to each other and I do like a, a, a foot to foot thing that causes his explosion. Incredible. Especially on your cool. TV. Love it. Looks super cool. Him yeah. running super uh, fast the way he's moving through. Like, it's like the flash TV show did the best I could with the budget, but like seeing what it looks like with $200 million or whatever, like it looks awesome. It looks like a fast man. Looks like a very the, fast man. The flash ring. Yeah. Oh. That looks cool. Uh, I think all the cinematic action looks really, really good. Um, a lot of the stuff with uh, Michael Shanzod, I'm actually really thrilled with. Uh, I I want to see that really bad. Um, <clears throat> this idea of. Uh, that I just never put two and two together mm -hmm. because we heard Michael Shannon was in this. And yes. I was like, I don't know what that really the means. Context. But I didn't really factor in what, what Barry's doing is making the uh, man of steel stuff go South. Um, and I was like, Oh, that's actually genius. Uh, especially as like a full circle kind of way of, we are now leaving this, version of the universe as as intact as it was into we're something new we're starting we're, with the we're first going back movie to the, in the universe we're going back to the to the start of it and we're we're taking it and we're twisting on it and uh i i'm really excited about the supergirl i like a lot of the shots there's this uh dumb like but i think brilliant at the same time cinematic shot of uh batman with michael keaton with the fist and then he pulls it down and she's up that's awesome he comes down yes. like that all looks so good like the the cinematic flair like um this is the stuff that uh this is andy machete um and this is the stuff that i'm like oh man like you are a good director like you know yeah. how to direct around a lot of good scenes and this this looks like visually like it's going to be a ton of fun like a real blast to watch uh i didn't i didn't expect we were going to get a lot of um ben affleck and his batman outfit in this movie but it looks like we will at least get one and it's gray scene. and blue 
it looks like we will at least get one action scene and i'm really excited about that yeah um i like brandon also don't have like nostalgia attachment to keaton i like keaton's batman a lot but i don't have the the same nostalgia attachment Mm -hmm. um i still was like oh man this is pretty fun to see uh uh, keaton back in the role this is i i'm super intrigued by how this take is all gonna play out um the the most interesting thing thing to me is that he's like he goes like he reverse he reverse he flashpoints back to the Man of Steel timeline and things change, but also Bruce Wayne, Old Man Batman is there. Well, he's like he's like broken into, he's like broken into a different world timeline because like it's the Batman timeline, but he the, by his mom being alive has changed the events to now have this Man of Steel event mm-hmm. happen. Uh, it's like it's like universes are mixing. More okay, 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 yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, okay. Um, or I guess you could say on the long scale of the Batman world, eventually Man of Steel's events would have happened. Yeah. Uh, I guess you could say that too. Um, yeah. But it's not, I, yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm the, super intrigued the by thing, like, like Again, like the Michael Shannon of it all, like I, Man of Steel. Michael Keaton. Michael, no, Michael Shannon Zog. Oh, Michael Shannon like, Zog, yeah. Man of Steel is a movie like that. I think it's fine. There's too many, many Michaels. Michaels. <laughs> no, no. Man of Steel, like, I think it's a fine. It's fine. Like, I don't love it. But like, I didn't. I didn't expect to love revisiting it as much as I think I'm going to. Yeah. Because like now enough time has passed, and like that is like that movie's almost ten years old now, right? Like, it's great. That's crazy. Um, and like the Flash is is. I, do I wish they weren't doing Flashpoint for the first Flash movie? Yes. But like they are very much doing that movie where they're doing the 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 uh, the prisoner well, Superman and stuff. And like Gal Gadot was going to be in this movie. Was she going to be the Amazon Queen Warrior Lady? I I really. I, that would have been great. And now, and now knowing, you know, like what we're doing, I'm glad it's a flashpoint movie. I really am because, like, it, it is providing a clear, concrete for everyone way of we are moving forward with some elements and we are leaving behind other elements. Which we need to universe. do so we can get on onto a better track, hopefully, what the DC future is going to be. Yes. Um. So it did end up working out. I still, yeah, I agree. Like Flash's first movie shouldn't have been Flashpoint, but it's worked out. And I also didn't particularly love. Uh, as a, the, the script for The Flash in, in Batman vs. Superman or Justice League. I thought that version of The Flash was just a little too annoying. And just going off this trailer alone, like I can already tell the writing for Barry is going to be significantly better. He's not, well, as, he's not one, as crazy. One of the things I really wanted to touch on was a positive that I had, um, which, which was that I actually think Ezra Miller is turning in a good performance as Barry. Um, I think he he's delivering a even if the writing is not writing him to be that that type of Barry Allen that we saw from the uh, from Batman v Superman or Justice League. Um, we're seeing him they much more they, they thank they you mm-hmm. they thank you. Um, we're seeing them uh, play a much more subdued Barry Allen, and I think that's a really good. I think that's really good. I, I'm 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 happy they went with that direction. Yeah, and I think it is it is also to have him be the straight Barry Allen to the younger, more silly Barry Allen, who I still think will probably be, be like, like more closer to the BVS version, but still better written. So it'll actually be funny. Um, I'm yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm shocked how, 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 how excited I am for this. And, and again, like the flash is not a character. Like he's like in my top 20, like, you know, like these are all elements of things that I don't particularly care for, but when it's all put together in this, I'm like, Oh wow, this all kind of works for me in this little zone. Uh, I'm Batman. It's one of it's now that we're here and I'm seeing like the visuals of it and seeing what they're really going for. I said this to Ryan. I'm like, they should have just kept whatever Cavill and Godot's appearances were. Like, if this is the swan song for yeah. this version, then let it actually be the swan song. If it's ending these things, yeah. If you film them, then leave them in. Do it. 
just yeah. just do it i think i told you sparks that I, I i lament that we're getting less and less dvd uh uh deleted scenes in our on our physical media because like the deleted scenes for this movie are almost more fascinating to me than the movie itself sure yeah it's a huge bummer that that's kind of the direction that things are going yeah um we when we did our it's one of the reasons i i you know i was looking at it because i ben has my scream trilogy blu-ray set um and i'll never let go of that thing despite the fact that i've now replaced one and two with 4k copies because the 4k copies don't have all the extra scenes and, mm, and gag reels and commentary and deleted stuff like they don't have any of that on the 4k release and i'm like man why do we do this they hate us <laughs> if, it was, if it was already on whatever all right guardians of the galaxy volume three Time to face we're gonna cry. Oh, we're gonna yeah. cry. We're gonna leave that theater in tears. I know it. I freaking know it. Uh, hey, sh- shocking report for the Fake Nerd Podcast. James Gunn makes another great movie. It looks like um, <laughs> this has all the elements you'd want in another one of these movies. You know, action, comedy. You know, uh, suspense, sadness. But this being the finale, and we know it's like it is ending, but probably some sadness. Like there's just an extra bit of oh man. Oh, there's a lot of hugging in this in this one. Oh no! Oh, uh, Layla, Lyra, Ly- uh, Lila, Lila. I think, yeah, yeah. The oh. otter, um, when she hugs Rocket in the trailer, it was the same shot from the first trailer, but like it still warms my heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's just again, it's it is so funny that like we're at the point in the MC where like the high evolutionary who is like just one of the dumbest villains, like so like, but his whole thing of like making like. He's Doctor. He's the island of Doctor Moreau, but like, but like in a sci-fi version. Well, not that it's not. You know what I mean? Like, he's like a, a spaceman, basically. Um, it is, looks ridiculous. I can't believe we're going to Counter Earth and like Adam Warlock is here and he's going to start as like an antagonist and become a protagonist because that's how these things happen. Um, just looks incredible. Looks incredible. I think this is the first MCU film to be marketed as a goodbye. Sure. Uh, and that's that's really interesting to see. Was Iron was Iron Man three not because I remember everyone thinking it was. No, I mean like it's it. I felt like Iron Man three is marketed as a he's gonna be pulled down to his lowest kind yeah. of film, but not necessarily. Uh, this is the end of Iron Man. Um, and you know, like Endgame is a goodbye movie. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think the marketing tried to sell you on that as much as it was like we're getting we're getting the big hurrah guys from from after Infinity War. Come back. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Um. So I'm not saying like we haven't had goodbyes in the MCU. I'm saying this is the first one that feels like it's really marketing to you. Like, are you ready to say goodbye to the Guardians? And I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grayson has a great comment in the chat. He goes, I'm nervous about the final scene in the trailer. We all are, buddy. Well, here's the thing. I think that's that's absolutely a red herring. I don't think. Well, no, that's not true because every literally anybody can die in, in in this final movie. I don't know. Like, there's there's but like it feels like I, it's there to be a red herring. It, it feels like I don't think Peter's gonna die. I think that I think that is a red herring, but I but well, yeah, because if you if when you see Peter being carried at the at the end of the trailer, Rocket's sm- uh, drinking a smoothie. There's no way Rocket's drinking a smoothie, and Peter Quill had just died. I feel yeah, um, that's that's probably. I bet you that in the trailer is a sad scene. In the movie, it's like a comedy scene because they just knocked yeah, out yeah. Peter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, something. Um, like that. But I, but I but I understand you. I understand you, Grayson. Um, yeah, it's just like again visually looks great like all like focusing more on rocket and drax is going to be wonderful i'm i'm so excited for the return of gamora who's like doesn't know pierre but like she'll she'll 
she might get you know what'd be interesting actually she didn't fall in love with him in the movie how how wild would that be if like i mean be, <laughs> at this point like kind of the direction they've gone like it would be a little insincere if they did yeah i mean because i could which see is that. why i think the bit with nebula is hilarious that is that made me laugh out lol loud <laughs> so funny um that that had me laughing too i think my eyes with black pits will he pick good ones <laughs> i think i think uh, uh i do i am holding on to my theory that rocket is dying at the end of this movie sure you can hold uh, on to that i don't think that's i don't think so i'm not yeah. convinced of that but i get why you are i just there's something about about this trajectory that would just would just make so much sense. Look, I'd be really happy to be wrong because then Rocket can show up in another movie. Um, but yeah, I you know Rocket obviously is my favorite of the Guardians. So to see Rocket him, made... sorry, go ahead. Well, just to see him get to have this kind of spotlight shine on him, and admittedly he's not had small roles in the first two films, but like it really feels like in this one he is a like one of the primary characters, center stage, dealing with the plot of the movie really excited about that yeah i would argue he was with two but i i understand um i i find it unlikely that they'd kill off rocket because rocket and groot are the easiest ones to transfer over into any other future mcu thing just voices um so i i doubt it but anything can happen i definitely i know drax is dying there batista is out of the mcu forever yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, honestly, if the movie ended with, uh, and then they went off to their home planet and died, I would be, I would understand. I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. he's just going to subvert all our expectations and it's just, they all walk off into the sunset. Who knows? And then a nuke falls. I'm pretty sure. That, I think that was Alf that ended that way. Anyway. Uh, a nuke? No, not the, the going to the home planet and died. Oh. Uh, yeah, it looks it looks really good. Yeah, uh, I'm ready to be emotional. Oh, the river otter, mm, yeah. that river otter. Yeah, that river otter is gonna make people cry. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, she's she she's a great character. I'm glad they finally paid off that uh, uh, blinking you miss it screen in 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 the first Guardians movie that says he's uh, she's uh, his accomplice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right. Main topic. Well, real quick, uh, Brandon, before you go, uh, just to let you know, if any of you have any major plumbing problems, go ahead and call the Super Mario Bros. at 929-555-MARIO. He's great. been waiting. He's been waiting all night for yeah. that. Did anyone else watch that a little bit? Besides yeah. My... Oh. And I watched the original one, too. I told I told Ryan that uh, it had the most illumination gag we've seen from the Mario Brothers movie in it so far, which is the part where she's reading the cue card. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, oh... There's illumination. <laughs> I see you. But it do the Mario? Do the do, do the do, do Mario and Luigi have last names? Is it Mario? Is their last Mario, name Mario? Mario and Luigi Mario? Okay, actually, ten, no. That's that me, is from the Mario Brothers movie. That is canon. Yeah, from the Mario movie. But according yeah. to Miyamoto himself, they're mononymous. It's just Mario and Luigi, like Madonna. I mean, I think they could be polygamous, but you know. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Um, yeah, but because like it's called, it's called. Sorry, Sparks. Is it me or are you laughing about something else? Oh, he's probably laughing. No, at me. when Ben said mononymous, I almost meant monomena. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. dovetail from there. Um. Anyway, I, I because like I, I was like it's called Super Mario Plumbing, and I'm like, 
is Luigi's last name Mario also? Um, that was really cute, though. I really enjoyed watching that. The 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 gag that got me was when they're when they're cranking the pipe, looking so serious at this camera. Yeah. That was very it's funny. Actually, um, ben, you probably might be the most uh, in able to agree with me on, on this. It f- had a lot of gumball energy. It did. Like it felt like a gumball, like thirty second gag that they it do. Totally did. Like literally, Gumball and Darwin have done shit like that, and and like they're both doing the the head bob thing as they're doing it. I was like, this is this is some heavy duty Gumball energy. Here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that little snippet was great. People have been like Ryan when you retweeted it. A guy mentioned that they did the they redid the Super Mario Bros. Super Show theme into this into this little commercial. And the and that just continues the fact that the people behind this movie they're going no bit of Mario is untouchable they're going full ham if you love Super Mario Brothers we are bringing everything that we can like I was I even looked on like the little website because I'm part of the I'm probably I guess I'm part of the mailing list or the on Twitter because the account added me and say hey here's the thing and I actually went to the website it it's a, like a legit real they were like for a they were like business. welcome welcome Ben. No, they're shut up. No, but I said like I was scrolling through down to testimonials, and you see like ones from Spike, who was their old boss, and a bunch of other reviews that aren't that good. Like the the mom reviewed it. It I was to I said it before I'll say it again. I'm super excited for this movie. I'm super Hell happy. I Hell cannot yeah. wait. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, there were a bunch of teasers, but they're all under a minute, and I don't think they're worth it. Um, I don't get out of bed for more for for less than a minute. All right, main topic. Uh, since since we did that real quick, there is a Super Bowl spot version of Fast X that if you didn't watch it, it has Great. a wild as hell uh, action piece revealed at the end of it that was not in the full trailer. It is, is somehow, it? it is pretty sick. Um, Dom's driving down the down a dam. I'll say that. Oh, I did see that. That was really funny. <laughs> Because because up. there's one thing you screwed up on. You didn't take my car. <laughs> it was quite frankly, it was quite frankly that line that sold me on the movie. Because like the first trailer, like, oh whatever, you know, I'm I'll I'll go see it. I'm gonna go see the all of these. But like it was that line where I was like, oh shit, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just thinking about it. It's like so stupid and so perfect for, yeah. for the movie. Okay. Anyway. Mm. The Indiana Jones teaser looked really cool too. It's when John Reese Davies just yells, Go give him hell, Indiana Jones. I'm like, yeah, Sala. That's great. It does confirm that Mads is in the future though and the past. Which mm-hmm. I was kind of just hoping he was in the past. But like that it's that's fine. More Mads is never a bad thing. I mean, like, I really like the line. I, I we met before. Have we, I remember you? Have we met before? Yeah. Are you still a Nazi? Yeah. It's <laughs> a pretty good line. It is. Um, Indiana Jones, my favorite Nazi, Nazi punching hero. Not Ant Man. Hmm. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> main topic. Uh, let's talk about Scream Three and Scriforum. Otherwise known as Scream Four, otherwise wrongly known as Scream Four. That's true. Um, let's let's get into it with Scream Three, uh, Sparks, because these are your favorites. Uh, not these are your favorites, but this is your favorite franchise, one of them at least. Uh, let's talk. Why don't, why don't you get us started? 
Sure. I love the Scream franchise. Love, love, love it. I, I wish we could have talked about Scream 1 and 2 for forever because there's so many things you can dig into that we, we just didn't have time to. Um, but we're here. We're going to do Scream 3, Scream 4. We're going to start with Scream 3, and we're just going to stick to that. Um, and I think this is the bottom of all five that have come out, but I still think it's actually good. Yes. And uh, And for that, it's like, you know, that doesn't usually happen in horror franchises. So that's pretty nice. Like, I'm like, this is the worst for sure, but I still think it's enjoyable and watchable and there's things I like about it. Yeah. So um, I will, I, I, let's add some context real quick up front. Um, Kevin Williamson <clears throat> is the writer for Scream and Scream 2. In many ways, Scream is not what it is without Kevin Williamson. Like Wes Craven is the is you know a director, and and he gets he gets what matters about the performances out of the actors, and allows the actors the freedom to kind of make the characters who they are. That is part of what makes it iconic. But the script comes from Williamson, and Williamson did one and two, uh, really amazing scripts. But when it came to three, Williamson was too busy and dedicated to other projects, including Dawson's Creek. Uh, which he was one of the creators for. And so that left him off the table for doing this. So a man named Aaron Kruger came in and... Excuse me? Brother yeah. brother of Freddy Krueger. So uh, mm. it's spelled differently. But um, so Aaron Kruger, fun fact, I forgot to mention last week, and I totally like was mad at myself for not mentioning it, but Ben pointed out that there's the Fred Kruger cameo in the first Scream. Do you know who that is? No. That's Wes. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Good makeup. Um, Good anyway, uh, so Aaron Kruger comes in and writes the script for Scream 3. Um, and it's not based off what William's treatment, Williamson's treatment was going to be for Scream 3. Uh, he kind of takes it in his own direction and, and brings all these new ideas. And um, I'm not saying that that's bad. There were a lot of good ideas here. In fact, there are some ideas in Williamson's original third film that I didn't think would work. Um, Another important part of context for Scream 3 is that I think that one of the reasons this is a weak watch is that it has the least inventive deaths. And part of that is that you just most of the time don't see them. Um, like the violence happens off screen. There's actually a reason for that. This came out in 2000 and the year before and while they were making it was Columbine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of discussion around like media and media effect on violence. And since that was something Scream was actively commenting on the studio wanted them to pull back on the violence that was shown on screen. Um, so that's one of the reasons why long-term the deaths, I think, are just kind of all yeah. uh, in this film. Um, that's part of it. That's that's kind of centering the conversation around that context. Uh, we'll bring up Aaron Kruger again for script form because Williamson wrote the whole script for, for script form but had to leave partway through the production due to uh, working on the Vampire Diaries, which is another show that he created. And he'd already promised to work on that. So he was actually like double dealing and splitting away from Vampire Diaries just to try and do script form. He didn't end up getting to get everything for the script out. So the ending and a couple of other beats of script form, they actually also come from Kruger. Uh, so we'll get into that a little later as well. Um, but that's important to know about like, why does this movie feel so weird in comparison mm. to the other two? It's both the factors of the time, like the Columbine thing, and it's um, it's the change in writer, which changes the voices of not not as much the characters as much as I feel like the show. It's the the movie itself. It has a different feel. It's pop culture references are not as smooth or wry or witty as mm. the first two films. Yeah, 
Um, and we'll kind of get into that, but like I've, I've given enough setup, I think. Uh, I, I'm fairly positive on this film while acknowledging there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems with it. Um, I want to hear Ben first, I think. Uh, ben, you first exposed to it. What, what was your impression? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I could, I could see after watching Scream 4, I could definitely see why people would say Scream 3 is a low point. Um, we'll get into it, but I love Scream 4. I absolutely loved that movie. Stoked, stoked uh, to get to that one for sure. Yeah, that one. Uh, whereas Scream Three, I still liked. It was. I'm, there's still a bunch of parts, uh, a bunch of things from like the the previous movies that obviously make it into this one. It's like it's not a Scream film without, uh, without the killer coming back to life at the last seconds only to get shot or killed in for reals. Um, but I mean, I could see why. I was actually more surprised about all the celebrity cameos. Like Jane Silent Bob were in this one. I did not know Patrick Warburton was in the in this one. Threw like, me a little bit. The Jane Silent oh, Bob one. Yeah, it always um, does. Yeah, I mean, I do can see why because you're right. It's a lot so of the action. Uh, yeah, because you come, I come for the screen movies. Well, now I'm coming not just because I'm watching because it's like it's homework for me for the show. But now one of the things I do enjoy about the screen movies is how. You know the killer kills people like in the first movie when he crushes um the best friend in the um in the garage door mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um i i guess and, and also just like the on and off again romance between dewey and um gail <laughs> that was I, I i started this movie and i was like wait they don't they don't get they're not together yet yeah they still broke up between the two movies because yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot I'll... i forgot a lot about this movie yeah, and all in all, yeah, I can see why this is on low, but still, it's it's a it's a fun trilogy. It's still something that puts a honestly, I what I like about this movie the most is how they really take the movie angle and run with it. Sure, as it is, it's kind of like a horror movie within a horror movie sort of sort of. Story, yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. I while watching this movie, this has a reputation of being the worst screen movie, and I haven't seen it in a while. I kept waiting for it to get bad. And it just never got bad. It never hit the highs of Scream 1 and 2. But it is a perfectly serviceable screen, uh, perfect serviceable horror movie. In terms of Scream, it's the weakest Scream movie. But, like, this is a better horror movie than a lot of other horror movie sequels are. If this is... This, this movie is better than a lot of other, like, horror franchises in total. Like, this is... This is a good horror movie that has all the styles stripped of it. I still think it's a good horror movie. It just doesn't have any of the things that make it to, like makes it super uh, impressive, like the first two movies have. Uh, uh, but that's also not true because I still think some of it is really fun. Like I like it still has like uh, the movie the movie stuff I really do enjoy. The only the thing that I that I like least about it is I just think the killer is incredibly weak. Uh, and if for it being yeah, Ender, it it it. It just doesn't really work for me. I just think the character who, who they choose, it's like I like the idea. I think the execution is just like, yeah. I could I was I thought I knew who the killer was right off the bat in like the first maybe twenty year twenty or first half hour of the movie, and then when the killer is revealed, I'm like, I'm not hundred percent sure who, about that. Who did you I think it how was? I feel? I th- I thought it was the actress playing Sydney. Yeah. I for for a bit I did so think. so initially when Kruger came on um, and took over and Williamson wasn't going to be part of it uh, there it was going to be two killers and one of them was going to be Emily Mortimer's uh, actress playing Sydney I think that would have been fun um, but they they ultimately 
didn't want to go with a two killer thing. That's that's one of the reasons for a big change is they they, they want this one to not be two killers. And uh, it is a shift. Like of the four films we've discussed, it's 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 only a single killer. Which mm. the first scream that was a wild, wild, unseen twist that there would be two killers. So like they were going back to like you kind of get into the lull at the third one where you're gonna think there's two killers now. The twist is one. one killer. Yeah. And it was, to its credit, like it was a kind of twist and surprise in its own right, like being meta, knowing that you would anticipate two killers and only giving you one. It does, it, in that sense, that part works. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts, though? Hmm. I know you're Yeah, he doesn't one. like it. Uh, no, it's not necessarily that I don't like it. I guess it's just more to say that I just don't like it. Um, th- there's some... There's one good kill, and there's some interesting comedy bits that I, that I found funny, especially with... Um, Parker Posey, um, her character yeah. is is pretty funny, um, but uh, yeah, it's really not. It's, yeah, I, I'm really indifferent on it. For, uh, honestly, I can't remember a lot of it uh, even now. Like I watched it this week, and I it took me all week to remember who the first kill was, and then until I remember, I was like, right, it was Leah Schreiber. Um, uh, Technically, it's Christine, then Leah Schreiber. Right, you're right. Um, uh, but the. Um, yeah, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get into it more. There are things I like, but ultimately I'm pretty pretty south on it. You bring up a great point. Like I think without Parker Posey, I like this movie a lot less. One hundred percent. I adore Parker Posey. Parker Posey as the the actress playing Gail, uh, Julie Julia, sorry Jennifer Jolie, uh, which is a play on Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie. Um, <laughs> is the name of her character Jennifer Jolie? Parker Posey. Uh, she elevates the comedy of this movie um and this was also again like there was a this movie does i think not that it always lands but it does go for comedy more than i think most of the others do yeah and that again is also a reaction to the columbine thing um mm-hmm. which is totally understandable i i get i get how they felt in this spot um but i i think that she brings so much to the table and it's so enjoyable to watch her bounce off both Cox and our Arquette, uh, but specifically with Courtney Cox's Gale, uh, that makes the first half of the film more enjoyable when you're kind of waiting for Sydney to show up uh, and to, and take part in the plot because it takes a while to get to her. That also is because Sydney was only able to shoot for three weeks of the production schedule. Mm. Mm. A lot of but I think it honestly made a better movie. I think it's better. Tr- the gang trying to keep Sydney away from from this, yeah. um, and trying to keep her like it makes sense after the first two films to have Sydney kind of be somewhere else. She's doing the the phone stuff in this one, <clears throat> yeah, 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 and yeah. get her and get her pulled into the plot near the end. Um, I think it works for Sydney's arc yeah. uh, that they're they're being protective, and ultimately Sid decides, like you know, looking at all three films, like this is Sydney being like, I can't hide anymore. Like, the last movie was, I'm not going to run anymore. The third movie is, I'm not going to hide either. Um, Sheriff Dewey. Yeah, I... Uh, let's let's jump to, I think, um, Cotton is our celebrity death, which is also an interesting one that we, we don't get uh, uh, a new, unexpected celebrity cameo. You know, Cotton shows up at the beginning and you kind of go, this is a screen movie, Cotton's dead. Yep. Um, <laughs> But I think it's but I think it's really enjoyable. They do introduce the mechanic that also is like for me personally, it's a hang up I've never been able to let go of. Um, it's the Achilles heel of the film, which is the I can be anybody's voice yeah, voice box. Get it out of there. Uh, I don't care for it. I think it's a bad device, yeah. especially because later screen films have to pretend that 
it just didn't exist because it would ruin the future of the screen franchise. Um, I get the idea for where it came from. And honestly, Ryan and I talked about this. I was like, if it only ever replicated Cotton and Gale's voice, I could buy it because you could say like they use so much capturing of their voices from television and things like that. But the fact that it can replicate Sydney's, I'm like, get out of here. What are you doing? Come on. Bullshit. We can't even like make Mark Hamill sound normal on the Mandalorian. <laughs> like, there's no way. Um, yeah, this was in like what 2000 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just it's just a, a it takes me out of the movie a little bit. Now, what I will say is that once you've gotten to the end of the movie, in hindsight, I do think it makes the scene where he kills uh, Jenny McCarthy's character better because you know that's not a voice changer. Yeah, you know that's just Roman. Yeah, and I thought that was actually better for it. So I wish that, that those were kind of the only three scenes where you thought a voice changer was being used. Was like mm -hmm. when it's Cotton, when it's Gale, when it's... Uh, actually, I don't think he ever uses Gale's voice, but she should have. Gale's, no. Uh, uses Dewey's, uses Sydney's. Steal, steal the detective's phone. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Detective, um, detective McDreamy. For me, that, that introduction of that voice box thing is a real problem. Yeah. And, I mean, and why take work away from Roger L. Jackson, who's so good? Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't think the villain is very good. No. Um, I like, I like it in concept, but, and this is because Sydney uh, Nev Campbell doesn't doesn't have a lot of doesn't get a lot of screen time because of what you said, Sparks. But like, they should have had a scene together beforehand because the whole reveal of like, oh, I'm the director of Stab Three, and I'm your brother. That's why I'm doing this. It was it's a lot to do in that reveal moment. And if they had like a scene between the two of them prior, it would have done a lot of a lot of that heavy lifting and I think would have been ultimately better. The only thing I do kind of like about it that I think is smart and kind of funny is giving the script a little bit too much credit, but it's true. Um, Roman doesn't know Sydney actually came out of hiding. He thinks that he's just kind of failed to get her until uh, Parker Posey's character lets it slip at the party. When they get there, they say, oh, is we got a call from Sydney. Is she here? And Roman thinks they're just talking about the actress playing Sydney. Mm. He doesn't know that Sydney came out hiding yet because he wasn't around when the detectives brought her on set. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's rather clever because that's when he initiates the plan. Like, I'm going to capture Dewey. And, and he starts everything that night at the party. Uh, capturing Dewey. His birthday capturing party. Um, and he knows that Sid's there. Mm. Um that's that's the only part of that that kind of works for me in the sense of like that they hadn't seen each other before but i agree like the the, the execution of the very good idea i think yeah of the half brother thing and like taking it back when you are doing like that trilogy idea of what randy's rules say and everything going back and uncovering like this backstory that didn't you didn't know was there i think all that is pretty good yeah the execution is sloppy yeah and, and like well, I, was gonna, oh, I want to talk about Randy's sister also, which is, I, I also think is, an, is a sloppy uh, exposition machine. Uh, but I'm actually retroactively really happy about that because it gives us pretty pretty cool characters in five. Sure, yeah, and we'll we'll touch on that later when we get to the fifth one. But yeah, I agree with you. It's like we could have just had Dewey say that he'd been holding on to this tape, and he's like, you know, it's the craziest thing. But Randy said, if this was ever happening again, we should watch this tape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and that would have been enough her introduction does feel like weird and not only that like it's one of the worst line deliveries in the franchise where like they say like 
uh randy had a sister and then it cuts over to her and she's like we miss you in woodsboro guys and i'm <laughs> yeah. like that's awful just yeah truly <laughs> terrible one of yeah. the worst line readings i've ever seen and like they they, they weren't making these movies back to back so there's no way they could have done it but again like if you wanted roman to be like this like overall threat of like the whole franchise like if he's the director of the original stab movies and drawn three then put him in. Then put him in. Screen he's not two. the director of the original staff. Oh, Robert not. Rodriguez is. Oh, that's true. That's right. That's true. Okay, he's then. directing this one. Oh, okay, yeah. Then there's nothing they could have done to make him better. They just have to put him in the movie more, and I don't. Yeah. Never mind. Um. Yeah. I. Uh. Like we're we're jumping all the way to the end and talking about this, but I I do think it's you know let's do it here. Um. What I think is really good about Scream Three. What I think is rather impressive and holds up, and it's one of those things where we talked about like. Scream 1 and 2 are timeless because they're well-made, but they are of their time. Mm -hmm. Scream 3 and 4, and we'll get into 4's reasons in a bit, are able to be predictive of where the culture was headed in a way that honestly impresses me. Yeah. Because in this one, this is a movie made at the Weinstein Company. There are no two buts about it that John Milton is somewhat of an inside knowledge on who Harvey Weinstein is. Yeah. Um, and they're telling a story that flat out says Maureen was raped at these Hollywood parties yep. and gave up that kid and knocking at that door in the year 2000 is incredibly ballsy. Uh, this like Wes has no love for Harvey. His the only wine scene he was ever close to was Bob, who was the main producer for the screen films. He's the one who got those off the ground. So not Harvey Weinstein, but that doesn't change the fact that Wes I'm sure heard stuff. Yeah. And so incorporating that, just all of them being able to being willing and able. And also it really shows something about the wine scenes thinking they're untouchable that they let this get made, but uh, taking them to task in a way, taking Hollywood to task in this specific manner of saying how they use and abuse women in the industry, which is one of the reasons why Wes was even so happy to, to come back and do screen because Wes didn't even want to direct the original. He was so nervous about being pigeonholed into this person who exploits women for horror's sake. Because, mm. But one of the reasons he came around was Williamson's script made Sydney a a fighter, like more than a final girl, something, something more. And that's more of what the franchise continued to give to her. Um, so bringing in this commentary on the Hollywood stuff really feels like it hits on a level that it it's impressive they could have known they were playing to in the year 2000 yeah like 23 years later and what's happened with harvey weinstein and everything i'm i'm stunned and pleased that at the time they were able to get this story out um even kind of and like it doesn't go that far in depth they it could have done more but even kind of broaching at the idea of maureen being someone who was affected and i'll i'll say like i'm not gonna say it's perfect in how it represents that this idea that like once she was there she was ruined as a woman forever and that made her into like an immoral slut for the rest of her life that part that aspect of it is not so good that implication yeah but but the idea that like it does do psychological damage and it's something she had to like overcome and uh i think that that's valuable having that there and again doing it at the company where this is happening at right is it's super super ballsy and again like not having Kevin Williamson write it, having like a guy come on and having him do that. Like they could have just got anyone and like, just do a generic script. Like this was allowed and everything. It's just like, it is, it is miraculous that it exists like this. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there an implication that the, the, that Roman um, told Stu and Billy to kill Marine? 
It's more than an implication. He went and showed Billy. He didn't. He never interacted with Stu. Yeah. He went and showed Billy a tape of uh, his dad uh, walking out of a ho- walking in and out of a hotel room with Maureen. He civil warred him, and he told him, "You know what you want to do? You want to get revenge, uh, kind of thing." And sets him up for the murder of Maureen. He says, "Have someone you can blame it on, which is Stu. Have the fall guy and everything." And Roman's whole thing is that he set them up to do that. He did not know that a year later they were going to do the events of Scream, that hmm. they were going to make their own movie. And that's what he says. Like, I had no idea they were going to go off and do their own thing. I thought it was just going to be this one and done. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I care for that for that plot twist. For the reveal that he's behind Billy and Billy. Yeah. I, sure. It doesn't bother me. Um I, I I get why, again, like we go back to Randy's trilogy rules, like they're trying to do something that feels like it full, full circle. circles the story. Uh, and I think that there's worse ideas I've heard of to try and do something like that. Like, Sure, but let it, me clarify. Let me clarify sure. because like it's a it's it's not necessarily a this movie problem. It's an all movie problem. When they all try to do something like that, I'm really it's really uh, touch and go for me if I'm going to enjoy it or not. So like in this and so in this movie, it's kind of a, it's kind of leaning into that where I'm like, this is a trope I'm not I don't care for that I'm right. seeing in the uh, movie. It's not what you think, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. Uh, I it also rubs into that way where I'm like, oh, here's this like super lame villain taking credit for the creation of like who I know was really great in the original. Yeah. Um, I. In a again, in a story sense, on paper, this half brother who was uh, abandoned, who was created out of rape and abandoned, and finds out and tracks her down, and then encourages the original killers to do the thing they did one year before the events of Scream that lead to the events of Scream. I think that's also part of it is the fact that we never see Marine's murder uh in the in the earlier films we've never seen it yeah and i think that lets me feel like that's still kind of fair game it's still off the table in a sense of like Mm -hmm. we're aware of the events but we've never seen them um and that leaves the door open where on paper i think that's a really good idea again i also agree with you guys i think the execution is rather sloppy yeah i do think that it sets up for a really just this movie within a movie this isn't necessarily tied to who roman is making it so important but when Sid is going through the fake house, her her house, and they have Maureen's room set up for her murder. Yeah. Uh, which it like we've never seen that before, but we're seeing Sydney relive it for the first time since then. Yeah. I thought that was really effective. Like I really love Nev Campbell in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um uh just being hit with it all over again. The trauma. Of I, I also again like execution is the problem of this movie, but like the idea of we're in the third Scream movie while they're making Stab 3. So, like, the things are happening concurrently, but characters are dying in the movie as opposed to the the, the movie that we're watching, right? Like, Gail's supposed to die in, in the fake movie. Uh, and, like, all that stuff is so fun. I love being meta. Like, all that stuff is great. Um, I, I, mm. uh, it's what's so great about this franchise. And it is, it is, I, I just love movies about movies. So, like, you know, oh, this is the house that I grew up in. And there's, like, like revisiting all that stuff is great. I love it. Dewey's great. I, I love Parker Posey. I will I will say that in terms of like the set and stuff, I feel like it's at the wrong point of the movie. It feels like that's where the fi- final act should have taken place. Yes. Like, we shouldn't have gotten Sydney to the set that early. Uh, 
and oh, her she last moment should be yeah. like her being back on the like all of that is where the final confrontation stuff should have happened is on the set yeah not Roman's houses party. rather than uh john milton's basement yes um and that i feel like would have had a lot more emotional impact but they they put it they put like sydney encountering those spaces earlier than i thought they oh, would have um something they introduced in this movie i think it's this movie uh yeah, uh uh Sydney starts hallucinating seeing her dead mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no, no spoilers, but that's something that's a concurrent thing that happens in this in the later in the, in the franchise. And I'm like, oh, like because I forgot that was a thing that happened. So I'm like, oh, this makes sense why this is happening again in a different movie. Uh yeah. yeah. It's spooky. Spooky. It is spooky. Um she has a dream sequence, which I'll be honest, I don't care for whatsoever. Uh mostly because I'm like, you're Wes Craven. You did Nightmare on Elm You did this. How does this dream sequence look so bad? Uh, that it's just like fog and then a window I can't tell is there. <laughs> because it's too goddamn clean. His budget got cut that day. Uh, it, it's just not, it's not a very good dream sequence in my opinion. Yeah. I like her being traumatized by the memory of her mom. But like it feels, it also feels convenient to set up like the Roman stuff bothering her that she's dreaming about her mom right That now. is, it is coincidental. Uh, uh, yeah. And and that that all that whole section, I'm like, I I like getting weird and everything, but yeah. this is just not working for me. Sure. Like my one of my favorite kills, well, my favorite kill in this movie might be actually one of my favorite kills in the franchise is in this movie. Honestly, it's the gas explosion when the when the um uh, the fax machine is faxing through the script pages and they're like and it's like well the first the first person to die will be the one who smells who smells. The gas. <laughs> Man, so good. If only he had brought a flashlight back in with him, then nothing would have happened. <laughs> yeah, he takes out his he takes out his match. He takes out his like lighter. Uh yeah, I actually really I like that kill a lot. It's it's definitely the most to me, it's very of its time. It's fitting in with a lot of the horror movies that were coming out around here. This is it's very hollow man to me with the way it's executed. Um it, it, it's very I'm not trying to detract from it. I think like the idea of it is good. It's very bombastic in a way that I don't feel is is necessary. Um, like they blow up a whole house, and like screen movies don't usually blow up a whole house. That's it's a very 2000s reaction in horror to like go that that kind of level. Like we have money, boom, <laughs> and it's like it's truly the most expensive kill in the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this one? Um, I, I don't dislike it or anything. I just, uh, I also feel like it's, it, my only point being like, it's very flavor of the moment uh, to do it. This is incredible. Parker Posey was nominated in 2000 for an MTV Movie Award for Best Comedic Performance for his role, for her role as Jennifer Jolie. She lost to Adam Sandler and Big Daddy. Ugh. Damn it, Adam Sandler. <clears throat> for real, I definitely don't think I would like this movie if Parker Posey weren't in it. She, I am just a Parker Posey fan. She is one of those women in Hollywood who, who Hollywood, uh, did her dirty. She deserved to be a huge megastar. In the 2000s, she was getting there, uh, and then this, they, they dropped her. Uh, she has so much charisma in this movie. Like, what if Gail were worse? How could that be possible? I love I it. Mean, I mean this 100% sincerely. She's great in Superman Returns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's the best part of Blade Trinity, because she's the only person who knows what movie she's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. She's... Um, but her kill is really her when she dies because she's like she's like 100% worse than Gail until she's terrified and now she's just like I'm just I'm sticking with you guys forever because you guys live, you guys live. Does. and and uh, and so her her death is 
really cool because of like she, you know she's banging on the one way mirror um and Dewey shooting trying you know shooting them one by one and then she gets killed in the last one uh i think that's that's a that's a good moment yeah yeah that that is a better kill and then is, doesn't the Jen McCarthy doesn't she just like get stabbed in the back once and that's it she that gets Ellen? she gets like shoved into a broken glass door on the door and yeah. stabbed in the back yeah, yeah that was Oh, um hmm. McCarthy getting murdered. Oh no, she, absolutely. Yeah, for who she is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not mad about it. It's uh, like not that creative. Yeah, uh there's there's also something in that like um like I said earlier, I really like the Roman uh in hindsight being on the phone with her moment, but he changes the in the script name to Sarah, which is her name. Yes. And she doesn't even react to that. She just says, That's not the name of my script. And I'm like, No, it's your name, you stupid. Why wouldn't <laughs> you just be like, Why'd you just say my name? <laughs> Like what are you doing? I don't even remember your name, so I get confused. <laughs> like, it's dumb. Well, I uh, don't. I don't think this movie also. I don't think this movie does as well. The, uh, like characters seem suspicious and they leave at inappropriate times and come back at inappropriate times. I don't think it does that as well as the other movies either. No, uh, it does it, but not to the same extent. We're like, oh, like you're you're suspicious on purpose. I'm like, I don't think you're the killer. You you just went away because you have to go away. Like I think it's a much more apparent. And like not as like uh, uh Dempsey. Uh, it's with Dempsey when they're like when they when the movie really wants you to think that Dempsey is the killer. I was like, yeah, they really want you to think that. Yeah, he's not. He's yeah. not the killer. The problem is the problem is that that was working for me. It works for me fine until he and Sydney have the bonding scene in the office, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this guy's not the killer. Like, there's no way. There's something between oh. them that is very clearly, like, he's not the killer. And then he's about to walk out of the room. And she's like, what is your favorite scary movie? And he leans in and says, my life. My life. In the creepiest way. Because it's like, no, no, no. We still need you to think he's the killer. Regardless of how much that yeah. last scene convinced you completely he could not be. Once he said um, my life, I'm like, no, I got to do this. No way. Uh, ben, who did you think Dempsey was the killer? Uh, not really. I had my suspicions, especially when he goes to Milton's house with a gun and then he, he gets the, one of the things I do love about this movie is, is that it definitely pulls you away, or it makes you think one way. And then it's, it pulls the rug out of you going psych. No, it's not uh, like the scene in the mansion where he has the gun out and then he just has this evil looking smile and put, and like puts his hands up and then Ghostface just pops out and just starts stabbing away. And I'm like, oh, by the way, guess he's not quickly, the killer. Real quickly, Dempsey, underrated bad guy. Like quite, like quite honestly, Transformers: Dark of the Moon. He's really fun. He should be a bad oh, guy sure. more. He, he yeah, is. he can he can play <clears throat> like 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 I'm a gross man. Like better than like a handsome man like him should. Like he he definitely. It is almost that's why I knew he wasn't the killer. Also because I realized I forgot something about another movie <laughs> that happens later on. But um uh. Once he was like, my life. I'm like, there's no way this guy is the killer now. He is he is such a sweetheart who's putting on this thing because the writers told him to put on this this evil montage. I'm like, no, nah, you're not. Um, I don't really remember who I thought the killer was when I first watched it, Killers. But I think I thought it was Emily Mortimer's character, mm-hmm. um, the actress who was going to play Sydney. And... Not Dempsey, but his other detective buddy. Oh, like the jerk, the jerky uh. one. Who I don't think should be in the movie at all at this point in my life. Um, because I think he serves no purpose except to be there and deliver trashy one-liners that don't that don't work. But he has one line that I'm that I think is funny, and I'm like, Dempsey would have delivered it better, which is the uh, you know, was his death related to the film? Is like the film's called Stab. 
he was stabbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good line. I think Dempsey would have delivered it better. And the rest of his shit is just him being like cynical about everything, yeah. literally everything. And I'm like, you serve no purpose. Get out of this movie. Good Lord. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, that also like speaks to a, a larger problem, which is like no knock on the actors and like Parker Posey removed from the rest, but like you got Emily Mortimer in here. You got um, uh, the guy playing Tyson. Um, uh, I forget his name right now. Um, but you got this cast that, like, they seem competent and good, but uh, unlike the previous Scream movies, there's just no reason for me to care about them. Uh -huh. um, they're not fleshed out enough for me to give a shit when they get killed or if they will get killed. Uh, and that's one of the bigger hangups with Scream 3 for me also is just I don't really care about these new characters. Uh -huh. So it just becomes a comedic lore story where I'm waiting for Sydney to show up for the scary drama part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, Mac has a question. Do I like the solo villain or duo killers in this franchise after watching three? I mean, this is the only one with solo and I think it's the weakest. So I guess I have to say duo killers. I don't think having a single killer in, in scream amongst these four films, uh, it would be a problem necessarily, but um, the duo killer films tend to be better. And, and I think it is, it is more fun because like, you, like when you're watching movies like this, like oh, I think mm. I know who the killer is. But when there's two killers, like there's always one you're like, oh, I had no idea. Like there's always one that's like, oh, they got me on that one, and which is really fun because like you're looking, you're looking over here when really you should be looking over here, which is which is fun. I think it was a good idea to try to do the one killer thing because we talked about this last week. What things that works for Scream is the kind of predictable, predictable, unpredictable, predictable, where where they'll they'll do the predictable thing, but also have the unpredictable thing. The two killers in the first film. You can predict one of them, but you'll never get the second one because you're not looking for the second one. Right, um, yeah. In this film, I think flipping it on its head was a smart idea to be like, you know, we're looking for two killers. We're not looking for the one killer. Um, well, you know, the, the twist is that there's one killer. I think that's a, I think that's a good idea on paper. I just don't think the execution as well is there. 100%. I, I, honestly, and, go ahead, honestly, when we only it was only revealed that there was one killer in Scream 3, I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. There's a part of me also that was like, well, where's the other one? Like up until like very late in the movie, I'm like, well, where's the other one? And the, and the thing is, again, Roman sucks so much. You're kind of hoping there's another one to make up for. It. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, that's just who we got. And and like, again, there's no way to retroactively make Roman part of the other movies. But like if you wanted to have like this overall trilogy, you know, he's the director and like you needed to set him up a little bit more, I think. Like you know what I they should have done. Like he's not set up like enough for me to care like that. Ryan, you're absolutely right. What they should have done. Robert Rodriguez is the killer. Dude, this movie would be a 10 out of 10. Are you kidding me? <laughs> if Robert Rodriguez played himself and he was a killer in a Scream movie, that would be the greatest thing ever made. Even if this is the worst Scream movie and that's the finale, <laughs> 10 out of 10. Oh, God, that'd be pretty funny. That'd be so good. Yeah. Um, right. Let's see. Uh, I, I do like... Uh, the taking out of cotton at the beginning. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a solid uh, bit. Um, I love his 100% cotton, just a fantastic <laughs> title for a talk show. Uh, when your name is cotton weary. Yeah. Um, I, I really do like that. I think Dewey gets the short end of the stick in this one. Uh, I don't, I think Gail benefits from the dynamic of their relationship in this one. It gives her a lot to chew on as a character, mm -hmm. but Dewey, is the one who I feel like more or less regresses. Um, I don't think that's a hundred percent what it is. I just think he gets a lot less 
development because of the change in their relationship. Whereas like Gail, I feel like this is the one where it feels in many ways like this is the one where Gail's kind of wishing that Dewey and her were back together and had worked out, even mm -hmm. though she's the one that left. Mm -hmm. uh, and this this is the screen film where that feels really strong, that that's what's going on. Yeah. And I kind of like that aspect. Yeah, I, I do like that Gail, because it is true, like she did help solve these other murders. So like, she, it's not like she can become like a, like a privatized deputy like Elvis or anything, but like she should be able to, in this movie, like help her help her her not husband solve a case that she she wrote a book on and like you know for a movie like that makes sense you know well that's why that's why Dempsey's character brings her in like she is yes. working with him yeah 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 that's uh, true. You're right. but Dewey but Dewey's giving her crap left and right yeah so. he should give her a little respect yeah yeah I think the the the, the that that's that's pretty good and I think you're absolutely right about about Dewey there's some good stuff with like Patrick Warburton I think he's very funny um uh that that that's really good but like other than that Dewey doesn't really get a lot to do other than just kind of make put gail down for leaving him yeah he's yeah. just he's just kind of like defender of sydney and uh he's he i i like what david arquette's trying to do with the script i think which is like make a dewey who's trying to act tough about it yeah and not want gail back he's the sheriff um but he's also like real sweet on her and it's hard for him not to to be that i just don't think the script is servicing his performance yeah do you um, know who is servicing him jennifer Yes. Uh, Parker Posey has this incredible bit where when she's really nervous because uh, she thinks she's going to die next because they're being killed in script order, which goes out the window um, at a certain point. But uh, uh, she improvises. We know that this is an improvised moment where she jumps in, up into be cradled by Patrick Warburton. She jumps up into his arms. Yeah. This is an incredible bit. That's 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 improvised? Yeah. She's the best. Parker Posey's really, really good. Yeah, um, she, she really... She knew what movie she was in for sure. Um, she's got that bit where they go and confront. Um, uh, is it is it Lance Henriksen? Yeah, Lance Henriksen. Yeah, yeah, yeah who's yeah. playing John Milton, and they go and confront him, and uh, she's all hyped up on being part of the Scooby Gang, and she's like, "You're obsessed with her, and you're obsessed with her daughter," and they're all like, "Whoa, calm down." Wait, you brought up Scooby Doo. You know what? Who the villain of the Josie and the Pussycats movie was? A Parker Posey. Mm. What a legend. Oh, what a legend. Yeah. Um, I remember that movie. About, we have to talk about not only the worst wig in the entire Scream franchise, but perhaps the worst wig in all of film oh, history. Bang, bang time. Which is Gale's in this movie. It's those, the worst those wispy bangs ever. Oh my god. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's really, just, really, really, really bad. Can, can we just say they're bad and move on? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> oh, oh, Ben. We offended Ben's, you? Ben's bangs time has been triggered. I just don't want to talk about her hair. I, not yes, the bangs. It it's a wig. Not, not the her bangs. Well, her. I just. Yeah, I know. I saw a picture of it, and I was watching it the whole time. I'm watching this movie. It's like, God, that is a horrible. That is a horrible. It's just really thing. funny that, uh, like, a, gr a large group of people decided, yeah, that's what we're gonna look like. That's what this character is gonna look like. It's just funny. Thank um, God, her hairstyle is better in Scream Four. On a on a note, uh, Marco Beltrami is the composer for all four of the first four screen films and it is bizarre that it's hard for me to capture any of his uh themes when it comes to dewey and gale dewey dewey's is so subdued in this yeah it's it's like there's like an overall like score it definitely this one returns a lot to more like the operatic like oh mag mag it doesn't matter because this was a wig yeah no yeah she, mag's she, bringing up that he forgot what 
Courtney Cox looked like in Friends. That's why time. she's wearing a wig because she was in Friends. But the point is that it's a wig, so they could have picked a better wig. Yeah, like yeah. It, it just didn't need to look this bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Ben doesn't want to talk about it. Um. Also, we're coming up on three hours too, so it's true. Sure. Well, Ben's getting testy. Oh, oh, I see, I see. Got it. <laughs> My bad, Ben. Uh, we should see. have a rule that you can leave if you're if you're if you're, if you're too tired to continue. Uh, no, I, I want to oh, talk no, about I'm Scream Four. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I'm, I'm scanning through my uh, notes because I know there's some. Other oh, I, uh, the cameo. Uh, yeah, Carrie Fisher cameo as. Oh yeah, not Carrie uh, Fisher. as not Carrie Fisher. Uh, also making yeah. like sly comments about the industry and how it is. And like this being a movie in Hollywood, like it, it makes sense to have celebrity cameos, but like it still it still threw me a little bit. I'm like, it doesn't. The scream doesn't feel like a big cameo type movie. You're yeah. It's the one. It's the one cameo because they call it out as she looks like Carrie Fisher. It's not Carrie Fisher playing someone. It is Carrie Fisher play, essentially playing Carrie Fisher? Yeah. Um. Or not. But like, it's really weird, and I'm just like, and I'm like sitting there going like, James, this one, Jane Silent Bob again. Like again, like that. They were very popular so, at the time. Real right? quick, Jane Silent Bob are in this because they're being produced by the same film company, but um, they're they're supposed to be in this moment because they're supposed to be doing their visit from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which would come out one year later. And the like timelines are weird and don't actually oh, totally that's line up. Yeah. But it's supposed to be like a nod into their own film. That's fine, because their whole thing is going to to Hollywood to stop the movie about them being made. So that that's actually clever. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wes, you crazy bastard. Um, um, all right. Let's see. Uh, so there's a commentary in general kind of about like horror movies being beneath people uh, a lot of the actors are kind of talking this way specifically like jenny mccarthy has that in her scene and i just want to point out that like for the time this was maybe not a totally inaccurate way to feel about it uh not that like horror movies are bad but this is when we were heading into like the the big blockbuster blockbuster horror films they were all kind of underwhelming in middle of the road everything wanted to be screamed but couldn't be screamed um so it wasn't it, like there's a lot of low level just like eh offerings that come out around this time in terms of horror horror was really like not what it is today yeah, yeah uh and i don't know that they were totally off the mark to make comments like that like like i normally i would be like you know horror movies are a solid genre there's a lot of great stuff there but like this was really the time when like if you're in a blockbuster horror movie it's probably not good yeah. uh like they're just odds are no it probably isn't um they, they uh, very maybe aren't worth the time and the money yeah real quickly while you scan through your notes i want to bring up uh grayson's comment um which is uh uh whoa did we find out ben it's bedtime uh i would like to to say ben we're not even at midnight yet sir um we <laughs> oftentimes gone much longer he can do 40 minutes on uh nintendo direct but you need him to talk about courtney cox's veins and that's going to be a little, <laughs> just a little bit too much my friend this draws the line man uh let's see um so something that I, Ben, did you notice? And Brandon, did you notice? I know Ryan did because I pointed it out to him. But um, when Sid comes back from her home to be part of the, the the events that are happening in the film, she's wearing Derek's letters. Oh, yes, I did notice that. Yeah, I think that's a it's super necklace. It's a super sweet touch that um, uh, like was really important to both Nev and Wes that she carries that on because like. It, it says a lot about, you know, what was important to her and why she shut herself off. Like, like it, I really like it because it feels in many ways like Derek's loss. It's not necessarily a sacrifice, but the loss of Derek really represents something important to Sydney. Um, and we'll kind of get into later on when we're talking about another film in the franchise, uh, how that kind of ties into what 
what she learns in this film. Um, but I thought that was just a really excellent touch. I think that there's a lot done with Sid's appearance in this film. That's really good. If you notice, like she's got her really well defended home. She's constantly wearing like pants and like shirts and jackets and very like covered up. And when we get to the end of the movie, she's, she's in a like flowing dress. Uh, she's more like open and breezy. She's letting her arms show a lot. This is all supposed to be part of like her, kind of letting herself out of her own cage kind of thing, mm -hmm. which I really, really like. I think they gave a lot of thought to like what Sydney's arc is supposed to be in response to this movie. And I, I like yeah. that part of it a lot. Even, uh, real quick, even when her dad comes to visit. Oh yeah. yeah that was great. also that was also a that was also a good scene in the movie because I also noticed it too. Like when she comes back after the events of it, she's like she's playing with her dog. It's not like, come on, hurry up. We got to go inside. We're instantly locking the door. We're instantly closing the gate. Like we see her in the very beginning of the film, but you're right. She is like, she's finally free until four, but yeah. 10 years later. Um, yeah. I really like uh, Kincaid and Sydney bonding. We touched on that scene, but I wanted to highlight a specific line uh, where he tells her the way to stop being haunted is to be with people. Um, and that kind of being the lesson Sydney takes, you know, we get to the end of the film and there's Mark, with uh, Dewey and Gale there uh, to watch the the movie. Uh, I, I think that that's, that's really valuable. Again, like Sydney's arc, I think, regardless of where this film lands with me, the arc of Sydney from screen to screen three and what she goes through and how she processes and how she allows that to affect her life, I think is a really well thought out arc. Yeah. I think it's very clear how she's growing through these moments in her life. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I really like... Uh, the sorry tyson gets taken out um real sad uh he's our he's our black male character who's not given a oh, lot yeah. of time in this film uh token black guy for not another teen movie by the way yeah um uh, but i really yeah but i really love when he's uh he's gotten uh chased and and hurt by uh ghostface already he goes around the corner and he looks back and he's like oh you motherfucker <laughs> like yeah just trying yeah, to get yeah. away from <laughs> very funny um that that rug pull is gnarly uh oh yeah again like cutting down on the bloody violence but but a gnarly a gnarly one no, no definitely no. broke his neck in that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um um the last one i really want to get into uh i i really do love um sydney what she does where she gets so fed up with roman like regardless of the execution of roman when he's laying out his monologue of shit at her she's like will you just shut up i've heard this all before i don't care yeah and he his reaction he's this so is mad. the part this is the part i like about roman's performance scott foley's performance as roman is where he's going shut up shut up and take me serious that kind of mentality i love that because that's yeah. what i love about when sid takes the killers out she's like you are so pathetic and beneath me and like they're they're demanding to be worthy of of the uh honor of killing sydney they're demanding to be recognized for being that impressive and sydney's like i do not give two shits just do what you're here to do my god mm -hmm. um and when she turns the tables on him i think that's all really good if you know like that the the half brother storyline i think is is nicely touched on with the like actually grabbing his hand as he's supposedly dying even though he pops back up and has to get shot in the head after that um which is one of the times where i'll say like i kind of wish it had ended without him doing that pop up again uh because i like the hand grab moment um i think there's an amount of like you know 
regardless of the fact that like he, Sid makes very clear like you're responsible for your own choices like Maureen's choices didn't make you into a killer you chose the, all of this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but still acknowledging that like trauma and, and pain was happened between both of them uh, I think was a nice touch but then we have him pop back up because it's a screen movie <laughs> um, so I just wanted to touch on that because I think that's that's you know that's valuable yeah all right uh, well, that's Scream Three. Let's rate. Like, we'll rate. We'll rate it. Yeah. I rate it. Ben, eh, I give it a solid seven. Seven. Uh, I would give it a six point five or a seven. I'm kind of bouncing around between the two of those. Give it a seven point five. Yeah, I'll, I'll go straight up seven. Um, I I really think that there, there's a lot of good story and meat ideas here. It's just not all executed as well as it could have been. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing, which is Sydney's arc, that remains solid. Yeah. Oh, oh, one last thing. Sorry. Uh, we talked about last time, Scream 1 and 2. There's always like one moment where you're not entirely sure if Ghostface is there. I would make an argument that you can say that there's a moment of that in Scream 3, yeah. which is the moment when um, she sees Maureen in the, in the uh, covering body oh, get up yeah. on the set. Uh, that that could have been her trauma activated and, and the Roman had already left once she tossed him on the bed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like that there's still a moment where you're like, was Ghostface there? Or is this is this Nev's, Sydney's trauma? Is this the, it's the third one where it's also like uh, all the dudes in masks? No, that was two. That was two. We got talked it. about that. Got one. it, got it, got it. Yeah. Uh, Scriforum. 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 Ben, you love this one, right? I do. I will unapologetically say that as of right now, this is probably my favorite of the screen films. I, I love wow. how meta it gets. I love the double fake out in the beginning of the movie. I did not yeah. expect to see Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell or Kristen Bell stab Anna Paquin in the stomach. Yeah. Um, I love all the characters in this movie. I love Hayden Pantier in this movie. Um, a lot of the kids, I was like, yep, that's definitely like how high school was in two or like how high school was portrayed in the 2000s. And you, you were right, Sparks. The twist at the end was unbelievable I, I, like one of the things i love about the screen movies is that the whole time i'm trying to figure out what's the motive what's why are they trying to do this i'm and like this is the fourth run around so i'm like okay it's probably another copycat killer it's probably someone connected to sydney in some very like 20 degree like 10 degrees of kevin bacon sort of way but then the reveal it's her own damn cousin the same girl we've been following the entire movie they bring back the double killers and even then i'm just like yo like that whole like that whole thing that whole reveal was like like even i'm like holy shit and even when we get to we have this like 20 15 minutes 20 minutes after the after the after dewey gets there yeah uh, and even and i know like the thing one of the things i do love about screen films especially um like the beginning of two gail and dewey they have they're at odds and they get back together scream three they're at odds and get back together i was like oh great are they gonna be at odds and get back together again no they were married for 10 years i'm like yay something of a happy ending progress. kinda um yeah progress a, um, i love this movie i absolutely had a blast watching it i think awesome. ben got got a little delayed for a second mm, that's still awesome oh, no. i love it um so I really like this movie. I didn't like this movie as much as I did uh, the first time I watched it. I thought it was okay. And then watching this this weekend, I was like, this is actually really cool. Um, I like all the actors and all the new characters. Uh, I think are really fun. Uh, Emma Roberts is really fun because if you watch her, if you like, if you know, she's the killer, you can tell that her, her 
act is breaking as the movie goes on. Her acting gets a lot stiffer uh, toward, by the end of the movie um, when she's pretending to to run away from Ghostface. Um, I was really, I really, really like this movie. I agree. It is a return to form. Uh, uh, not that like Wes Craven lost or anything, but like having like it feels like you know they had that time away and to come back with a new idea. Uh, this is great. This is this is another banger entry. I agree. All the characters are great. The the twenty first century approach of of being meta and filming everything is great. Uh, Gail and Dewey are great. Sydney's great. Everybody's great. Like I love our killers. Uh, you know we're all movie fans, so like it's like remakes and stuff. Like it's it's crazy that like. This is a movie about remakes, and now we're on to like two more sequels after it. Like that's just how long this franchise has been going on. Well, and like it, it's very much you know when they're saying remakes at this time, what they're talking about is like this is the Rob Zombie Halloween, yes, the Friday Thirteenth, the Nightmare on Elm Streets. All of these have happened at this point in time. So yeah. like that that kind of like we're gonna bring back the eighties again, start from scratch. Here we go again, and that's the commentary like that they're living in a more brutal movie space, uh, and what it was going to be, and whereas like uh our our new generation like the five cream that we're gonna get into and all that like what's happening now that is direct response to specifically uh halloween 2018 legacy legacy sequels legacy exactly sequels. which was not a term back then yeah but also just legacy sequels in general like force awakens all that kind of stuff that's what five cream is yeah but yeah but here, one one of the things that i think is really interesting about the time period that this movie came out in is that um it's it falls in the same line of indiana jones and kingdom of the crystal skull and tron legacy it is a legacy sequel before the time of legacy sequels and it is not commenting on legacy sequels because that's not what it's trying to do it's commenting on the remake craze but like it's it's before it's time in a way it's before it's time because it is one of those kind of before we were doing all these legacy sequels there were the there were those three movies that did it way before right i think importantly like the just the crafting of this one is like yes you can argue that like with the new teens there they are meant to be like main characters we would want to follow still but this is still sydney and dewey and gail's movie they're not the background stars to the new generation kind yeah. of thing mm -hmm. this is their movie still um and uh as far as like predictive that you're right with the legacy sequel stuff also like very deeply understanding exactly where like internet fame was gonna go yeah which mm -hmm. it wasn't at at the time like, oh it was, it was it was beginning but it was not where it is today which is like this is exactly oh my god exactly like, it like predicting things where like violence will be on the web in the kind of way where like the infamously like the logan paul going into the suicide garden uh forest thing yeah like that that's a whole uh very similar kind of like vibe of what was being chased there be, they're like like being famous for having really bad things happen to you is the new cool thing. Yeah. That's so messed up. Right. That is so wild, man. Uh, and and I, Ben Roberts as the villain is is sensational. I want to. Uh, I just want to reiterate what Ben said, which which was that like the reveal who the killers are is excellent. Yes, mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, frankly, I think it's the best since the first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I. Oh, yeah. The, it, it completely blew me away of who the killer was because I totally thought it was Trevor. Like sure. lock oh, like the second Trevor shows up, like the similarities between sit between Trevor and Billy, even when uh, Sydney opens the door and sees and sees Billy in Jill's room, and was or sees um, Trevor in Trevor. Jill's room, I, I was just like, doesn't this look familiar? And even she was like, hmm, you remind me. So of it me. does, but it's it's from the other perspective. I'm gonna tell you, Ben. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, Ben. I watched Scream too many times in my life because the very first time I saw Scream Four. 
the moment they get to the house scene at the end, I knew for a fact Trevor wasn't the killer because they did a weird thing, but I'd seen Scream too many times to not get it. Trevor is dressed in the exact same clothes as Sydney's dad in Scream 1 when they pull him out of the closet. The exact same clothes. It's, and I yeah. was like, oh, he's not gonna be the killer at all he's wearing his dad's like blue jacket basically i wasn't really yeah. suspecting him anymore i was pretty sure he was the red herring at that point but i was 100 confident the moment i saw his outfit i'm like no not him yeah and there's a good parallel there because uh billy and Stu want to frame the dad in the right. first movie and emma roberts and 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 oh jack is it no i'll, I'll look home, it up home alone's brother um um god i forgot well, his I name thought, i thought that was kieran him. culkin kieran culkin yeah. um but like the 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 reveal of emma roberts and kieran culkin um to frame they're gonna frame trevor uh that's a good that's a good connection a good parallel screen four i'm not i'm sorry rory it's rory culkin yeah there's too many Char culkin. and he's charlie He's Rory Culkin. There's another Culkin. There's like there five. Yeah, it's like the Hemsworth. They keep coming. Yeah, up. he's Rory Culkin. He's not the one in Scott Pilgrim. That's Kieran. Yeah. Who's the one in oh. Succession? That's Rory. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so um, yes, uh, it was at that point that I was like, Trevor's the person they're going to set up. Uh, I that that was very clear to me the moment that he was there because again, I've seen Scream just too many damn times. I was like, I know that outfit. Yeah, I know that outfit. Um, why are you doing that? That's so weird. Um, uh, let's let's uh do the beginning very, very quickly. The uh two false openings of the stab movies. Love it. Um, very, very funny. We get Lucy Hale and uh Sinead Grimes and Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell. Uh very funny, very, very entertaining i really but but the part that really makes me happy about it is uh brit robertson's character uh being like this just doesn't make any sense like if the beginning of stab seven is is uh, stab six is actually inside of stab seven then what happens in stab six <laughs> it's just so i think it's so good going up its own butt um i i really enjoy it because they, they uh, also yeah. mentioned that stab five had time travel yeah. yes the only part I don't like about that is I don't like the fake phone call fake out afterwards with them. That's in the real world. Uh, uh, when she goes upstairs and then she calls her the with the ghost out, face yeah. app. I was like, that's a third fake out guys. Like one too many here. <laughs> I got to like one too many. The, 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 the cameo ones were fun, but you gotta like, you gotta settle me into the actual movie. Now I can't do another fake out about who's ghost face. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That that was the only part that for me uh, in the opening didn't really work. That that Christian Bell and a Paquin sequence is pretty good though. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, it is for sure. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, this movie is definitely more brutal and more bloody. I, I like kind. I like the kills in this one. There's a kill where, where the president from Battlestar Galactica, Kate, in this movie, uh, she gets stabbed in the neck in the neck through a letter opener. Yes, yeah, uh, that's oh, a really yeah. good kill. And yeah, that, ooh, that was brutal. I was yeah. not expecting that, but the second I hear you hear the shink, I'm like, oh no! Why did I think about the letter opener, or the the letter slot? And even that was just like messed up. How Anthony Anderson died? Yeah, he, he just so, lobotomized. I, I do want to get to them, but real quick, I want to go to because she's barely in the movie, uh, and uh, who Brandon's referring to, which is um, uh, Jill's mom. Um, You're right, Sydney's uh, 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 aunt. Uh, yeah, um, she was supposed to be a bigger role, and not mm -hmm. only that, 
she was supposed to be played by Lauren Graham. Oh. Um, and Lauren Graham left the project because the role was reduced in size. Oh, that's, uh, well, that's fair, I guess. Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls uh, fame. Yeah. Interesting. That would have been really good. Yeah, yeah. It's a bummer. Huh. Um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because I know that bit of trivia and I was like, oh, that's... There's, wow. uh, there, there's a... There's a um, ben already kind of mentioned the cops. The um, yes. Adam Anthony. Brody. And yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, Anthony Anderson and Adam Brody who yeah. are playing... Uh, their, their names are so good. So... Do you know Adam Brody's character's full name? His name is Ross Haas. <laughs> I knew his name was Haas. Ross Haas. His first name is Ross. Wow, his parents hated him. And then uh, Anthony Anderson is Anthony Perkins. I saw that. I, I got that one. I was like, his name is Anthony Perkins. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, the, yeah. The way Anthony Anderson, like Adam Brody goes out, like, oh man, but like, no, he, uh, you're right. He gets lobotomized, and then he's still walking for a minute. Yeah, just like, what the, what the, what am I doing? That's F. Bruce Willis. Awful. It's awful. it's really good. Like they really wanted to come back and do the the deaths like creatively and intensely again, like kind of as a reaction to Scream Three's not being very memorable. I think all the deaths in here are pretty like, whoa, yeah. Um, especially uh, the the murder of their friend. Um, across the the way in the window, uh, that's that's such a intense and brutal scene. I didn't it's say a, your closet. It's, yeah, that's a, honestly like you see that oh. coming. Like I'm in the closet. I didn't say your closet. That's a oh. you kind of see that coming, but it's executed really well. Yeah. yeah, Olivia's Olivia's death. I was I I was just it got me. I completely ignored about Olivia's closet, and that when that happens, I'm like, oh shit, and yeah. Olivia dies, and it's just like. It's gut wrenching because she was even like, "Yeah, no, I'm getting out of here," which unfortunately was her own demise because the killer was in her closet. Yeah, and and she's not in the movie for very long, but like, I really like the the energy, the chemistry, basically between that trio, her and Hayden Pantier and and Emma Roberts. When they first get in the car at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, I could follow this trio. Yeah, these 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 are these are fun friends. I like this. Um, so losing her still felt like a blow. Yeah. Like already we've got a character that I'm endeared to much faster than some of the new characters in Scream Three. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Um, Kirby uh, Kirby is wonderful. Kir- Kirby's great. Oh, yeah. um, but d- does Tur- Kirby die or do they? Because I, so I wasn't then, watching this with subtitles on. I'll I'll say this: you don't see a dead body of Kirby, and there's a reason for that. Hayden Pantier actually had it in her contract she could not die on screen in this movie. No way. She had a lot more pull back then. This was, you know, like right heroes. hot on the heels of heroes. Yeah. Uh, so when she made her contract for the movie, she could not be killed. She could not die on screen. Love it. Um, so now's a good time, I think, to talk about this real quick. So I, t- I mentioned that Aaron Kruger comes in and, and the entire hospital ending, that's Aaron Kruger, not Kevin Williamson. Um, I like that. And the reason that happened is because they made changes and Williamson wasn't able to be there. And the reason the changes happened is because when this movie was being created, it was being envisioned as a trilogy. Mm-hmm. This was going to be the start of a new trilogy. Yep. And the movie was supposed to end uh, with the scene where she's being wheeled out on the stretcher yeah. and the flashing lights. But you were going to hear someone saying, we got a pulse, she's still alive. And the audience was supposed to wonder, is it Kirby or is it Sid? Mm. Which one of the two could be coming back in the next one? And that's how they wanted it to be. Spicy. Um, they ultimately decided to do the hospital scene because the studio wasn't having a lot of faith that they were going to move forward with two more films, which ultimately they didn't, it didn't make the money that they thought it would. Shame. Um, so honestly, the right move, 
because it would have been a bummer to have that that cliffhanger ending and then yeah nothing. and then like potentially scream five would just be like a reboot like because that's like that's a weird way to end your right and your franchise um, so it ultimately ends up for the better that they added in the whole hospital scene and i like that scene a lot yeah, i like so, it a oh, lot oh me too the i really enjoyed that whole hospital scene We'll, really we'll get into it. I do want to save that for the end because yeah. I, I, I want to build up to that, talk about some of the other characters and stuff first. Um, but I did want to make that note that that's, that's one of the reasons why everything kind of plays out the way that it does. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I really like the arc for Sid. Yeah. I like this idea of her going on this book tour and wanting to end it at Woodsboro as like this, like closing a chapter in her life kind of thing. Gail's hella jealous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, Sydney as this person who is more willing to like, when shit's going wrong, throw herself into the fire. Like we mentioned Olivia earlier. The mo Once she sees Olivia's being attacked, she runs over to the other house. The other two girls are staying there just screaming. Yeah. But she's running over to the other house, kicking her way in, going to confront Ghostface. Uh, and I love that. I love that that's who Sid is now. Um, she takes no shit from anybody, uh, which I think is great. It's a great progression on the character. Absolutely. Yeah. Allison Brie is in this movie. Yeah, it's the shittiest publicist ever. Uh, publicist yeah. ever. Uh, I thought I, I recognized her. I love her in everything. Yeah. I love yeah. her in this. Uh, yeah. She she is so wonderful. Um, uh, Dumb. And her her what? But she dumb. She dumb. <laughs> the way she goes out of that car and runs to the door. I'm like, if you're gonna get out of the car, run. Why are you walking? Why are you looking around? Uh I, I think her her death is really fun too. Um Yeah, it's, I, I'm just I was happy that she was in it. Uh I forgot that she was in it when so when she showed up, I was like, Oh, hello, Annie. Yeah, she's a fun inclusion. I, I do like her in it a lot. I think she adds she adds something nice to the film. Um mm -hmm. it's 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 one of the few times in Scream where you have someone who you who you would kind of label as a shitty person that you know is shitty and is going to get killed. Mm -hmm. um, oh my god! It doesn't happen a lot in the Scream films. I love Deputy Judy Hops so much. <laughs> Deputy uh, Judy Hicks. Yeah, uh, she's just like a. She's like a. She's just like um. She wants to be like like the next Dewey. She she loves Dewey so much. She makes some cookies and lemon drops and. Gail has having none of it. Uh, she's just a fun, really weird, really weird lady. She stands in shadows sometimes for no reason. Oh, uh, that was really, really funny. Like Judy, what you know, doing? with her standing in the shadow the first time, part of me thought she was the killer, but then I thought, nah, they do this a lot where they I make think, you think it's one person, but it's really not. I think that scene is meant to make you think that, and also then be dissuaded of it because when she moves out of the darkness, it's very much like I went to school. I, I was just, I, I just really nice. It's really nice to see you again. Like, I think you're supposed to kind of suspect <laughs> like that's weird and then go, oh, she's just a nice person. Yeah. Um, she's a little off. Yeah. A little weird. I like it. Was a um, huge crush on the sheriff. Mm -hmm. There's this, uh, there's this bit with her uh, after Sydney's aunt is stabbed where I thought what the movie was going to do for a moment there is have Judy kind of run with this idea that Sydney was the killer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because of the way mm -hmm. she talks about like finding the stab victim and then Sydney fleeing the scene yes. on the call. It felt I, like that. I definitely the first time I saw it thought, oh, are we gonna get like a narrative where they're she's trying to say that Sydney's the killer? Yes. Um which I'm glad we didn't, yeah. honestly, because it's not it's not that's never been a worthwhile story to me to try and tell, even even if like it's not real and, and just characters respecting it. I'm like, I don't want people suspecting Sydney's a killer. It's, it's just a bad route. And, and, and at this point in the franchise, like, come on, no, no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Uh, um, I do want to talk about because we were talking about shadows. I do want to talk about like it's my major gripe with the film. It is my absolute major gripe. Um, this film's very dark, and I do mean like visually, it is it is dark and not lit the best. In it's a, a lot, lot of, of natural instances. natural lighting, and it's very very different from how it, uh, the lighting is in the first three films. It feels different stylistically from the first three films. I do think to some extent this was trying to emulate horror movies at the time, but this is one of those instances where that kind of bothers me because I'd rather it just felt consistent. To the world of scream i will also say just in advance ben this is not a problem i have with five cream i don't think that this lighting problem exists there so it's only this film yeah and it only irks me because sure if it's commenting on horror films at the time i get it but like if i'm just watching the scream films it's like oh why does this one look kind of bad in comparison like visually um it is also notably a different cinematographer and, and people than the original three um so that can be part of it too but i just there are several sequences where I just don't like the look of the movie, uh, which bums me out. Um, I wish it looked as good as the first three. Yeah, it, it just kind of looks just like, it's just like, it's just, we shot it on digital and didn't really do anything with it. Like the lighting, it's like very, again, like very natural. Like if they're outside, it's just outdoor lighting. Like it's very. And there's a lot, there's a lot of nighttime outdoor stuff. Yeah. And it all isn't lit very well. And I was like, ah, this kind of kind of hard on a rewatch to be honest like i don't think visually the film holds up as well as it should yeah uh, that's that's my my major knock on the movie so i wanted to get that out of the way i think it's really funny that they still made stab three even though the director killed half the cast <laughs> that is absolutely that is on an unhinged world wild <laughs> well when you see the way that these people react to these movies like we have to make another one they're, they're throwing shit the in the first, theaters like like one of the first studio screenings of stab is like people <laughs> dressed in the costumes like not even watching the movie flipping out like stabbing like, their friends this is this is like this is like quentin tarantino's universe of how people are affected by violence in films like turned up to 12 yeah yeah like it's, it's a lot it's just really funny when they mentioned like the original trilogy, you know, Sydney and and blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, they finished Stab Three, so the director yeah. had to come in. They had to recast some of the roles because, again, the director killed half the cast. I can't even, man. That's like a fake documentary. I would love to watch. <laughs> uh, I also like that this film is very good. I'm moving to another area, but um, I like that this film is it has a more believable high school cast like the age appropriateness is a much smaller gap than it was in the original screen and it's poking holes at the archetypes um like more than once the the like busty attractive young ladies are are acknowledged to be like have 4.0 gpas and be very intelligent and all these kinds of things like yeah, yeah. uh i think that's really nice um kirby is a film nerd she might not be a film nerd who's like as vocal and like i'm gonna be part i'm gonna like talk about the club all the time but she is in the club yeah she does like movies a lot she has that huge monologue of all the horror remakes uh which is incredible so um i i like that they just like really are breaking the mold on like the archetypes that even the first movie was playing to oh Stabathon. real quickly i want i want to i want to get ben's ire and talk about hair um the uh, uh, Kirby's hair, incredible, beautiful. Oh my gosh, love it! I I, 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 said it to, I said it to them like when we were watching, like whether that was her own hair choice or like the movie's choice to give Kirby this haircut, incredible. She pulls yeah, it, it off really flawlessly. Good. Looks so good. Kirby is such a such a cool, fun character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love, I love, I agree with you, Brandon, one hundred percent. She looks great. She yeah. looks great throughout the whole movie. Uh, one hundred percent. Charlie, that's that's the 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 other killer thing. Charlie, right? Yes. I, yeah, yeah I, 
I remembered who the killers <coughs> were because again, like I watched this movie relatively recently. I watched it before I saw Five Ten, uh, uh, to catch up uh, for the first time. But like, I remember the killers. But I'm like, oh yeah, they do a really good job of like of of not showing you who the killer is in this one. I think it does a really good job, especially with Charlie. I did not, I did not remember Charlie at all. Uh, uh, and watching the movie, I'm like, man, they're doing a good job of hiding him. I, I will, I will say, I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, it's just noticeable when you watch the movie again after knowing that Jill's the killer. You really start to notice, damn, Jill's not around a lot. <laughs> no, they're taking notice. I specifically remember. Uh, uh, she's like, oh, I gotta get my phone. It's upstairs. And then she's gone twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, y'all, no been, one's, no one's. Why is paying... someone paying attention to where Jill is? She's like, yeah, I found my phone. What's going on? After someone got killed. Like, but the uh, the Charlie reveal is really interesting because the film wants you to be like, oh, actually, there's a romance between between him and Kirby, and then she put him, they they put him in the same situation that Drew Barrymore's boyfriend was in in the first film. Right. That that Kirby has to answer all these questions, and then she wins, only to have the reveal be that Charlie's one of the killers. It's right. honestly brilliant. And, I love and, that. That's one of the reasons why I love this movie. And he says it took you this long to notice me. Like he's mm-hmm. mad at her. Or he's super insult. And it's that is the most insult shit ever. Like, oh, you like me now, but not when I wanted you to like me. That is some super insult shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like the second the second he says that, I'm like, okay, you suck. You suck. And I'm glad I'm glad I know what I know what's gonna come to you, and I'm glad it's happening. Because at first oh. I'm like, no, don't kill him. Cause then you know, Trevor comes back, ruins the moment, and I'm like, ah, Trevor, you suck. Like the whole movie, Trevor, you suck. End of the movie, I was wrong. Trevor doesn't suck. Trevor is just, I mean, he's a bad guy. He's a bad person. Yeah, I mean, he he sucks as a person, but he's not like, you know, murdering people. Yeah. yeah. Who Uh, invited you, Trevor? (laughs) Yeah, that's Kieran. Uh, Kieran, uh, Kieran Culkin, uh, Rory Culkin, Charlie. Um, he, uh, uh, when he gets stabbed because he, because he's just like, um, you know, we're, we're going to be Billy and Stu. And then he gets stabbed and Sydney's like, no, you're Stu. Yeah. He, no, like, he's Billy. Like, right. Yeah. She, she said, she's like, you said it yourself, Billy and Stu, you and Trevor. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I thought that was really good. I'm dying, man. Um, uh-huh. It's interesting to see a screen movie now finally working in texting because, like, it's up to that point. So texting becomes part of the thing too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, oh, I, using the the voice as an app on your phone. Yes, which is really smart. But it's all Roger L. Jackson. Also, this is the one where it's the most noticeable to me. But I want to give full credit because we haven't talked about it a lot in all of the films. But this is the best point to do it. Roger L. Jackson does an incredible job. He knows who the killers are. He knows who he's emulating when he's calling. Oh, so he's using like voice. So he changes his delivery to match who it's supposed to be. So Ghostface is never just a generic, always sounds the same. Certain words are in like uh, uh, emphasized and spaced out in a way to try to match the performance of the person who is the killer. Yeah. So when Roger L. Jackson is doing that, He's trying to differentiate Charlie from Jill so that if you're listening, you might be able to tell which one is on the phone. So you saying that triggered in my brain something. I'm going to jump way ahead real quickly. I'm not going to spoil anything for five cream, but just to kind of reiterate what you're talking about and say that I agree. One, one line has never left my head and it's, it's an honor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just, I think about that all the time, that right. delivery. Yeah. 
Do you know what's really funny to me is uh, just because you brought that up, like watching this movie uh, and the Charlie says that too, but he mm. says it when he's not Ghostface. He says it in the film club room. He, we know oh, he's one of the true. killers, but he says when he meets Sid, it's an honor, that's true. Uh, which is totally normal. And like he ends up being one of the killers and then having a killer actually as Ghostface say it to Sid, uh, not to Sid, to Dewey. Uh, I think into the in the next one we'll get there. Uh, yeah. Don't worry about it. Bye. That's why I don't want to go too far into spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely though. Ro like Roger L. Jackson is very good because if you really like, we've got, just gone through all four of these movies pretty quickly. If you really think about his performance, he does not sound like he's just delivering the lines. He thinks about who he's supposed to be yeah. and transfer that through his voice. Um, mm -hmm. He's an incredibly talented voice actor. Also the voice of Mojo Jojo for anyone who's wondering. Uh, a lot of other notable roles. No. But he is the voice of Mojo Jojo. Mojo Jojo. No. Uh, yeah. Really? Yes, absolutely. Um, you got the game. 110%. Uh, I, I really, really love what he does with Ghostface. And specifically in this one, there are ones where I'm like, I know for a fact he listened to Emma Roberts' talk and recreated it on the phone. And it sounds great. You know what? With that, before you telling me this, because I'm not going to say I noticed it in every movie, but I, I definitely noticed it in Scream 4. Yeah. Uh, I assumed that it was just Emma Roberts recording the line in like, like I'm going to kill you, bitch. And then, and then he would just go, oh, that's how you did it. Now I'm going to do it. But like, he just, he, he could just do that. Like, right. I'm sure, like, I mean, I doubt they record all the lines like the actor's doing it. So like him just being like, uh, like, okay, that's, that's how your mannerisms are. I'm going to put that in this ghost face voice. That's incredible. That's, yeah. that's talent. Yeah. Love. It's really funny going through his, his, his IMDb. Cause I want to see what else he's done, but he's, I was like, oh, he's in call of duty. Oh, as ghost faced. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he just, he really, he really captures, I think, the identity, specifically in this movie. I do feel like if you're listening, you're going to know which one's Charlie and which one's Jill on the phone. Mm -hmm. I think he's really got it down. I definitely, because I knew who the killer was, like, I definitely could tell when Jill was the one on the phone. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, that's pretty sweet. And it's one of the reasons why, again, like, Scream 3 is a little bit of sacrilege to me. Not that Roger L. Jackson's voice is omitted from the film, but it's certainly cut down as a role. Because there's, like, 12 Because, like, this is about hearing his voice as Ghostface. Like, the one thing that is con constant and should be always consistent, it's not Sydney, it's not Gale, it's not Dewey. It's that the killer uses this voice. It's and true. the voice is Roger L. Jackson. Um, I will make a note that I kind of wish Scream 4 did more with the setting of Woodsboro. Mm -hmm. This will carry over to Five Cream a little bit too, but for some reason to me, this felt like the one rather than, I don't feel like you can do what I'm about to say in Five Cream because the events of Scream 4 happened in Woodsboro, but it does feel like in this one, there was an opportunity to embrace the Woodsboro murders as part of the identity of the town. Yeah, and like, yeah. have that be something that like our characters are grappling with where like some of them are like, this is not great to come back to this town and have the, like like they are taking down the ghost face decorations that's what that i was someone gonna say yeah and i'm like what if those were done on purpose what if that was the town like that's their way of celebrating sydney coming is decorating for the thing that's because like it's also the stab movies and that's a cultural phenomenon and yeah. it's famous but like it's also her life and so like the popularity of Woodsboro as a small town comes from being famous for these murders. For, yeah. And if the town had started to, as we know, they always do uh, look at sleepy hollows, Salem, witch trials, all these kinds of things, they get that small bit of fame when they're those small towns and it becomes a part of the identity of the town. Yeah. And I kind of wish this movie had gone for a little bit of that being there. Yeah. I can deal with that. Yeah. Now, yeah. because these events happened, now there's been two sets of ho horrible murders in Woodsboro. I don't think you can do it anymore. But at this point, I was like, I feel like you could get away with that. I feel like that could have been a part of this movie. 
to put a pin or to put a quick little thing on that because I saw when City was coming by, I saw the scream decorations or the ghost face decorations. For a split second, I was like, this isn't taking place during Halloween, is it? And this is like, like you said, Salem and a few other towns that are famous for horrible events happening. And then you see the cops putting the thing down. I was like, okay, yeah, this is a high school prank. These, And then Dewey says lines like one generation's trauma is another generation's joke. And oh, I'm like, okay, because, yeah. you know, time has gone by, but right. these the stab films are still very popular. These kids know where they live, and they're like, oh, let's put up ghost faces everywhere. I mean... Well, the ghost faces I, were put up by... by high school kids. It was, it was a prank. No, I thought the ghost faces were up there because it was Sydney's coming home, and it was on the anniversary of the, of the killer. Oh, it, it was. It was. You're right. You're right. You're so 100% not, right. Not, it wasn't a prank. It was the, the city was like, let's put up ghost face. This would be great. I just want them to lean into it more. Like, I wish the mayor had been there like, Sydney, isn't this great to like, like bring in the mayor and make it this whole thing? And Sydney's like, this is actually well, super horrifying. Oh, I lost like, you, all my, like, my friends and family. And, well, and have it be like this really misguided idea of like, you know, classic bear from jaws kind of stuff of like well, this is the thing we celebrate uh have it be henry winkler but in a different wig oh yeah um yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> it oh, oh, there is a statue of henry winkler in this movie and you blink and you miss it, it it's a side profile shot that goes off screen but it's henry winkler is, is in yeah this at the movie. school it's fun yeah the mayor um, should have been carrie always he, uh, yeah, he, he, I just feel like there's there there's something that could have been chewed on about like the like all the things that they want to comment on with the pop culture and how it affects things, how it affects the town, yeah, and how it's affecting the teens who live in that town could have been part of that, and and, and I kind of wish the movie had had the room to go for that or breathe on that. I wonder if Scream Six will do some of that. It being in New York, mm, maybe so embracing it. Um, let's see. Well, there's a musical called Stab that we see in the that we see in the trailer so oh, i so assume weird. they're embracing it yeah uh also there is no red right hand song in this movie yep um egregious how dare they what an oversight so mad no really um that is iconic <laughs> to scream. It's, in every, it's in every movie uh it's it's in all of them except for this one uh super weird that they, that it's not there i do like dewey's new like kind of reintegrated rejuvenated picturesque sheriff life theme bow, 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 bow. i like i like the inclusion of him as the sheriff i thought that was really smart of them to do he it does feel like he's truly grown up now yeah he isn't mm. a he's like he's he you've seen dewey grow up into who he is now and he's like he's he takes full responsibility in being the sheriff and trying to do right it does also result in him kind of like constantly getting to situations a little late but that's okay yeah also i also him fine with with uh gail for a bit it's like dude you know that she's right about a lot of things and then he finally comes around and i mean it sucks that it takes her getting stabbed in the shoulder for him to like come around and be like yep you're right you were you were smart should have listened to you the whole I like, time i like the i like the dewey reveal of the in the hospital where it's like how did she know i got stabbed in the shoulder oh shit Mm-hmm. So, yes. uh, also an interesting thing in Williamson's original script, the the way they learned that wasn't going to be um, that uh, uh, a reveal that how did she know I was stabbed in the shoulder? It was actually going to be Dewey. It was going to make him a little bit smarter. Honestly, it was going to be that Dewey figured out she was stabbed so cleanly in the shoulder so that she could write the book and make Jill famous, mm. um, and that was going to be the connection uh, that he makes. Like there, there was going to be a more elaborate of Dewey putting it together. It was like it's supposed to be like Dewey's triumphant, like I figured it out moment that he kind of does on his own, mm-hmm. rather than uh, being queued up by Gale, and then that was truncated down. I yeah. 
Uh, I, I like the Tia though. I like like them working together. Like, it would have been cool to have like Dewey have like an aha moment, but like I like them together figuring it out. I'm not necessarily saying I have a problem with this version, but I do, I do understand like the desire to have a Dewey has a like light bulb genius moment of realizing like this was a specific stab for a specific reason, because it's very noticeable when you see the scene where she gets stabbed, like it just like the, the Dewey's got the gun on them and like, they're still like, I got to get this done. Stab in the shoulder, leave. Um, Like, and like why the shoulder we've seen people stabbed in so many places. Like it's so specific. Um, Um, can we talk about the hospital? Yeah, one last thing. Trevor gets shot in the dick, and it is graphic. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the hospital has a really good moment when they kill. Uh. When they kill Jill, well, kill Jill. Um. The, the clear. Yeah. Is so good. It's when 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 you have any last words. Yeah. Clear. 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 This is z- zaps her. Excellent. And a game. Same. Same deal of Jill being like thinking she's so suave and on top and got it and not just being a shitty team oh, out of her depth Sydney, sydney's alive what oh i really need to go see her yeah Sorry, murderer. <laughs> um the five minutes of jill beating the shit out of herself is amazing oh my mm-hmm. god uh, it gets worse and worse mostly and because worse. like it does such a good job of going from uncomfortable to funny to uncomfortable again yeah mm-hmm. um really really good she like, she stabs herself she runs into a mirror she throws herself on a table she uh, uses trevor's hand to give her scratches and to and pull, pull out some her hair, hair out. oh that's so much hair yeah yeah that way his, her skin is oh. underneath his fingernails to pin the murder just, on her on him i just realized what this note says uh now that we've mentioned that because i've been to figure out for like five minutes uh when when emma roberts after she does that, uh, you know, she she like hobbles over to Sid and like poses herself next yes. to Sid. Brilliant mirror, a mirror of Sydney. Yeah. yeah. Again, thought- uncomfortable to funny to uncomfortable to funny. Like it's it, it. This movie works so so much, especially because Jill Ro- Jill is her reveal is so good. Emma yeah. Roberts' commitment to the character of Jill is so good. That last scene is uh, those last two scenes are incredible she just owns the moment yeah 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 um all right anything else uh i i truly am am thrilled with how well this movie did turn out um i think emma roberts inclusion was genius and having her be the killer was a great a great reveal just absolutely brilliant especially as this person motivated like living in sydney's shadow and wanting her own taste of fame and all this kind of stuff. Sorry, I can lean in. Like, <laughs> you keep this moving way over. No, sure, sure. It's, it's just like... No, I get you. Uh, uh, I, it's so impressive that it was able to come off this well, um, frankly, uh, especially at a time, again, a, a time period where like when remakes were being done, they were usually poorly received. Not that all horror movies were, but certainly the remakes yeah. were. Um, so stepping in and making this commentary, a lot of people didn't think had were nervous that screen four was just wasn't going to have it and i'm really pleased that i think it works really well i didn't even i didn't see it when it came out because uh after scream three like i dislike scream three a lot I, I hated that movie when i first saw it but i was also considerably younger and a different person uh so i just skipped scream four until i saw it with with sparks a couple years ago um uh and like this whole franchise like again even the worst movie is not is not terrible uh uh west craven's just got it and like being being gone for 10 years coming back like it's like he never left. 
just adopting you know a new a new uh, a new way to murder people. What's what's the motive this time? Uh, and then again, we got five queens. I am let's, glad let's... that they did not feel compelled to say that Randy recorded another tape. Oh, I would have. <laughs> that would have been okay. Five years later, he survived the events of the trilogy. If I didn't make it through the third one, here's what happens. <laughs> Let me tell you about legacy sequels. Yeah, I, uh, he tries to predict technology at that point, and he's way, way off. Oh my god, that actually funny. <laughs> In the future, that'd be good. Okay, so I read it. Yeah, yeah, Ben. Yeah. Ooh, nine, easy. Yeah, 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 nine. Yeah, I'll yeah. go. I'll go eight point five. Yeah, yeah. I'll go solid eight. I like this movie quite a bit. Oh yeah, I, I loved it. Looking like. I still think one is my favorite, but one, two, and four, like they're all, they're all, they're all great. They're uh, all great. You know, we did jump to the rating, and we didn't, we really didn't talk at all about um, Charlie's friend who's recording live streaming. Oh, who, all that who pronounces him being gay to um, save his life? At yeah, the end. yeah. It just, I mean, yeah. if, if it, it helps, helps. <laughs> if it okay, the I'm gay part, I was like, I don't know, but if it helps, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Very well, so, good. <laughs> so he is, he is gay. Yeah, because when he's getting stabbed, he says, "This is against the rules." <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, the only thing about him I didn't want to note uh, really specifically is that I thought something was going to be done with his live streaming. Oh, yeah, because it's always on his head, and we find out that when he is recording, it's going live. Yes. Uh, and just that never really turned into anything, and I was kind of surprised that that's I... kind of like a. A device that's there that's never really utilized, and it's like when you look at streaming today, like streaming in what is when it's come out twenty eleven, yeah, streaming was not what it was, not even not even close. So I wonder if them they had the idea of oh we're streaming it live, but they didn't really know do any more research into it because especially back then like there was no like Twitch or like live streaming on YouTube. Yeah, but you, like you know we've seen plenty of movies like makeup technology bullshit. I just no, thought yeah, there yeah. was going to be something there where like they found out someone was about to get killed or someone was getting killed or maybe oh do the thing from like killer. yeah yeah just all something was going to be done with it. But like the only thing that ever really happens is that for a period of time you're like oh my god his camera's facing the wrong direction. That is the only you're right. Yeah, they don't really do anything with that. That's true. It just surprised me considering it's on his head the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, there yeah. you go. That's four down. That's Scream 3 and 4. So we've done one, two, three, and 4. Next will be 5 Cream. That will not be an episode. That'll be a special. So stay tuned. But if you guys are... Uh, you can find all of them together. You'll be able to find them very easily. Um, but uh, it will, 5 Cream will not be next week as an episode. Because that will be... Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Quantumania. Yeah, but it's all happening. I'm really excited for Ben to be fully caught up and get to the five cream. Ben, uh, honestly, if you like for, uh, uh, excuse me, reform that this much, I think you are going to adore five cream. I have a feeling that after the Scream 4 or um, Scriforum, Scream 5, or as we've been calling it, five cream, it... That's what it's called. It may be my new favorite Scream movie. I don't know. I didn't I'm think just I was gonna. What you like about this movie? Like, I think you will doubly like the next movie. Well, I can't it. wait. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. One last thing. Sydney has one of the best lines in the entire Scream franchise in this movie, and it's like you forgot the first rule about reboots. Oh yeah. Don't f with the original. <gasps> Incredibly good line. It's true. Sorry, <laughs> we're done. That's okay. Uh, that's that's that though. So why don't we go into our book club? 
That's your book club, so take it away. Hello, it's me, Ryan, and I like comic books. Speaking of comic books, let's talk about this one written by Zeb Wells, drawn by Dylan Burnett, colored by Mike Spicer, and lettered by VC's Corey Petit. We're talking about Ant-Man, baby. Scott Lang and his wonderful daughter, Cassie. I wanted to pick an Ant-Man book, and there are there have been a plethora of Ant-Man books coming out recently, but I just wanted to focus on Scott and Cassie, because that's what, that's, you know, that's that's who our Ant-Man is. I'm sorry, old man Hank. Uh, go kill some more people in a what if episode. We're going to talk about World Hive. I believe that's what this is. It's am I, yes. is it wrong, Brandon? That's what is. Am I wrong about Hank Pym killing people in what if? No, it's just funny. Both Sparks and I smirked. I don't know why I'm being picked on. No, I'm not picking on you. I just, you're the person I saw. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about. Uh, first of all, Zeb Wells, one of my favorite comic writers. That dude. Uh, realizing now, this dude's been writing like X Men comics like from ten years ago. Uh, he wrote New Mutants like in the early 2010s. Uh, so like I've been like I've loved this. I'm dude's sorry. I'll be, so I'm sorry. I'll be back. Sure. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Scott Lang, Cassie, uh, they're having a Florida Everglades adventure on a Friday night. They should stay small, but they want to get big. Uh, and I, I think this book, it's not like, the, it's not going to win any awards, but this is a damn fun comic book. And the thing that Zeb Wells gets right more than, than a lot of other writers is just character. And just, like, really great character dynamics, really great, uh, he's great with puns. He, oh my gosh, like, I never thought I would... I would care. I don't, it's weird to say care, but like having a Nazi B-man as one of your characters in this is like, I shouldn't like, like the joke is that like he's a Nazi, but it's like really funny. And Scott's entire thing of like, this guy wants to be my best friend and I refuse to be friends with a Nazi, I think is really funny. Um, I think Cassie's great. Uh, this, just, this got me really pumped for Quantumania. Oh yeah, this definitely got me pumped for Quantumania. Also, I just love how there is such a thing called bug speak in this book. Yeah, I, I love how there's a thing called bug speak, and even what we do in when we are introduced to Swarm, and Scott is talking about Swarm, he's like, "Yeah, I know, I know, of course, I know all this because I'm sorry." He pulls up the Avengers database on his helmet because I'm that's smart. How, that's how he knows. I um, I legitimately think Zeb Wells is like one of the, one of the funniest comedic writers the, the in comics, at least. The humor in this is top tier. I'm glad, I, I'm glad. I really enjoy it. I took I took way too many pictures because every page is like that made me laugh. That made me laugh. Yeah. Um, I also think the art's exceptional. Yeah, uh, I think the art's oh, yeah. really, really pretty, lovely to look at, very um, stylish uh, in its way. I, I yeah, whether it's the yeah. designs on the bug creatures or whether it's the designs on Cassie and and Scott, I think they they really pop and stand out. I actually love this design for Black Cat. Like the art, yeah, for her in here is really, really great. Um, taking her outfit and like dumbing down the misogyny of it is really cool yeah i think dylan burnett is an exceptional artist and his facial expressions especially these characters like are wearing masks a lot of the time and they're bug people his facial expressions expressions are top notch like you always know like if somebody's like express like on is angry you know they're angry or excited they got an excited face like top notch stuff and like I, honestly i love this comic but the thing that i think i enjoyed the most was the was the recap pages at the beginning of each it so ham ant and 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 the elephant wasps, uh, love it. Okay. Uh, my, ghosts. My two favorites because I took the pictures yes. was was um, Chud, Aunt Chudley and the Big B when they're both dead. Ghosts. and they're just doing the recap section and they're like, "Where do bugs go when die?" <laughs> um, that was really good. And then yeah, the elephant moths who are like, "Yeah, this isn't really our thing." You should have read the previous issues. I love, yeah, like Pam, Pam, like being a character people care about. And like, oh my gosh, when, when, so ants, so Scott's living in an anthill because he's broke. Um, and then that anthill gets like destroyed and I cared about it. Yeah. I actually cared about it. And I cared about Pam 
Uh, and I was like, wow, that's the power of, of storytelling that I care about an ant who can't even speak proper English. Uh, uh, the, the part where Pan, because you brought it up, the part where Pan says, like, you are the last ant of this dirt. Uh, you know, like, that, yeah. that, that idea. Yeah, yeah, I have that too. Yeah, that idea being really You last head. ant of our dirt now. And she yeah. just dies on his finger. And he's like, I'm not okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. And that's he good. says that, like, on the next page, he's just like, I'm not okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I love Cassie's just, like, constant, like, she wants approval of her dad, and but she wants to be her own person, and she looks up to her dad, but he's, like, he's sometimes really dumb. It's just, it's a great, it's a great dynamic, and I love, you know, we have characters like Iron Man and, like, Reed Richards, who are, like, the smartest people on the planet. Scott's just a dude. He's a dude who stole a suit. That's, that's what, that's who he is. He's not a genius. He's a, he's a dad. Uh, and I just love when people just get to be people while also being superheroes. Brandon, how'd you feel about Iron Man? I think this is one of the best books that you've picked that I've read. Um, I'm very happy to hear that. I thought this was excellent. This was incredibly funny. I yeah. love the, I love the world hive concept. I love the villains. I think they're really great. Every oh, yeah. single time Nazi beekeeper was on the screen, it was hilarious. Yeah. See you. See you later, best buddy. We're not buddies. Yeah, a hundred percent. I was saying that as you, when you were gone. Yeah, I love. I I, I love to hate a Nazi beekeeper. Uh, I thought this was uh, excellent. Um, I, I thoroughly uh, adored this. The Spider-Man Black Cat issue is a lot of fun. Um, Th- uh, Thraximus, or whatever his name is. Macrothrax. Macrothrax, such <laughs> a cool mean. villain. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys were talking about Pam Ant when Pam Ant when I came back. She was great. I love I love the recap of her telling the story to Ant Man. Of it's like I was, you know, basically she was just saying I was screaming and then I couldn't scream anymore. Oh yeah, my yeah. scream my scream could not overcome the death smell. Oh my yeah. god, yes, my scream smell wasn't good enough. That's like you you're you're writing in like dumb English and it actually it's still making me like emotional. Like I can't believe that. Like, yeah. It's truly incredible. Uh, the giant kaiju battle at the end, like. Ant Man, this it's like covered in a bunch of ants or like a bunch of bugs, like just nonsense. Yeah, gifted from the Bug Lord because it's like you care. I know you cared about your ant. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That guy, like a Vesperoid or whatever, cared about Pam too. I I took one picture. I took one picture of a of a page that really uh, was was so funny to me. It's when the giant bee is pl- is plugging the hole, uh, and the hook the cave, and uh, bee body feel bad, and he explodes. And Nazi beekeeper is like, they've breached the bee. No <laughs> shit, they breached the bee. Yeah, yeah. God, it's so sad that big bee explodes. I, but like uh... the the line, the because it's so sad that the big bee explodes. And at first, I'm really funny. But the line, they've breached the bee, is the one of the funniest lines I've ever read in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, so now you guys have met Swarm in a comic because he doesn't show up a lot. This is who a lot of people thought that beekeeper in WandaVision was. Oh, for no reason, just because beekeepers. How many beekeepers are there? Um, I love Cassie in this. I think she is just she's a she's a great young character. Yeah, I want to spotlight my one of my favorite gags, which is uh, this little section where she's like, "Mom, I got an invitation to be on the Avengers." Oh yeah. Oh wow, Cassie, that's incredible. West Coast. Oh, oh yeah, that's a no. That, oh hell no. Her her facial animation. She's like West Coast. <laughs> oh yeah, that 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 is that is yeah uh yeah i have uh at the end when when she's when uh she's fighting the big guy and cassie is like out of breath just saying nonsense she's like 
yeah, you're about to like to leave in your mouth out on my foot. And he's like, I don't know what that means. He's like, I'm still kicking your ass. Right. Yeah. Like she's just a fun teenager, like trying to be tough and be cool and just saying dumb stuff. And guys like, what are you even saying? And then on top of that, like Macrothax just not really understanding English. So he's like, I don't know. These words mean nothing to me. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Uh, Control your young. And like, this is an incredibly funny book. And then it happens to have a beautiful final page uh, of like, you know, uh, uh, Scott, uh, just just like save the world, but he doesn't view it that way. But Cassie saw what happened. She's like, yeah, I saw you. And Scott's like, yeah, and I saw you. And it just ends with them looking into the sunset together. They just both saved the world. And I'm like, yeah. fuck. Give yeah, me it's break. really good. Like, it's... this is such a, this is what comics are about. You can be funny, you can be dramatic, you can have ant monsters and like bug people and Nazi, Nazi, my aunt, Nazi man. Like, it's just, it's just, pure fun when yeah. a- in the beginning when when giant man is ta- has the aim and is like can you put us down what you're just really expressive with your hands and i don't want to throw up in my helmet <laughs> oh sorry like, i mean like you get it <laughs> and then I mean, like, you get it. guys who cares <laughs> love it that's too good to these people i love it yeah yeah you're just really expressive with your hands <laughs> i uh hand pin is a character I par- I never really care for. One, because I already had a smart science man in Tony Stark and Reed Richards, right? And Hank Pym is, he he made Ultron, but like he, he he's fine. He's cool. Like j- growing is cool. Having a regular dude be a superhero is just so, is such a more fu- fun concept to me, uh, especially with Ant-Man. He's just a dude who grows. And like, again, he's not particularly smart. He's just, he's just a dude trying to do the right thing. And I just find that endlessly compelling um he's just a dude who like he has his helmet and he has to fight a bug lord in the savage land where dinosaurs live like it's just magical we demand justice bug justice (laughs) Mm, so bug justice is just that they eat him yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah great i'm so i'm so thrilled everyone everyone loved this book um yeah i'm it is like i'm i again like we all like the ant-man movies i i really i've come to really love Aunt scott lang and, and and there's eric o'grady who's black Ant, who's like the evil ant-man but he's funny uh i just i really like the new school ant-man characters um they're just they're great i i talked about how colorful bright and fun a lot of the art is and everything but i also wanted to spotlight the horror of when they they find in the spider-man black cat issue who they're looking for oh, and yeah. if you notice the position of their feet that means their upper torso is turned around the wrong way yes. and i'm like god that's so horrifying yeah uh, yeah this book manages, manages to be like yeah sweet horrifying funny dramatic uh uh, uh another another great page this is an easy one to spotlight for the visual on the video um is the part where macrothrax is like yeah i'll uh i'll share with you my bug speak vision he's like oh well that seems fair <laughs> <laughs> incredible uh at the very beginning <laughs> he's like Can you, okay uh they hire scott to go find bees that are missing so he's just like, I could talk to bees. Bees, 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 bees. <laughs> and then a little bee comes and he's like, Scout bee here, what's up? And yeah, I'm like, right. This is just a bees, 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 bees. And this is the panel of the bee, the bees, like, I, I love yeah, it. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, yeah, I really like this one. Um, uh, I, a last note, like one of my favorite full pages is uh, him on the phone with Tony and the way that whole thing goes. And he's like, oh. Who are you to criticize how close we are? Oh, you mean physically close? Yes. My bad. He's like, oh, because he's like, he's like uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, I swore I wasn't going to say this, but you know what? We're all talking about it. You were better when you were drinking. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> That's so rude. Oh, or you're physically close. Oh, God. <laughs> and then he teleports. And he's like, "Hey, Tony, sorry about the words." God. Uh, oh, you're all eating. Uh, we can wait for you to finish. And Blade's like, "Yeah, you're going to wait for us to finish." Blade has one line, and it made me laugh. And I'm like, 
great, great. Yeah, Zeb Wells guy. He's <laughs> he's also like writing like Marvel stuff, like Marvel movies and TV shows. So like this guy, he's got it. This guy's got it. Ben, any other thoughts on this one? I know we kind of dominated the conversation for a second there. No, it's it's really great. Um, I love the. I love a lot of stuff about this book. This book is fantastic. It's got me even more hyped for Quantumania. I love, what, honestly, I just love the scene. It's the scene with one of the bug lords, this decapitated head, and he's talking to Scott, and he's like, you show, he's like this this whole grand thing, and Scott's just like, oh, I'm very uncomfortable now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah or yeah, my also the, the, the scene with like, black cat and scott and then like spider-man is there is like stop touching stop doing this and then scott of course it's all going over his head and cassie's like dude black cat was into you spider-man was, was jealous awesome. yeah he yeah. was hey she just likes she likes bug people like but it's, it's a really good moment for cassie and scott because like he's like spider-man was jealous of my dad yeah yeah uh, that's that's the stuff i'm really excited about like about Ant-Man and Quantumania, because, like, little little Cassie is so great, and I do, I am so sad that, that she's gone, but, like, having this older superhero teenage daughter is a dynamic that I'm, like, I'm so excited to see. And, like, this is probably, it's probably the last time that these two might be together in a movie. Like, I'm not, uh, like, maybe, maybe, like, an Endgame and stuff, but, like, this being the final Ant-Man movie, probably. Like, I'm glad it is them being superheroes together, because uh, it's just a great dynamic. And she's been a superhero for like 20 years now. So it's like, let her grow up. She's been a, yeah. She was a young Avenger 20 years ago. Uh, all right. Anything else? Nope. Cool. Hitman, baby. Uh, all right. So it looks really weird when you guys when you guys uh, phase out like that. Phase uh, four, back in. All right. So it's my book club next week. Look, guys, uh, Spider uh, for Star Trek Picard has never sent out uh, has never sent out viewing screeners for for people to review because the seasons have been terrible. Uh, they sent out six episodes to all to all all the critics, which is a lot of episodes. That's more than half of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if, if everyone's saying this really good, I'm really excited. So, I really want to do a Star Trek book. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, I, I think I've done two, maybe one, one or two Star Trek books before, and so it's really tricky for me because, like you know, two of us haven't really engaged with Star Trek in any in any big in, in any big way, and two of us have. So I yeah, decided. The word meaningful. I did, but I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. It was definitely coming out, but I didn't want to. Strange New Worlds was meaningful to me, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really happy about that. It's a great. It's a great one. Um, my top fifteen. <laughs> So I I thought really long and hard. There's a bunch of Kelvin books. We've all seen the Star Trek Kelvin movie, Star Trek Star Trek in the Darkness, and Star Trek Beyond. Well, this is that. So I was like, well, let's give this one a shot. So we're going to do Star Trek Manifest Destiny, um, by Mike Johnson and Ryan Parrott, with art by Angel Hernandez. Oh yeah. So uh, Star Trek Manifest Destiny. When what when like does it take place between movies or like what is it like well, what's the time period? I think. I don't know, but if the Enterprise is in it, it's not after Beyond. Okay. So it might be in between movies. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, the Enterprise. It's the Enterprise. So it's, so it's before Beyond. Gotcha. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, but it came out after Beyond. So, you know, take that how you will. Cool. That'll do it, guys. Next time you see us, there will be an episode of Mike Matola uh, talking about Phase 4. Probably five cream will be around the time you, next time you see us. Uh, so check, the, stay tuned for that one. And of course, the next episode will be Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Look at around; it's two weeks. There's a week and then a week after. Sure. Um, 
ants. Yes. <laughs> Ant-Man yes. and the Wasp. Quantumania will be our next episode. Stay tuned for that. Part in phase five. Here we I go. Know. You know, I was surprised we didn't get a Secret Invasion trailer with the Super Bowl. Ooh, I, that, that rumor was so hard. People were like, oh, yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm like, no. Um, okay, well, that's it, guys. Uh, thank you so much for watching. Uh, of course, if you like this video and subscribe to this channel, you can check out all sorts of other shows, such as Fake Nerds Watch. We're currently going through The Last of Us and upcoming Star Trek Picard Season 3. Um, that means all four, uh, th three of the four Fake Nerds will be on Fake Nerds Watches. Uh, so, Ben, find a Fake Nerds Watch to do. Like, just come join the last of yeah, us. Yeah, just watch like hey, you want to watch Andor, like an Andor quality show? It's it's happening weekly. Brandon has some <laughs> Star Trek excuse for why he's not watching Last of Us. What's your excuse? That's true. I have a good excuse. Uh come back <laughs> yeah, to the <laughs> Ben just bolts. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Look at that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, all right, of course, you can check out Basement Arcade, uh, which is a video game Let's Play series. Basement Arcade Pause Mini, our video game discussion series. New episodes coming soon. Big Nerd Book Club and Animation Station are also shows you can check out on this channel. Again, like this video, subscribe to this channel. And uh, 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 links below, you can check out our Patreon and our T Public if you'd like to support us financially. We'd really appreciate it. We'd like to do a lot of things on this, and it would help us and would paid us to do them. Uh, but of course, that is not the main reason why we do this. So thank you to so everyone who supports us by just watching, by just listening. Uh, you know, that's that's at the end of the day, frankly enough. Um, you can check out the links below or on our website at fakenerdpodcast.com, which is the landing page for literally everything, including the uh, Fake Nerds Watch audio feed, which is new. You can check that out. It's awesome. Go subscribe to it. It's really cool. It's just Fake Nerds Watch, but audio. Uh, all of that linked below. Let's check out the chat before we finish this up. First off, there's Mag says, can't wait to check out Ant-Man and Wasp Media. Happy Valentine's gang. Take care. And later, later, Thank you, and of course, good night, and of course, Grayson as well, saying thanks so much for the company and the updates. Have a great night. Thanks, good night to you, hey, sir. We've had three concurrent viewers this entire episode. That's never happened. We're making millions. That's true. Um, I'll, I'll deposit it in your bank account tomorrow. Yeah. Um, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show. Thank you to everyone who watches the replay. We greatly appreciate all of your support. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci. Uh, for all the music you heard here tonight, you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards. Nope, Jeremy Bellucci underscore Wreck of Time uh, on Instagram. And of course, uh, his podcast, Suburban Proctologist or Suburban Proctologist or Suburban Proctologist Official on, on Facebook, Subproc Podcast on Instagram. Of course, you can find it on iTunes. Um, he did all the music you heard here tonight and the music for every single one of our shows. Um, so stay, thank you so much to him and of course mike matola mike matola you're getting a new mike matola episode coming soon uh get excited it's a fun one um we had a good time we love him he's collaborated with us on a bunch of things go check him out uh mike matola on instagram and tiktok you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook all at fake nerd podcast fake nerd guys at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch with us personally you can find me eagerly painfully anticipating the season three drop of Star Trek Picard. Uh, also at BC McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can check out my writings at CBR.com, AtomicGeekdom.com, and KaijuRamaMedia.com. Ben, 
You can find me still being a member of the Raider Nation. Go Raiders at Ben Mega 27 Instagram and Twitter, as well as TikTok. And Ryan, what are you doing? What's Super Bowl? They're not even what's going on here. <laughs> I know that we haven't been to the Super Bowl years, but I'm still a fan and I still have hope. Okay, let me have this one thing. Anyways, tell us a lot about what you love about the Raiders. Brandon, mute him. Mute him now. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quick that was a close one. All right, Ben. Where, no! where, ben, where, where can people he did that find your writings? You have done that yourself. You have done that yourself. You can find me at Ben Mag27, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, and GoNintendo.com, as well as playing Mary Frankenstein in Dean Dark. Link is down in the description below. Ryan? You can find me being a big old ugly face on a tiny body, being a, a machine organism designed only for killing in Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania at DJ Tony Snark 616. Sparks. Uh, you can find me getting all creamy with anticipation for when we're going to talk <laughs> about more Ghostface in Five Cream at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S P R K Z Witty. Five of them. Five. Got to give everybody a delicious image to end the night on. Five whole creams. Creamy. All right. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Until next time, you see us, guys. Stay fake, nerds.